Now you... Okay, okay, okay. I had such a good intro. Okay, what's, what's up, Wandre? What's up, John? Good now. Um, <clears throat> I had a really good radio announcer like, good evening and welcome. Shut up, Lamp. To philosophers on Twitch playing Flight Simulator. You know, I had a good kind of lineup, but this will work. Um, so we've got a couple minutes till Divya comes on. Yeah, well, we'll hopefully have many more weeks of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get it real smooth. By the time, I don't know. By the time, whatever. Let's not think too much about the future. Um, so we have a couple minutes. I'm going to I'm gonna get this plane moving. We've got a couple minutes till Divya shows up. Um, in fact, about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. Um, I'm experimenting with the... We're in Beijing, by the way. I'm experimenting with the format a little bit where I kind of like last time that we had some warm-up time and we had a little time afterwards so we'll get Divya look at this beautiful takeoff fighter jet makes everything easy um make sure this all looks right yeah this looks fine and uh we can do calls if anybody wants to uh, by the way, I see Wandre just joined the Discord. And, um, I don't know. <clears throat> you have a very current topic to discuss for a few minutes? Dog, get out, get in the lobby. Get you in the lobby. Think againer, welcome. I recognize you from Twitter. Uh, now I'm going to drag you in here, Wandre, and we'll see if this works. Wandre. Hello. Hey. What's up, man? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's up. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Tell me what's up. About, uh, let's say, 20 minutes ago, yes. I opened Twitter and I see that Pokemon is trending. Okay. Like, wow, Pokemon's trending. What's that going to be about? Look in, and McDonald's is uh, running a promo uh, teamed up with Pokemon where okay. they have in their Happy Meals uh, starter packs that are like, not like the very original packs, but just like variants on that, including original Pokemon. Is it the original, uh, wait, is it the original um, cards? No, it's not the original cards. But like the art and stuff, I think, is generally done in the style like I only saw one photo, but but right. they're like they're they're keeping the general aesthetic of the old ish cards, right? Compared to like modern Pokemon cards, I've looked at I'm like, what the fuck? Is this? Yeah, what are but these? This is like yeah. nine hundred Pokemon. Uh, I think it's I think it's like restricted to the yeah. Oh, what are these nine hundred? Yeah, 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 exactly. Wait, but how do but you no, feel about this? What what inspired you to call in to tell <laughs> me about this? Well. <laughs> I promptly jumped on DoorDash okay. and opened up the uh, <laughs> uh, the Happy Meal thing to see if there was an option to select Pokemon 25. There was, and I just, I, I ran it instantly. Now, uh -huh. I don't want McDonald's today. It's like, not a good decision to order or whatever, but you know, right. I'm in for this round. And <laughs> I should I should post a photo somehow of what I received. But <laughs> what yeah, I received a few minutes later was a little Hasbro Twister figurine. <laughs> a twister figurine? And, 
<laughs> it's, like a little, it's like a little character. It's like a twister board has been turned into a little box with hands and eyes, and he's he's smiling at you. Okay, so not a Pokemon at all. So no, <laughs> I definitely did not receive that. Okay. Um, and then I went to look and see if I could get a refund, and the offered amount was like a dollar. So like So my question <laughs> is: <laughs> What should you does do? Does man's reach exceed his grasp? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn. Like Damn, dude. That's, that's, that's all I've got. <laughs> well, I empathize with your struggle. Um, yeah. What is it? What's what is the answer to why that happened? Is it some region? Um, my assumption is just that. No, I mean, I think they had it. I my based on the popularity, like just gauging from Twitter, and then there right. were like lots of photos of people like, you know, buying like going to McDonald's, buying fifty Happy Meals. Like, yeah, I think they just probably ran out very quickly. Yeah, and, and I think that's like a thing I'm vaguely familiar with in general with McDonald's promos and other places where they just like don't Run make out. enough. And like, then give them the twister like, lines to get it, <laughs> and then people end up with twister. It's probably an adult. Um, he won't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hello, Malty and Zach. Yes, it sounds like it is twister, like the game with the colored yeah. dots. Yeah. If you want so, to throw a picture of that in the Discord, I, I'm I, actually I, curious. Yeah. Uh, let me let me grab it. That's wild. Um. They say that it's the journey, not the destination, but I, I don't know that I can... <laughs> right. I mean, what would you do if you finally caught them all? <laughs> well, I I don't think I'll ever know. That's that's the way it's looking. I, I'll put it in general. Yeah, yeah. Throw it in. Yeah, put it wherever. Throw it in the, throw it in the Discord. <laughs> oh my god, it's 24 megabytes. Holy shit. Um, it, it looks like it's uploading now. Cool. So yeah, now I have this little twister figurine that you all shortly see sitting on my bookshelf, and it will be there to remind me at the time when I almost had it all, but <laughs> instead I was left with nothing. Damn, dude, it's a tragic tale. Yeah. Um, the uh, do you, have you ever done the um, Monopoly game? Oh, you remember um... that? I feel like at the age that I was where I was interacting with it, I had no concept of what the rules were or how it worked. I right. do remember having like a little card or something. And I think I was excited to see right. like, the Monopoly branding and stuff on a thing and like engage with that. But yeah. I... Yeah. The, uh, I, I think I remember a lot of people being like, no, no, no. Like you can actually win stuff, but then it not being clear whether they had gotten bamboozled. Um, <laughs> by that that that's what i remember about this game and then it was like they give you little rewards all the time and then some people would win a lot of money but i don't know it's all i don't know yeah i mean i will say they 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 totally struck it right with choosing like a product that <laughs> was going to at least get me to instantly <laughs> order a hat so, right <laughs> right you know. Big points to the marketing team. Right. For, for piecing that together. <laughs> they, they knocked it out of the park. Right. It's like, yeah. It's like the exact conditions for you to get a Happy Meal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. To the team. 
I the the image I think is finished uploading is in general. Sweet. Oh my god, that's fucking horrifying. Actually, <laughs> I want to I want to put this on on screen really quick. Um. Uh, how do I do that? Really quick. I think I can just do uh. I can just do a one of these. No, not one of these. One of these. No, one of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where'd Discord go? Um. There you go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. <laughs> All right, well, well, let's get back to the flying. Um, yeah. Thanks for calling in, man. Feel, feel free to yeah. feel free to call in yeah. again. Yeah. Good. No good problem. to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Peace, you. Peace, man. Take care. Who do we got in chat? We got a lot of people here. What's up, Vogelfree? What's up, Karma Custodian? She wants to be stepped on, huh? <laughs> oh, God. Um, Clintonathon. Uh, that was Wandre, Sir Vogelfree. Welcome to this podcast. My gear is down. Yeah, I, it keeps going down. Let's put that gear back up. Welcome to this talk show, Karma Custodian. Um, so I, I'm just flying around, podcast. and I see that the the standards are going up for how I actually fly my plane. It used to be enough for me to just, you know, fly around. Now everyone's like, "Come on, man, your flaps are up." <laughs> I still don't know what the flap. Oh yeah, these are the flaps. Um. Thing King, yes, this is Microsoft Flight Simulator. There we go. The flaps are better now, I believe. Here, let's let's get real close in there and look at that flap action. So the camera's being a little weird, but that's because we're flying. Just don't do it with a dirty landing configuration. Uh, what's up, Mosafos? How's it going? We're literally just chilling for a little bit. Uh, I, um, yeah, we'll have Divya on 10, 20 minutes or so. And, uh, I'm flying around Beijing, though I don't know where anything cool is. I, I sort of assumed you'd be able to, like, see the Great Wall from the sky or whatever, but maybe I can just turn on the map and... Don't they say you can see the Great Wall from the sky? Oh, wait. Maybe Beijing's all, like, north of me. Yeah, that's me. I'm this plane. Oh, yeah. Also, these other people flying around, I think some of these are actual other players. Um, like this guy. And I can actually harass them a little bit because I am in a fighter jet and they're probably not. It's possible that some of them are just AI. You think those are real planes, like IRL planes? Like, I think you're thinking of space. Real-time flight data. All right, well, hello, people flying out of Beijing. Ooh. Oh, what happened? Uh, someone... Yeah, if you crash the plane in the game, I actually die. 
No, I better not. I better not tempt fate. Um, no, I turned off. Uh, sorry, I'm wobbling all over the place. I'm trying to make anybody sick. I turned off the crash because I'm actually pretty bad at this game. Um, eighty <laughs> percent of commercial flights are flown by people like Kersey. I feel like pilots are pretty well trained. But I guess it's convenient for me to believe that, huh? I feel like that's like the man's got my brain. Alright, we're going to Beijing. I, I, I know Beijing a little bit. Uh, we're going to go towards... The, we're going to be passing some of the outer ring roads. Um, I think that's this purple stuff. Or maybe not the purple stuff. Maybe the uh, the ring roads. You can see here. Forbidden City's right at the center, right? Isn't that the whole point? This is how MH370 went missing. <laughs> Pilots are trained on checklists. You got your flight simulator checklist? No, but we've got a lot of dials in here. I just, so I just watched The Aviator. I watched The Aviator last night, and I, and I really enjoyed it. And I have gotten more into planes than I've ever been in my life. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm just going to flip switches and stuff because this is great. Um, you can see I'm just pressing all these. I have no idea what these do. It might honestly be cool for me to at some point... Master arm switch, yet there are no guns. A metaphor. I feel like it would be cool for me to at some point actually learn a little bit about like how this game works so I could do a more convincing, you know. I mean, I know this one. Oh, fuel dump. Don't do that. I don't know what that I don't know what that is. Eh. Speed brake. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Put it Shit. I can't put it back. What's a speed break? Suddenly gotten really into robots because of YouTube. No, I really enjoyed it. Okay, wait. I think we did pass one of the ring... Or we're getting close to one of the ring roads. So for people who don't know, Beijing is actually structured with these... They're called ring roads. They're literally roads around a center. Um, and they're labeled like 1 through 5 or something like that. And um, they're kind of like highways. And when I was there, yeah, this looks like it's probably the fifth ring road. When I was there, I went on the highway. I was staying with the family, and we went on the highway. And on the day that we went, you could not see, I swear, like 30 feet in front of, um, 30 feet in front of you. Man, I keep being able to put the speed brake on, but, like, how do I turn it off? Oh, I just gas. I just hit the gas. It was super, that particular day, it was super, um, smoggy. Oh yeah, no, you can totally, no, the co you can totally do the cockpit. Cockpit's super fun. Film remaining. Oh, just made that disappear. Oh yeah, cool. What's this on the ground? I feel like this might be some kind of, um, Olympic... Olympics thing or no maybe not it kind of looks like a train station ring road yeah it's something I don't remember how to say it in Mandarin is that train station 
Yeah, it looks like a train station. I could try to land on a ring road. Let's. See. I want to go see. Oh, there's the Forbidden City. Now we got to see the Forbidden City while we're here. Since who knows when I'm gonna do Beijing again. Okay, but my plane's starting to go really slow. And that stresses me out because I was pressing a bunch of buttons earlier and I don't know why the fuck that happened. No, no. Pressing random buttons is not going to help. Oh, let me just turn on the dials. We call them roundabouts. What? What's a, what's a roundabout? No, no, here we go. No, here we go. Here we go. Ah. When do I think I'll next be in another country? I don't know, man. It's a great question. As soon as I can, to be honest. I want to get the hell out of here. I'm definitely in the mood for some travel. But I feel like, feel like a lot of people are. Alright, this little egg thing. I think this is... I saw this when I was there. I don't remember what it is at all. I remember that weird egg-looking building. And here we are. Okay, here's the Forbidden City. And, uh... Oh, wait, wait. I can actually pause midair so we can look at it a little bit. I believe, if I recall correctly, I believe this is Tiananmen Square. And I believe one of these is Mao's Mausoleum. I don't remember which one. I think it's probably this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's totally it. Hold on. You're gonna... Careful camera skills. So, they made... This is really shitty graphics right now. And, um... But I believe these little things aren't actually little houses. They are... Little... Big, like, like... Not little. Giant screens. When I was there, they had these giant screens, and it was all like, Mao this, Mao that, and like... You know, heroic Chinese, communist, etc. And then here we go with the actual city. They... I feel like this is worse than it could be, but I might need to download some kind of update to get the real deal. The little one's mouth. Oh my god, I don't like that I'm gonna... This is not an intentional... This is not an intentional... <laughs> there we go, we're still flying. Here you go, ladies and gentlemen. The Forbidden City. Cool. Looks like a circuit board. <laughs> International incident. I'm telling you, dude, I just don't understand. Like, sometimes I just drop altitude and I'm like, why? We're definitely going to crash. Yeah, let's put the, put the wheels down. Come on, wheels. Come on, wheels. Alright, the wheels are not going down. <laughs> right. We made it to my apartment. Thrust is at zero. We're, okay, so hold on. My engine in the bottom left was maxed out. Right? I shut the engines off. Alright, let me get some air. I'm going to cheat. So if I get some air right now, it 
Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what LVR is, but this little zero below it. Throttle is up. Thrust is zero. What's up with that? Help. Imagine being in this situation in real life. Last words, not forbidden to me. I do see the thing that says 0%, but I don't know how to make it say not 0%. I mean, I feel like I'm flying now. Unfortunately, my subjective understanding of whether I'm flying is not the relevant factor here. My engine is off. No, I understand that. <laughs> how, do I, how do I turn it on? is oh it's pro oh mm. salvo jettison no i don't know we'd need somebody here who actually understands control e can't tell if that did anything I'm able to gain speed when I... Well, anyway. Shovel more coal into the furnace. Exactly. <clears throat> How's chat doing? Alt-L. Is master ignition. Wait, Alt-I. I don't know. I'm not getting any indicator. That's okay. We'll just do barrel rolls and stuff. Let's check out these mountains. Woo! So when I was in Beijing, I also, um... I mentioned I was staying with this family. And they would keep pulling surprises on me. I don't think intentionally. Oh, wait. Do we have Divya? Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Hey. Welcome. Yeah, I was just getting everything set up. All right, I have cool. Quick stream here, and I'm also here, so I think that's good. All right, sweet. Let me let me turn on your video somehow. That <laughs> it's not video of me. That was not no. <laughs> We've got your little icon. Do I have to? I probably have to be involved. I'll press my video button. Oh yeah, you, you, well you also have to turn on your video. Yeah. Okay. Can you see me now? Give it a second. Um, okay. I I think that I am contributing my own video stream. So. Okay. And. Oh, it's loading. Oh yeah, there we go. There we go. Sweet. I think it'll show up on screen okay. momentarily. Yep, right. looks like it's happening. Awesome. Hello. All right, we got we got you on. That seems laggy, but that's okay. Yeah, well, so the stream will always be like seven seconds behind you or something. IRL, but it might be yep, bonus laggy. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if I should be watching this then. That's that's weird. 
right oh we'll throw you off um no it's fine no, i just won't i will know to expect that sweet um do you see chat so multi multi says hi and that your voice is very pretty thank you <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it um, i don't know if i will ever get used to the way my voice actually sounds not in my head but perhaps one day yeah is the general rule with that that people sound deeper to themselves i think so yeah because you hear it through your bones right and then right yeah i think so right i feel like i have this booming <laughs> you know <laughs> like a god level voice you know but, um, but uh okay so oh, no, somebody says no i sound way higher pitched myself interesting yeah that hasn't been the pattern i'm familiar with but i got not surprised there's variation I sound like a 10-year-old child in recordings. I think I, I sound more nasally to myself when I hear the recording. Same here, definitely. More nasally? Oh. Yeah, that's, that's what I noticed. Right. Um, okay, so everybody, now that we have Divya on, and by, by the way, I'm Divya, if you're curious, I'm currently flying around the outskirts of Beijing, but we can, we're going to pick another place yeah, to was, go. I was watching for a few minutes. So oh, okay. Sweet. Um, yeah, so do we pick together? Well, or you can just pick, huh? Let's just, let's do that now. So let me, uh, let me so, okay. get us in. Um, do you have a place in mind or should I? I did, so. yeah, I we... did have one place in mind though. I mean, there seem like plenty of good options there. Is it more fun to do a place I've not seen before or a place that I like? What do you think? When people do places they like, they tend to, or places they've lived they often tend to be like, oh, this is this thing, this is that thing. I don't know. What, whatever is good. Okay. Done both. Well, then I'll give you two ideas and you can pick. Cool. In terms of where I've lived, that is also one of my favorite buildings. I grew up right by the Flatiron Building and I love it. Right. So that would be cool. Yeah, that's what Will's saying, Flyover NYC. Yeah. Um, I also, in, at some point in my life, I would like to maybe see the pyramids. I definitely never have. Maybe right. I've already done it. Right. We've done the I pyramids and we've done NYC, but I'm down to do NYC really quick anyway, because it's pretty cool how they do okay. it and we can do it quickly. And I don't know, we could do we could do the pyramids too. Or oh. here's another one. Another place in the summer I go to Long Island, Maine in Casco Bay, and I think it's very pretty and we could go there and it's small. I could describe like the whole thing. All right. Should we should we do NYC and then we'll do that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do a quick NYC. Okay. Um help me out with what airport I should go to, because I don't know NYC that well. Uh, let's do LaGuardia and then fly downtown on the east side, probably. Let's try that. Cool. Right, so, wherever. Um, and we also have to pick a plane. So, plane. the general categories are, I have fighter jets, which are the easiest to fly. Um, mm -hmm. There's a big Airbus, and then there's, you know, like giant, you know, Boeing, you know, 747 type stuff. And then there's a lot of little jets. I'm going to slowly scrolling through them. Oh, that's cool. Um, and some of them are more like little clicker planes or something. I don't know what the actual term is. And some of them are more like, if you were super rich, you'd own one of these, like this Textron aviation jet, I think. Um, yeah, that all sounds great. I mean, you're the pilot. So I guess I think you should decide in terms of how hard do you want it to be to fly. Right. I mean, I usually take the challenge that is foisted upon me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um... Hmm. Anyone in the chat have suggestions for planes? I'm not feeling super inspired, but I'm looking at the different ones going by. I'm not seeing any purple ones. I would maybe be drawn to that, but so far I'm seeing some right. other colors. 
I don't know if there are any purple planes. <laughs> yes, maybe not. Um... There's red. <laughs> There's... Hold on, let me go bit. There's this yellow. Some of them kind of look like they have faces. Is that just me? I think that that's like a human universal. Okay, fine. Then I'm like, that looks like a face. <laughs> what, this one? The diamond aircraft looks like it has a face. I might just grab one. What? Oh, Kersey, not me, of course. That makes more sense. Lydia just asked if you're wearing a fake mustache. <laughs> What's real anyway? No, it did grow. You can tell her it did grow out of my face. Why the citation, Kersey? That'll be fun. All right, what's the citation? Okay, let's do that. I like the name. Citation is a good name. Hmm. Wait, oops. Citation. Where is it? Bizjet. I don't see this citation. Wait, we can type it. Is it in alphabetical order? It looks like it is, right? Oh, here we go. Cessna citation. There we go. Alright, and also um, Lithro said switch to all players mode in flight conditions. Right. So we, we might be able to see Lithros in, in Oh, neat. Cool. Very cool. Alright, let's do this. Um, I'll also get to pick the weather. Okay. Let's make it something challenging I think it's mostly how it looks though there, there is wind sometimes well then I guess visit I mean it's nice to be able to see what's below You're right hurricane raining frogs meteor shower it would be good to get <laughs> like a, a biblical mod someone should make a bible mod <laughs> it's just like darkness <laughs> Water turns to blood. Um, Divya. Yes. So I'm going to hit you with um, 10 questions that I'm going to think of right now. Perfect. And just to kind of introduce you. So for people in chat that don't know, I, I have known Divya for many years. And I'm very happy to be introducing her to all of you. Um, those of you who don't already know her from Twitter. Um, and here we go. We got some visibility and let's get this thing in the air. And then I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, huh? And Lithros, if you can find me, do so. As long as the firstborn son isn't the pilot. I like to press L for locusts. Yeah. Right, here we go. I never really drive on the runway. <laughs> okay. But we are up. Nice. Oh, I think I'm seeing like lots of pe people's names. Okay, like all these people are actual players. That's kind of cool. That is I, cool. I haven't done that before. Um, let me get us going towards. So where's that? We're going towards Manhattan, presumably. Yes, Manhattan. So west of here. Yep, that seems right. Cool. 
All right, here we go. Ten questions. I know the answers to some of these. Um, so, wait, I should ask ones that I don't know the answers to. What's a movie you've seen recently that you enjoyed? I haven't seen that many movies recently, but um, a friend of mine recommended, I think it's called The Lifeguard. It has Kristen Bell, who was in Veronica Mars and The Good Place and some other stuff. I really like her. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And she she gets sort of disillusioned with her job and then she goes back to her hometown and gets a job as a lifeguard and like starts hanging out with teenagers and her high school friends. And right. I know it is, it ends up being kind of dark, but I, I really liked it. There's something about, there's something about teenagerhood that I, that I think I tend to like movies that are about that. And that's been true ever since I was a teenager. Wait, it was you that recommended me, um, Euro trip. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Right. So <laughs> I, I was looking desperately for stupid, funny movies, and that was the one that scratched the itch. Nice. Um, that that was the one that made me not have to keep watching more and more um, bad comedies. Um, the uh, okay, cool. Let, wait, let me keep going. Um, what's a place in the world that you've been that I don't know you've been to? Oh, I don't. Um that I, mean, I don't i don't think i have a very interesting answer here i'm like trying to think of something interesting but i i won't do that i'll just answer the question cool i in college i spent one summer in a hill station in india doing art projects with kids it was called missouri and it was pretty cool i don't think i've ever mentioned that but maybe i have what's a hill station um so it's it's just at the top of a mountain, basically, so it's cooler in the summer. I think that various... The British definitely set up some, some, I don't know, some government buildings there in the summer because it was hot a lot of places. I think maybe the Mughals did too before them, but I don't know. It was like uh -huh. places that people would go to in the summer because it was cooler because it's just high up. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Well, I guess that's a, that was my third question was what was it? What's a hill station? Um, four. Um... What's something that you have eaten that might surprise some people? I'm I'm not a very adventurous eater at all, really, but I could probably think of something. Let's see. I, mean, I don't know. A few years ago, I ate some Play-Doh because my kids were trying to eat it, and I was like, <laughs> Is this taste like I sort of remembered <laughs> eating Play-Doh as a kid, right? But I hadn't tried it in years, and it tasted far more bitter than I remembered. And then it, I didn't look up a citation, but a friend of mine was like, "Yeah, I think they added something so to make it so that the kids wouldn't eat it as much." But it didn't really work. Does Play-Doh have nutritional value? Um, I mean, the, the homemade Play-Doh has wheat in it. This was commercial Play-Doh that I tasted. If it, I mean, it, I think it has non-zero calories and almost no micronutrients would be my guess. Right. Um, I still remember the taste of Play-Doh now that you're talking about it. Yeah, so maybe that's not surprising, but as an adult, it's maybe a little more surprising. No, that's a good answer. Wait, <laughs> side note, where's the Flatiron building? And am I going to be able to get close to it without... Oh, yeah, yeah, we're pretty close already. I didn't realize it was going to be so fast. Yeah, um, yeah. It's on 22nd and Broadway, if that helps you Ugh. and broadway at this point is right between the east side and the west side so kind of in the middle okay is it more it's, near the north cluster of buildings or the south cluster of buildings 
Well, that goes pretty far south, but it's... There is a park. It's below Central Park, if that helps. Okay, well, there's um, it's Central, totally Park. Below Central Park. Yes. There, if, it's about thir- you know thirty odd blocks below Central Park. There is a, a fairly small park there called um, Madison Square Park. Okay. Is that is that? It sounds like a park. Green? No, but I'm like, is that? Wait, is that something else? The, the building across from it is called Madison Green, and there's a green area. Right. Okay. Hold on. I got an idea. Right, most of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat here, and I'm going to go to slew mode, and we're gonna just look for it. Oh. All right. Hmm. It is Madison Square Park. Okay. Good. Yeah, I would say this is a little bit too far north, right? Now that this looks, looks all right. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty good. Can just nestle in here. This is terrifying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a bird of prey. I feel like um like Spider Man. Oh, there's the Empire State Building. Yeah, it's not that far from the Empire State Building. Alright. I could usually see it out the window. From the Empire it's State It's also building. pretty close to the Chrysler building. Alright, where's the Chrysler building? Uh I think behind you to your south says yeah so you can't see it right now but oh wait so there is the that's not the chrysler building i recognize that gold tipped one oh there's the flatiron building you see it it's like just south of that green area it's because it's i mean it's like a triangle building now you it's now now i can't see it anymore but i could briefly see it okay okay so more well, I, and I'm watching the stream, so it's a seven-second delay, so probably we'll get confused if I try to be like, now, now. Right, right, right. Hold on. Tell me a heading. You can be like, you can tell me, like, it's, I don't know how to do this. There's got to be some advanced, <laughs> like, logistical way to say it that, like, military people would use. Probably, yeah, because I think they're used to communicating even when, I don't know. Hold on. I'll, I'll stop now, and then one, then tell me where to go. Okay. Well, wait, which direction are you facing? I'm facing north. You can actually see me on the little map on the left side. Oh, that's right. I can. Um, I think it's right below that green spot. You see the green spot in the bottom of the screen? Yeah. I think it's just south of that, so you can't see it right now. Yeah, there's somebody in the chat says the same thing. Go backwards like four seconds. That seems right to me, too. All right. I'm hunting. I'm hunting for it. Wait, now I'm confused. Oh, that was a different... Okay, I think I was wrong about which green area was which. Oh, okay. I'll look back north again. Wait, wait, now you're going towards Central Park. Let's see, hold on. If I go north... No, no, Central Park is is ahead of us. Now we're... I mean, now we're facing north. Backwards, like four. Okay, never mind. I, I got confused for a second. You're you're nowhere that close to Central Park at all. Um. I mean, New York looks cool. New York is cool. <laughs> oh, th- is there's the Chrysler Building? 
All right, all right, so now I can have it set up where here. The Chrysler building is on the right side of my plane. And now the Empire State is on the left side. Okay. And... I, f I feel like we just, like, Adderalled into this task. But I, I, I do, like, <laughs> want to accomplish it, but we don't have to. Um... <laughs> I... Okay. I'm Googling this. It's on... And you're facing... Like, hey, Lethros is flying around on screen. Due south of Empire State. Yeah, I, I also, I look at the map and I'm like, okay, you're facing north. But to, like, Manhattan north isn't, is like a little bit askew from that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so... Okay, seven blocks south of Empire. Or I see it on the map. Yeah, yeah it's like. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta. I don't. I don't think if I. Wait, is that it? I might see it. Okay, now you're moving again, um, which is good. Is it this? Hold on, hold on. Sorry, I'm moving too much. <laughs> okay, there's that. I wish I could have just identified it more quickly. Okay, wait. No, that's Madison's... That's Flatiron Building. Empire State Building. This is the Flatiron Building. Oh, is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's right... Oh, there it is. I see it. Okay. The little um, triangle, so you're, right? You're seven seconds ahead of me, but I just saw it, so... Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Cool. I think it's this little triangle. It's the triangle. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what it's known for. Basically. It's so it's small. I mean, it's like 30... <laughs> Some around thirty stories tall, but yeah, it's in the Empire State Building is like a hundred stories tall. Right, it's small for like a humongous building. Yeah. There we go. Well, we one found it. Favorite. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Excellent. This is one of my favorite buildings. Excellent. Which is not really. I mean, I also grew up right there, so that's I'm sure a lot of why. But right, I also think it's cool. It has cool. Like I don't know how close you can get, but I like um like I like the architecture of it and stuff. I think it's because it's it's like a early skyscraper like it looks like an old timey skyscraper right it's like concrete it is, right? and it's stuff like, yeah it's like before they were like we're gonna make everything steel and glass it's like yeah. this is what this is how they made skyscrapers yeah and so, it has a distinctive shape so yeah there we are yeah the the um the graphics are not always man it looks like homeless encampments or something down there maybe those are just like supposed to be tents or whatever that's my san francisco intuition kicking in that those would be you know, so that area i think they i think that's not true i believe that those are um that's a seating area and those are umbrellas oh okay i'm not positive right it, there, it's also an area where yeah tables for outdoor dining that, that's what i thought too there's an area fairly near there that but i think not right there where they tend to have some sort of art installation but yeah I, those right. look like umbrellas this was hit curzy already okay hey buddy uh uh See, I'm on slew mode. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Lithros. So doing that? <laughs> Good oh, flying. Oh, there you are. I see. Nice, nice, nice. Oh. <laughs> All right, sweet. Now I'll actually fly the plane for a little bit. Um, where were we? So we don't actually. We'll, we'll get back to my ten questions. Um, okay. the um. As you can see, I'm still experimenting with the with the format here a little bit, and uh, 
I also did get my Twitter followers um, gave me some questions. So at some point, I right. should probably talk about them. I don't know. What, why don't we just grab one? That, that's a good idea. We'll grab one. We'll, we can, we'll find topics from there. That okay, so like. here's one that I, I didn't plan. I don't have a good answer to this one, yeah. really. But uh, Danny on Twitter said, which I, I want to hear your answer, too. So which oh, yeah. historical figure and or time period do you most relate to and why? Yeah, that's a good one. Do you want to go first or should I take a crack at it? And he said, loose interpretations welcomed. Right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give a few thoughts and then you can go and then I'll see if I come up with anything better. Mm. I, I mean, I think, I think I, I honestly don't relate to historical periods very much compared to most people. Was the question the, a said, period or a figure? Um, he said both. both. Which historical figure and or time period? Right. Um, I, yeah, I will think about it a little more with the historical figures. I think I don't relate to, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to be living now and I like now. If I had to pick an answer other than that, I would say there's something that kind of like sticks in my head about like 1997, but that's not a historical period really. Like that's a time in my own personal life. Right. But beyond that, I do kind of, I do spend probably a lot of time thinking about like hunter-gatherer life, uh -huh. which I guess is a historical period. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like I like modern things quite a bit. When I th I just think of times in history, and I'm like I had I posted about this on Twitter, and I'm like I don't know, but then I'd have to wash the clothes by hand and that sort of thing. Like <laughs> I'm like wouldn't have sanitation and it, right. I don't know. It, that seems like super salient to me when I think about, which is of course also true of the hunter gatherers though. You know, I don't think they were washing their clothes really in the same way. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be thinking about figure, but I don't think I have a great answer. I'd be interested to hear yours. So I think I, t I have a huge amount of trouble with this question because I take it like for myself, like super seriously. And I think I also am, might be like uniquely bad at answering it because I have all these things that I want to be like, um, mm -hmm. and it's very kind of like ambition ridden for me where I think through my life, I've like used cool shit as part of my like psychological setup to motivate me and structure my intention and stuff. Um, so at, at points I would have been like Julius Caesar, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, like some number yeah. of years back. Right. And then you start to be like, okay, wait, I don't think I'm literally going to be a military conqueror. Um, like maybe not literally, <laughs> maybe it's more of like a spiritual vibe that I like about it. So, um, I, I ended up reading about like, uh, Metternich. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about Metternich before. I don't think so. No, I read about him for a while because I liked the idea of understanding a broader range of like, sort of like cool historical badasses where he's not a Caesar, right? He is, he's like a diplomat, basically. Mm -hmm. He's more like, a, he's a, you know, they call him the butterfly minister. He's like a kind of sort of woos Napoleon um, into a set of arrangements that puts Austria into a better situation. Um, and also the question is very political, right? I feel like if you say certain times, it like means something about like what you think should be the case. Right. You know? Um, yeah, no, I feel you on that one. It's like, if, if you're like Victorian England, it's like, okay, you're right winger. <laughs> like, it's like, um, but I'll just say, and 
this is probably a very fucked up in, a, answer, but there is, and, and I, I don't want to say, like, go with this full stop, but I think to be alive during World War II, um, certainly depending on who you are, but assuming I was lucky to be, like, an American, right, um, mm -hmm. and, like, I think that would be extremely invigorating. I'll at least say that. I don't know if, if it's what I identify with or whatever, if, like, it would be all good, I think. In many ways, it could be quite horrible. But there's something to me about, like, your entire society being aimed like a fucking laser beam at doing something. And especially, like, a human-shaped task, like, kill the other guys, basically. I think there's something that I, I, I like, kind of long for that sort of meaning. Um, I do, Yeah, I think my grandparents probably had that. I don't know, like, what your family was up to. Right. Um, well, my... My dad's dad, and also we should aim this more at you, by the way, because um, okay. you're good at getting people to talk, <laughs> and I'm and I like talking, which is why I run a fucking talk show on Twitch. But we should we do need to actually talk about you. I will say one thing, which is that uh, on my grandfather's on either side were on different sides of the war. So, um, oh wow, okay, yeah, my dad's dad was in the Italian Navy, and there's a funny story of um, I'll tell this story really quick, which is that. Apparently, mostly he just sat around in a boat during the war and it was just very boring. Um, and then at mm -hmm. a certain point, he, yeah, he just describes it as just really boring. At a certain point, the Italians surrender and a German commander guy gets on board and says, all right, line everybody up. Um, tell us your what your career was before the war so we know what your skills were. And everybody's saying their career that they had. And... Um, my grandfather had been a farmer and he was embarrassed of this so he says he was a barber and <laughs> you can see where this is going which is the guy's like oh that's amazing you know like we needed a barber um because you know the the guy one up for me in command he really needs a haircut and my grandpa's like oh you know like i don't have my tools like i don't have my stuff like and he's like, no, 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 we've got everything you need. Don't worry about it. We've, he's been talking about this and thinking about it. And so as the story goes, they went down into the hold. And apparently my grandfather took like three hours and it was like very hot. And the guy's like sweating and the sweat's dripping and the shaving cream's <laughs> dripping off the guy. And my grandfather managed to like cut his hair and shave him. And the guy looks in the mirror and he's like, nice, you know. Um, okay, cool. This, this should be a story about how then he started like you know a barbershop business in the states but i don't think he did i think he uh worked in a steel mill when when he uh got here but but yeah they, they, the the other the other grandfather like worked in a weather station and like once tried to like shoot a snake or something like that like it's sort of a, i don't know if he was like a combat thing at all it was kind of like weather might have been in the pacific yeah, so my, um, I mean, so I have, I'm half Indian. My my Indian grandparents were not involved in World War II. They were, they actually have their own, they have their own story. They were in, they're Hindu, but they were in Sindh, and then um, partition happened. So they, I think they got out before anything was really bad. My, my brother's was better about interviewing. My grandfather died before I was born, but he was good about interviewing my grandmother and her great aunt, and they... It seemed like it was it was okay for them, or at least they didn't say anything about it. Right. But um, my mom's parents, they were both involved in World War II. My grandfather was in the CIA, or I guess it was it was called OSS. OSS, or something. cool. 
Yeah, he does. I mean, he didn't talk about it ultimately that much. He claims he was sort of like one of the people that didn't really do that much, which is maybe true. It's probably true. It's hard to be totally sure. Uh, yeah, right. Um, but they did move around a lot uh, afterwards. Like he, they were in Berlin for a while. They were in Vienna. So my mother grew up kind of all over the place. And yeah, she was born in Berlin and then she was in America for one year when she was around seven and then they lived in Vienna. And then she, she was in America for one other year, I think like eighth grade for her. And then she was in the Congo, which is, I mean, that's like, that whole thing is embarrassing what America was up to in the Congo. My impression, not that I've studied this deeply, is that there was a pretty promising sort of not super corrupt seeming, but socialist leaning guy that Right. The Americans were pretty much ready to assassinate and get rid of, but they didn't because some somebody else took him out first, and the Americans helped install Mobutu, who was not socialist leaning, but like really one of the one of the pretty bad dictators. So, what, what years is this? It's a good question. I would have to look it up, but I guess I could think about it. Was I think this was happening when my mother was a teenager, and I think she's born in 1948. So. 60s, 70s, something. Yeah. Right. I, why did I think that, there were, that were, communists were in power in the Congo? I might be getting it confused. Um, well, I think it depends when. Right. Um, but if but Mobutu, I could look up when he was when he was there. But I thought he was not communist leaning. Wait. So that that side of the family was from Europe. I mean, they'd been living in America. Yeah, they'd been living in America for a fairly long time. Right. Um, but mostly of... Oh, wait, shit, sorry. I just accidentally opened some YouTube tabs looking trying to... Okay, I think they didn't make any noise. Um, but yeah, they they had mostly English and Irish ancestry, but had been in America for a long time. Okay, wait, but then we were talking about this because we were talking about where the historical figure or the historical era. Yeah, oh, right. But then you were saying that like there would have been something invigorating about World War II. It's, it's, for me, it's that Churchill quote, like, I don't remember the exact phrase. Somebody here is going to know this better than me, and I'm going to mangle it. But the, it's something like, I'm going to hell for this, but goddamn it, I love this war. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's, uh, sort, it's sort of like the, the whole um, shared enemy thing, I feel like is, it's like seems like the the cheapest and most efficient way to have like a sense of meaning, and it's like a bad one because there has to be this enemy and stuff. Right, but that makes sense. That's sort of where I come from on that. Oh, so interesting. I um, yeah, I was just looking at his Wikipedia page from Mobutu. He was in power from 1965 to 1997 mm. as the president of Zaire. And yeah, serving during the Congo crisis, serving as chief of staff of the army and supported by Belgium in the U.S., he deposed the democratically elected government of nationalist Patrice Lumumba, arranged for his execution. Right, right. Second coup. No, nothing great here. But I think, so to support what you said, a little bit later, it's, yeah, kleptocracy. Mobutu was the object of a pervasive cult of personality I, I some think... leading some the calls rule of kleptocracy that sounds about right however from 1972 onwards he was supported by mao mainly mm -hmm. due to his anti-soviet stance oh so, interesting i could maybe that's where you got the idea about communist because mao supported him but it seemed like not really because he was exactly a communist it's confusing 
because the communists, I mean, and I think also the West um, supported all kinds of people. Um, yes. Right. Totally. Right. That's right. He was notorious for corruption, nepotism, and embezzlement of between four billion and fifteen billion U.S. dollars during his reign. Yeah, Zaire. I, I think I, I have this map, this big map, and I have had difficulty. Uh, I had difficulty. I'm not not real difficulty, but it's sort of like a puzzle to f figure out the date of the mm -hmm. map. And the clues are: it says East West Germany. Uh, sorry, it yeah. says just Germany. Not not East East West Germany. It just says Germany, oh, yeah. but it also says Zaire. And the overlap between that is like a couple of years. It's like eighty nine or ninety or ninety one. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So I don't think historical figures. I, yeah, I don't have a good answer to that. I really admire um, Karen Pryor, but again, like historical. I mean, she I think is still alive though. Who's Karen Pryor? So she was sort of, um, she kind of started the modern clicker training movement. Right. It, the, the type of operant conditioning used with clicker training, including a marker signal, it, it's all stuff that Skinner invented. I actually think Skinner is, at this point, probably underrated as a thinker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she, she, her husband was doing... <laughs> Let me see if I get all these details right. I think he was trying to run Sea Life Park or something like that in Hawaii. And she had a little bit of experience training animals. So he was like, you figure it out. And she basically like read Skinner's work and figured out how to use it to actually train the dolphins. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and she just sort of, yeah, she just like came up with that. She also had, she had a bunch of kids and she even wrote a book about breastfeeding. She was like into attachment parenting. Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, I don't know. There's something I really admire about that, that she, and, and she spread it. She popularized it quite a bit. And now it's the idea. It, I mean, I think dog training, it was probably overdetermined that dog training was, was going to become more positive in terms of like, you know, not hurting the dogs as much and stuff like that. Right. But I think it went in a slightly different direction than it could have and faster than it could have. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I admire that. I mean, I think, you know, she was mostly kind of like going and doing her thing and having a family and then sort of opportunistically someone was like, okay, like also figure this out. And there's something that I relate to, I think about that she managed to find a bunch of information and actually learn it from a book and then teach it to people. I think this is like a, I mean, I don't think I'm good at reading hard books, but I think a comparative <laughs> strength of mine is that I can learn things from books at all and then can sometimes do them. Right. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people I know share this quality, but I think it's somewhat uncommon, actually, overall. I think a lot of people don't like to learn skills from books. It's. I think it's just often very hard because the whole... I, I think of it as like a defragmenting process, like taking something from a verbal area to actually acting on it is very hard. Right. Yeah, I do think, I do think it's hard. I mean, and I... The times that I've managed to do it, I think it definitely involved a bunch of iteration and trying right. to, you know, like practicing it and then eventually figuring it out. It, that, I guess it depends on the book too, because yeah, it just depends well, a lot on the book. Yeah. But I feel like reading Skinner and then doing that is actually, I don't know, I haven't read Skinner. Maybe it's all very clear cut. Well, I don't think she was the first one who had tried to read this manual from Skinner. So I think it was right. something pretty hard that she read. Right. Um, we actually have a caller if you want to take a call right now, by the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sweet. 
right, uh, I'll bring in Duffield. Hey, Duffield, you're you're on the air. But you may be muted. I see a mute there button. Oh, there, yeah. there we go. Is that, uh, can you hear me at least now? Yeah. Yes. Can you see me? Uh, I'm just doing audio for, for people calling oh, in. Oh, but... all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, good, good to meet you both. Um, my name's Will Duffield. I, uh, I got a bunch of Twitter notifications, and usually when I haven't tweeted, that's a bad thing. Right. Uh, um, but in this case, it was, uh, being I read the works of B.S. Skinner, but I did once get to play in a um, Skinner-themed sort of escape role-playing game written by Brian Kaplan, which was a very interesting experience. Oh, so I'm interested to hear more. So he... I think we've got a little uh, bit of robot voice on my end, unfortunately. Um, Hold on. Um... You know what? Here, D Divya, can you actually cut your video for the for the length of the call in, yeah, and that might just help with with uh, the. Okay. I hope that frees up some bandwidth. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah. Is that any better now? Yes, that is much better. All right, go, yeah, go for Wonderful. it. Sorry to, sorry to um, interrupt you. So Brian Kaplan, I think two summers, three summers ago, ran this game in which all of the characters were or started the game in a kind of underground labyrinth. Um, in a set of sort of Skinner-esque or the product of a set of Skinner-esque behavioral experiments and then had to escape both the facility and their their conditioning, um, finding themselves stranded in, in the Florida Keys um, off, offshore. So it was a hoot. Oh, I don't know if I'm still cute. You said, I can still hear you. yeah, we hear it. You said it was a who something. It was a hoot. Yes. Yeah. So, what so what sort of things did you do to escape? I think I'm having. I, I this concept sounds awesome, and I'm having trouble picturing how this plays out. So it was both a, a, a physical escape from a kind of, um, I don't know, very one flew over the cuckoo's nest sort of mm -hmm. inspired underground facility um, with all kinds of nasty orderlies and, and things. Um, and then, as I remember, each each character also had um, some sort of conditioned problem or or trigger um, or something that, that they had to, to escape that often came into play in, in the kind of physical trials of navigating their way out of this place. Well, let me just understand. This is like a pen and paper game. Yes. Oh, interesting. How um how like how good is it? I guess in terms of like the concepts it uses, like you, you know what I mean. Oh, it was um, I, I think it was running on a, a roll twenty system. Um, but I I think it was really the the environment that did most to kind of. Yeah. Set the mood. Um, these were sort of pick up and play characters rather than um, anything the players had, had written themselves. So you might have gotten more intimate problems if it had been uh, self created characters. Right. 
Debbie, you, you there? Um, yeah, sorry. No, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm, I don't have a lot to say about it, but it sounds cool. I'm also a big Brian Kaplan fan in general. I wonder when we'll have Caplicon again. Another sad loss to to the pandemic. But um, oh, did he run, did he run a uh, did he have a con? He has like a con at his house in in the summers um, for a weekend where oh, everybody cool. just plays board games. Right. I actually played um I played a very short D and D game with Anders Sandberg once. Nice. Uh, I think it was of, of his creation. It was very weird. Um, it just, it was, I, I don't, I barely even, it's like a, I wasn't on anything at the time, but it's like a psychedelic haze. It's just this weird memory. It was at some conference. Um, and I think there was like, it was like some kind of like advanced alien like substances. And we were like rolling to know the properties of the substances or something <laughs> like that. Um, it's a very Anders Sandberg kind of setup. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess, did you have, have more to share on that? Um, not, not particularly that just, I, I popped back in and, and right. Skinner was the subject of, of the hour. Yeah. Um, I'm I might have to, to look that up. Anything. I heard of something about parents, world war two experiences earlier and, uh, I saw dogs in chat. Well, I guess m maybe this would be a good time, Divya, for you to say a little bit about, like, because I, I know some things about this, but a little bit about the whole, how you relate to the, the conditioning and the training thing, because I think that's something that the, yeah, the viewers might sure. find interesting. I, I think I think it's super interesting. I And I go back and forth on whether it's one of those things, like, I would maybe analogize it to nonviolent communication, which I'm a huge fan of. And I think, like, I guess part of me is like, okay, and all of the criticisms of nonviolent communication are basically criticism, unfair criticisms of a straw man, which I do kind of think, actually. I mean, I, I think probably 95 plus percent of the things people are like, oh, but NBC does this. I'm like, well, but in the book, he says probably at least five times not to do that thing ever. Uh -huh. So I don't know, should we call that nonviolent communication or not? Right. Like, like, like to manipulate people. He, I mean, he's very clear. He's like, and if your intent is to do something like this to manipulate people, then that is not what I'm talking about. And please don't do that. And right. <laughs> that's not what I mean. Right. On the other hand, it's sort of like, well, but I think that it's a very hard thing to actually implement given his instructions. Right. This is, this is an extended analogy. I think this is both true for nonviolent communication and true for clicker training i uh -huh. think it's a really it's really cool and i think that the people that are the best practitioners of it say the right things about and about and this would be a bad way to use it however i think so this this feels like a little long-winded and i am going to get to to say things that I, i'm going to like better eventually but yeah i think they're sort of not very i think they're really cool interesting sets of instructions that are not very kind of human mind shaped if that makes sense uh-huh um i think that makes sense to me okay i mean i also maybe people don't know what clicker training is i'll first say what it is yeah yeah just, and, just and by the way uh mr duffield i'm going to boot you from the call just but feel free to call back in if you've got a, a thought or question later in the show um sounds good th thanks for coming by i i, I may yeah, actually look you. up that that uh kaplan's p uh, pen and paper Kaplan. game 
Sweet, there we go. Just had to do this bandwidth management, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd, have, I'd just have everybody on the call. No, that makes sense. Yeah, do, I can turn the video on and leave it off. I don't, I don't have strong feelings about that. Yeah, um, let's, but put it on in like five, five minutes or something. So okay, can, cool. Yeah. yeah, so the way clicker training works is that basically you make a marker signal and people tend to do it with, I have a clicker here, I can, I'll make the sound, but then my cats would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you make a little sound like that or you use a whistle or whatever. And that acts as an event marker. Indeed, yeah, my cat's coming right. Like, oh, did I just do something? Do I get a treat? So I'll give her a treat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you give, and then after you make the marker, you give them something they like. And typically most training is done with food. So in this case, and then pretty soon they get the concept that you're clicking when they do something that you like and then you're feeding them. So it starts to be that they, it's like starts to basically be a hit of like joy for them when they hear this click, they're like, oh yes, you know, assuming you're doing it right and you're not, there aren't other aversive things about the scenario, which, which there sometimes can be. And so then they'll start to often repeat it, especially, and like some animals more than others find these games fun, especially with people who are good at it. So again, I'm like adding all these caveats, but yeah. like a typical example would be with the dog, you start clicking and then feeding him every time he sits and it, it's better or that like the argument at least there have been a limited number of studies about this and some of them i think have borne out that the click as an event marker is very useful and some of them show that it's not that important probably depends but the idea anyway is that because you can get the timing of it exactly right it's easier for the dog to figure out oh that's what she liked it's when i sat because mm -hmm. it hears this very distinct noise mm. and then they know that it's good because after the click you always feed them and you know assuming that they would that they want the food and so then they start to repeat it. Then they start sitting to get the click over and over again. And then you can put it on cue and so then you can make it. So if you say, they know that if you say sit, then that means that they're going to get the treat for sitting. And if you don't say it, then you're it's like not on offer right now. And, and you can teach dogs to do, and this sort of comes along with the idea of shaping, which is that using these event markers, like a click or a whistle, you can mark successive approximations of a behavior. So, with something like a sit, the dog just does it a lot and you might you might just get them fully sitting. But for other things you could, or, or for sitting or for whatever else, you could just click it when it's the behavior is closer and closer to, the, to what you want to see. Like I've trained all my animals, for example, to lie down on a mat. And so mm -hmm. first I'll click them for like, they have one foot on the mat and then, you know, they have all of their feet on the mat and then they're like maybe sort of crouching on the mat and then eventually they're lying down on the mat and they, they get the idea and then they'll go over and lie down on the mat and look at me like, is that what you wanted? Mm. Uh, it's pretty cool. And it, this sort of thing is, is very common these days. Not if for pet dog training, it tends to be taught more like this, certainly a lot more like this than it used to be, but also in a lot of professional contexts, And in particular with a lot of, um, with zoos also. Mm -hmm. And one way that it's different from the traditional training is that I think part of you know, I'm, I would say roughly maybe sort of part of what it means to be a domesticated animal is to be okay and not just like totally leave the scene if something aversive happens. Like dogs will put up with a lot. You can yell at them, you can hit them, you can whatever, and they'll still hang out with you. Hmm. Uh, for the most part, obviously, it depends on the dog, et cetera. But for example, it's not true of a wolf. It's not true of a deer. It's not true of a crocodile. Like those animals might attack you or they might just leave. Right. Um, a lot of these animals will just leave if anything aversive is involved. And I mean, they're, they tend to be a lot more skittish. Right. So it, 
they don't want to be near you necessarily in the first place and you can get them more used to you over time by feeding them and stuff like that i, I like this yeah. definition of of domesticity is like the amount of our bullshit they're willing to take yeah and like will can you actually sort of train them using negative reinforcement uh-huh and like a horse for example you you can right like it's mm -hmm. I, whether it's humane or not, I think sometimes it's relatively humane. Sometimes it's not that humane, but they're not just going to totally try to flee the scene. Well, and, and remind me, just because I, I'm remembering this from AP Psych, is negative reinforcement applying a negative stimulus or removing a positive or something like that? Right. So, yeah, th that's one of those things. Negative reinforcement is that there's something bad happening and then you remove it when the animal does something you like. And it's a, right. it's a pretty reliable way to train compared to punishment. Right. Um, it does have, tend to have somewhat predictable effects. It also creates fallout because you're, I mean, like, how did that negative thing get there to begin with? Usually in training processes, because you put it there. Like negative yeah. reinforcement isn't always bad. If it's raining outside and you don't like being wet and then you go into a house and now you're dry, your right. behavior of going into the house was negatively reinforced because you get relief from the rain. Uh-huh. And there's plenty of negative stuff that just happens in life. And so that's fine. But if if what it means is you are choking a dog right, and right. then you remove the choking of the dog when they do what you want, then, yeah, there may be some fallout because the dog doesn't like being choked. Right. And there's some chance that it wants to avoid the entire situation now. But, but yeah, dogs will put up with a lot, typically, at least compared to, say, wild animals. Right. And to be clear, to, so we're, we're kind of talking about it in a sort of, I guess you could say scientific sort of inhumane kind of way, but it's it's sort of like when you say fallout, what does that mean here? Besides yeah, that so it's I, bad, it's like, what, what's that? Well, no, so I think I mean something more precise by that. There's a book that I read a bunch of and meant to do a Twitter thread about and only did the very beginning of a Twitter thread about called Coercion and its Fallout by uh -huh. Murray Sidney. And uh -huh. he, has, he has a short list of things but it's it's like side effects basically like if you're training a dog using a choke collar usually the intended outcome is that you want the dog to you know do the things that you want when you say like sit when you say sit and like mm -hmm. never you know, jump up on people and whatever and the fallout is the this the side effects that you may get and i think i think people talk about positive fallout but usually they're talking about negative things when they talk about the fallout so for example they may associate they may want to avoid the person who's training them if I see. using negative. And it could be that they will also sort of shut down generally and that they will be hesitant to offer novel behaviors because they they think you might then do something bad to them. Right. Right. Okay. That makes and, sense. And stuff like that. Yeah. It's and I mean, certainly I would say this sort of thing comes up a lot. You know, I can I can get into talking more about people, but there's some other thinkers that have written about, you know, the way we treat kids in schools or in some other situations and what some side of, and there's, you know, some intended effects about that, that maybe they're going to learn this material and be able to mm -hmm. like also take tests and show that they've learned the material, but then there can be some side effects that are pretty predictable, though not, you know, they're not uniform. I think, I think there's a lot of variety to how different people respond to these sorts of situations, but there's some fairly standard side effects that, people get um, like anxiety is another one like if if you sort of don't fully understand the situation and it seems that somebody might hurt you then that can lead to increased anxiety right the, it's always to me has 
and I, I guess I, one of the like important questions of life, I guess, to me ha has seemed to be, um, I, I forgot the term for it. You might know the term for it. It's like th when the trauma has a positive consequence. Um, do you know what I'm? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is it called like a positive trauma response? I I, I, I don't know. I, th I think of the term you stress, but that's maybe different from what you're talking about because right. you stress is like you you know you exercise and then it's stressful for your muscles, but ultimately they grow and that's usually a good thing. Right. Like part, part of it, it's like what part of what fascinates me. Growth, someone said in the chat that that seems like a good. Yeah. Post-traumatic growth. Part of it to me is it's fascinating, too, because, you know, it's so clear that a lot like school, like, you know, um, all these different types of situations can be quite dystopian and clearly growth constraining. But we also have in our culture, you know, this concept like I was born in the darkness, right? Like there's this concept of like that the source of your power was like the bad things that happened to you. Sometimes in fiction that turns you into a, vil a villain, right? But also right. sometimes not. Sometimes, you know, that's the thing with the hero. You have the hero kind of suffering all these difficulties. And um, I'm I'm just interested in that as a concept. Yeah, I do think it's pretty interesting. Um, you you probably heard my spiel about the Buddha, right? Uh, you know, I might have, but it's not coming to me. Tell, tell me your spiel sure, about the Buddha. So, so my, this is, I just like to bring this up in terms of, I think he's the one, he's at least the, sorry if you guys can hear my kids in the background. Um, no, you're good. But he can use the, the, the best counterexample, like a different type of story, where in at least the myth that I got from like my high school level understanding of the Buddha's origin story, his parents basically protected him from suffering for the most part, his entire childhood. Mm -hmm. And he experienced, you know, very little trauma. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. He was quite happy. Right. And then he went out into the world and he was horrified right. at all the suffering he saw. And he was like, that's not okay. Right. And in the story, he goes on to, you know, become the Buddha and make more progress than quite a lot of people towards alleviating all that suffering. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so very interesting. There are many stories about the other thing, for sure. Yeah. This is, so, and this also kind of gets into, because I was reading one of your threads earlier about, um, about your parenting philosophy, and we, we've talked a little bit about this. Um, and I, I think, I can't tell if we have a disagreement on the topic. I think we probably do, but, uh -huh. but I don't know exactly what it is, but, but yeah, no, it, it's sort of like the the way I've understood your, for example, your, and I'm not coming, as you know, I don't know if my viewers know, I'm not coming at this from the perspective of being a parent because I'm not one, um, but just, it's like the question of the role of badness and training, um, and what where it should be. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could go after one or one of the um, parenting questions that you got. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing first, though, which is I, I also think, like, everybody's going to be traumatized by life. Like, right. I think that's just part of life. Like, I think being born is traumatic, probably. Like, even the most peaceful whatever, you're, like, in this womb and then you're out in this world. Right. I think it's typically traumatic. But, I mean, what like, what else are you going to do? The womb's only so big. Right, <laughs> yeah. Because right. it's not really an option. Right. And so like, there are a lot of things that, I don't know, like... I guess, I guess I see no shortage really in my kids' lives of things that they're going to get super upset about. I want to, I personally want to have a good relationship with them and buffer them from a lot of things if possible. Right. Like things that I consider really bad, but 
terrible. They get upset all the time. And, and a lot of that's because they just want to try hard stuff and they want to engage. Like, I don't know. I took yeah. my, um, I took my almost two year old. She's like really a COVID style toddler. Like she's been home so much more than everybody else. And like, we go to the backyard and I like walk around the neighborhood, but I haven't taken her to like playgrounds and stuff really. Yeah. We met some friends at a park and she was just like so pissed that she could not go everywhere. Uh-huh. There was like a street with cars and like, I would sometimes like, you know, I was like happy to like wait until the car stopped and like walk across the street with her. But like, I was like, no, you can't just walk into the street. She's like trying to walk up to other people's dogs. And there was like a food tent area. She wanted to just like walk into where the employees were. Like, you know, I'm not going to let her do any of those things. Right. And she's like super pissed. Right. And I mean, so, and I, like, I don't think that it's always right to like stay home because it's going to be just too shitty to leave the house because then there are all these like frustrating things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, this is helping me clarify. Yeah, um, this help. This is helping me clarify. Have you heard this little parable about Nathaniel Brandon and the sign he had above his door in his office? No, I don't think so. Um, so, uh, for those who don't know, Nathaniel Brandon was the one-time lover of Ayn Rand, um, and they eloped with their partner's permission at the time. It was, but a lot of people were very unhappy. But they had this intense ideology about sort of following your 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 will or whatever it is um and then they had a huge massive fallout with each other rand excommunicates him from the movement i believe in the new york times um it was how it was done uh i might be wrong about exactly what it was i think it was in the new york times that she like excommunicated this guy nathaniel brandon he went on to write a bunch of books about psychology and self-esteem um one of them is called the six pillars of self-esteem but anyway uh apparently he had a sign in his office that said no one is coming um above his door and i i like this little story because it, it in part just because the the word self-esteem i think he is responsible for it being like a psychology word but then it turned into something that was very different from what he intended um where it was received as a like thinking good things about yourself kind of no matter what but the way i believe that brandon intended it it's sort of like that you have to earn the rational belief in your own power right in your own survivability and efficacy and things like that and this kind of um and i, I guess back to what you're what you're saying divya i think part of my own reaction to it is for, first of all this is in the you know debate thunderdome i think in real life outside of the debate thunderdome i'm pretty amenable to your position but then in the debate thunderdome i'm like um i feel like i have gotten strength before by believing that like no one is coming like ender riggin like that type of story a little bit like that yeah yeah I, i'm curious to know what you think of that that and how that fits in because yeah. i yeah yeah i mean i guess the first thing that that comes to my mind is like well i want my kids to have accurate beliefs about whether someone's coming right 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 uh like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if I think of, like, the, you know, Ender Wiggin is, like, a parable. I, I'm assuming most people have read Ender's Game, but I, this, this is a story from the very beginning. I guess I'll just tell it. Yeah, go for it. I, I think that's okay. Close yours if you don't want to know anything about Ender, Ender, Ender's Game. Okay, oh. but it's the beginning of the book, so yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so the idea is the, um, the there's sort of, like, a world government that knows that they need soldiers and, like, commanders and generals and stuff. And they've also decided that it's going to be kids. And Ender's parents, at first they had their son that was, he was like sort of too aggressive basically. And then they had a daughter and she was like sort of too soft. And then they had this third kid, Ender. 
and he's in school and there's some there's like a bully that's picking on him apologies if i get any of the details wrong but i, I think the overarching structure is correct yeah they're they're bullies or there's and there's one guy in particular and basically they set it up they're like okay well he needs to internalize that like nobody's coming to save him so we're gonna like set up the scenario where the bully's coming for him and like there are gonna be no adults there and that's gonna be like his formative thing right and um and then he kills the bully and he like learns he basically he's like learns this lesson like okay i have to take care of myself and then he like understands about ruthlessness and then he kills the bully and they're like okay now he's ready and then the right. story kind of starts and they take him away for battle training god that, and that, that book is so what, fucking crazy yeah yeah right. no no that's what that's what i think of and i mean yeah i don't know like if there's some weird edge case where like you kind of need someone to be a high performer as a child and you want to like talk psychologically to the deep parts of them to like communicate something about reality that's true but like it's not like locally really like would not naturally locally be true but you want to communicate some sort of thing to like but i don't know it seems sort of contrived i'm like how often do you really need to try to communicate a deeper truth to a kid by lying about what sort of help is available locally like i don't know it's yeah my reaction is that seems like sort of a contrived situation where that would truly be necessary okay this i think really it does kind of come down to a a human nature type question which is if you believe that this the kind of set point the default is that people will irrationally believe they can be helped or something like that no i I think i think the default is that people are really good at observing different contexts and which ones they will be helped in and which ones they will not be helped in and they pretty quickly adapt to different contexts by default. I think that's what I think. Yeah, God, uh, there's there's a lot here. Um, don't you think? Okay, uh, here, here's because, I mean, this is, what I'm saying is sort of at odds with like some psychological points about trauma because part of the whole idea is that if people are traumatized and they don't adapt as much, right. I think what you're saying also kind of maps onto like the old. I think there are, people say the same thing in different ways, but I think of the transactional analysis people as having their little like two by two grid of like, I'm okay, you're okay. Uh-huh. And they think that's the good one. But the, and like the sort of two fundamental questions are like, am I sort of like power, like kind of the self-esteem thing. Like, am I sort of, do I have self-efficacy? Am I generally powerful? Am I sort of to be trusted? And then there's like, is the world safe? Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I do think I lean towards like, well, I think it's probably better for development if the world is actually safe um, and if the child has accurate information about the true level of safety of the environment. Uh-huh. Um, though it's like, of course, you know, it's always going to be like they're operating in some in some non-represent, like, you know, and then I think in my ideal model, as they get older, they sort of their environment becomes bigger and probably it's less safe and then they can learn that and that's like learning true things is basically good but that part of the reason it's good to have them believe that the world is safe when they're little is because it's good to actually create a safe world for little people right right the um oh man i want to go in like 10 different directions with this um and i'm going to try to narrow it uh Hold on, let me gather my thoughts. There's like something important here. Which is um Yeah, so different um ideologies, different different kind of um 
perspectives exist on human nature, right? And what is our basic character? And I think there's something like, so maybe we can characterize a type of person and then you can tell me what, what one does about that developmentally in your theory, you know, in your, in your worldview, um, sure. like to, to prevent this outcome, right? What, what is the person who is always psychologically speaking, believing that like their mother is around and will help them and w where that is not really true and, or is too metaphorical. Right. And so the metaphorical version of this is some version of like, you know, um, I don't know, like some kind of background expectation of ease or that um, things mu must always be easy or can always be easy. I think I tend to think of that as like having to do with. Um, maybe this is like a consequence of some kind of attachment problem. Um Sorry, I'll let you finish. I th I I I think I'm finished. <laughs> give okay. give me a take. Yeah. Okay, so I'm first going to give you my short answer, which is I do not claim to have some sort of theory that guarantees that stuff like that problems don't happen, including that problem. I I'll like tell you my guesses, but like it is not my belief that I have a full solution to all psychological problems that people might have. Right, right, I think right. Think life is complicated, and totally. you know whatever uh, totally. so but with that in mind yeah i think so there is a thing that i think can happen where okay so i guess sorry first i'll say what i think the healthy thing is i think the way healthy attachment works is that people tend to become more and more independent over time. Okay. And there's some, like, I don't know, people claim that there's research about this, and I think, no, there is research about this. Right. And I think some of it is probably good and some of it is probably bad. I have a general sort of, like, suspicion of social science research, so I think my cruxes here are mostly not about that, though I think there's some, there is some stuff there and maybe some of it's good. Hmm. But it, it it makes sense to me, and I think I've often seen it. And, for, like, I think there are people I can think of that I think had sort of good relationships with their parents that also grew up in, like, like, really rich or whatever, and, like, a lot of abundance and, like, right. had that as adults. And, I mean, in some sense, I think for some people, then it's, it's kind of true that, like, they have a pretty cushy situation. Mm. Um, but the people I know in those circumstances, I think a lot of them tend to kind of like do a bunch of interesting stuff with their life. Right. I mean, not everybody. I also think some of that's like, I think not everybody's going to do something cool kind of regardless of how they grow up. Right. But I think people generally like to do interesting stuff. So yeah, sorry. I guess I may be trying to split out a few things. I yeah. think there's one, there's one sort of scenario where like, okay, well, what if it's true? What if like you do, what if it is possible for your life to be easy? And then you believe that. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, like, you know, there are limits to that for everybody. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, the idea that death is actually a big problem and disease is a big problem. And also, like, our world has a lot of problems. Like, I don't know, maybe there's going to be an unfriendly AI or, like, maybe there's, we're going to run out of antibiotics. And, like, that would be a big problem. Like, I think, so I think that there, um, I think that there is one failure. 
I think there there's one possibility, which is that people have a relatively easy life. Mm. I do, if it were up to me, if I got like a bunch of hours talking to those people and they were like, what do you think I should know about? Which is an unrealistic scenario in almost all cases. <laughs> I do think that people should be more ambitious in general about realizing that the world has big problems to solve that would also benefit them personally if they yeah. were solved. Yeah. So I, th I think that's one thing that can happen in a scenario where people really do have a lot of ease available is that perhaps they should learn about things like X risks or not even like X risks, but just like normal, normal bad things stuff. that people actually expect to go, like, the, like this pandemic thing. Like mm. this was not some tail risk scenario. Like a lot of people were like, things like this really might happen, guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, isn't, this isn't a black swan, really. Right. And, and it's also not impossible to prepare for. So that's one thing. I yeah. also think that sometimes people can get a confused idea about that, like, the universe will provide for them when that's not really what's going on. Mm. Um, like, there's sort of, for example, like a, a archetype I have in my head of some, like, hippie person who's, like, shows up at Burning Man with nothing. I mean, you know, and is like, universe will provide for me. And their friends are like, okay, fine, we'll, like, get him this stuff. <laughs> right. But they're sort of, like, resentful about it. Um, and right. it's not really like the universe is providing for him. It's like your friends <laughs> kind of are being non-confrontational and like giving him stuff. Right. And I, I definitely think with parents, because it's funny. I both believe that it, it tends to be good to give your kids a lot of stuff, and that it doesn't come out of nowhere that there's some that there's some bad scenario where like the kid seems to be expecting a lot from the parent and then the parent is resentfully giving it and then the kid and that somehow like the it's there's like some type of loop that's not even really closing like i think when kids want things from their parents they tend to be getting sort of like a fake version if the parent's giving it to them resentfully hmm. in a way that doesn't really like it's not as the, the yeah it's like when you watched all those movies that weren't your trip right right no it sucks <laughs> yeah uh, so, so that's a different thing that I have to say is I think people can, I, like, maybe this is partly what people mean by codependency. I'm sort of confused by that term. Right. I don't think I understand. Like I try, I've tried to like Google it and like understand what it means in a technical way. And I think I'm not, I wouldn't trust me to mm -hmm. be accurate, but yeah, I, I think that often there's some sort of a weird, confused situation where there's like a payoff on both ends to parents and kids having some sort of like shitty inauthentic interaction mm -hmm. and th that might create is more likely to create that sort of problem than than the thing that i think of as being healthier which involves parents trying to be self-aware about not doing things resentfully and figuring out what they feel comfortable actually giving their kids and stuff like that I think, um, yeah. Which seems, again, yet again, seems separate from the idea that I think some people are just like actually sort of naive and ignorant about the problems facing the world that in fact will affect them personally too, potentially. And, and, right, right. Part of the whole difficulty with the, with human development, anything, and whether you're talking about young, uh, you know, from a young age or, or like when you're older, is just the difficulty of like, uh, communicating to people in a deep way, right? And it's that we like learn such strange lessons from in such strange ways, like you totally. know, 
right it's like when i've when i've done kind of um introspective work with people and they end up reporting some trauma and it's like comes down to something that doesn't sound like a traumatic event should if you have this idea that trauma only comes from like i don't know you got beaten as a kid it's like no you just like you know you're you felt like your class didn't understand you like or like your your parents were like kind of busy they weren't like that busy they're just like didn't really (laughs) they're just kind of busy um and um i think that's part of it right it's like here's a different a totally different reframe on, on psychology it's we tend to talk a I feel like I hear people talk about psychology like it should be this world independent thing like you're just right. this like dot in the void and what you need to do is attain happiness rather than it being that your mind should be set up to your your environment and I I think basically okay. I, I think you and I will agree that in this is sort of with the whole X risk topic and why that would even come up in a psychological context. It's like, what does X risk have to do with psychology? Well, it's that as a species, we need to, to be adapted to our circumstance. And if our circumstance is um, highly risky, right, then I guess then to me, I go, maybe that makes me sometimes a little bit of like a doomsayer. Like I've sometimes mm-hmm. wondered like what happens why do you get those people who stand on the corner and they're like, the end is nigh. It's like, what are they trying to do? (laughs) And I think it's, it's, it's in some ways, it's something like a positive thing. It's like, you're doomed. If you continue as is, you must change. Right. Um, you know, repent, right. There's a call to action. Um, totally. So, but I don't know. I, 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 the way I'm taking, I'm sort of taking some of your, uh, worldview here is that it's like, if you let people actually develop in a circumstance that has enough like healing potential and safety, then they can let go of the, they can like let go of their, their parents' hand, um, metaphorically speaking and go do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think, I think that's what I'm saying. I think what I'm also trying to say and haven't said super clearly is like, and I think children should believe things that are true and parents should be honest. Yeah. And like at some point, if you know your twenty-year-old is like, "Hey, mom, like, why are you doing my laundry?" I don't know. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't be like, I, 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 like, I'm also part of reality, right? So I, I like, again, I don't want to be some like. And so the correct thing for the development as some dot is to have things like done for them that might be nice, so that then they can be whatever, so that then they have more potential. Like, no, I'm over here, and I like have other priorities and stuff. And if I don't, if it does not feel right to me to do their laundry. I think we should talk about it. Right. <laughs> I should be honest with them about it. And hopefully, like, you know, 20 years into this, we have a foundation of a pretty good relationship where we could talk about these things. Right, right. That's the hope. Sorry, I, I seem to have clicked a button accidentally, and now it's telling me I sound out of Xbox Live, and I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I'm not able to control. Okay. Oh, here we go. Let's get a press buttons. Um... Sorry, why don't I fiddle with getting us back in the game? Do you want to grab one of the questions from Twitter? Yep, I have them right here. Perfect. So this is, I think I'm not going to have a good answer for this, but this is maybe a theme. I, this is what I've said about a lot of these. So Sam Bugwat, who I'm a big fan of, he's great. He says, how you think about parenting slash household management tasks you look for help for? We're thinking about that a ton right now, and I always enjoyed your descriptions of what you were looking for pre-COVID. So yeah, um... For sure, during COVID, we have had very little outside help. Pre-COVID, I've gone back and forth on this, and I'm interested in your thoughts. So it's weird. I really have two minds about it, and I think that's reflected in my 
vacillating behavior. It's funny, I actually remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I think you sent an email when I was pregnant with Lydia, my oldest, where uh -huh. you were like, cleaning, like, yeah, we've been like hiring these cleaners, but like, let's all like clean the house together because that's cool and like camaraderie and good and it's like satisfying because we used to be roommates. And I think I was just like, oh man, I really don't want to do that right now. Right. <laughs> but I don't know, like I go back and forth. I, for a while we, and also we, we used to have roommates, including you at one point, and we don't have, we haven't had roommates recently. And cleaning the house, I think is like a really, a really interesting one to look at. So I have in the past paid people to do it. I have also then not wanted to pay people to do it. Part like, and there's a question of course of like, can you afford it? Like even when it felt like it was sort of like within our budget to be able to pay for somebody to come every two weeks, I had super mixed feelings about it. And uh -huh. I still do. Like, there's one perspective that's like, I ought to be spending my time on the things that I'm good at, that like I spend them, like I produce the most value doing whatever. And like, I'm not that good at, I don't know, like cleaning my bathroom. Like I think I'm fine at it. Uh huh. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I think I know how to do it. And so there's this question of like, should, let's like set COVID aside. Let's assume there's no COVID risk. Should I pay someone to clean my bathroom for me? or not and i'm still confused about this i certainly have no judgments about anybody else like i think people should do what they want and people should definitely something i'm, I'm very pro is that people should sit down and think about it and talk to the other people that they live with about it and that especially if there's if something like if something that could be outsourced to someone else is putting a strain on most important relationships in your life and you can solve that with money, I think I think yeah. that's usually underrated as an option. Right. Like well, I think if people are fighting about cleaning the bathroom, even if people feel weird about it, it's better to hire someone. It's almost like assuming you could afford it, it's almost always better to hire someone to clean your bathroom than to fight about it. That's something I, I will stand by. Well, uh, hold on though. L yes. I, let me just pr present the naive perspective. You should totally pay somebody to clean your house. It's awesome. Yeah, okay. And uh, then I'll, here's my other thought. So yeah yeah but it's weird for one thing because you have to clean for the cleaner everybody knows this mm. and so if you're the sort of person that's really naturally neat or keeps your stuff all put away which i'm not but i could i was like more like that before i had kids i at least i would say that i was i was decent about the common areas before i had kids uh-huh and then i would like keep my stuff in the bedroom or whatever but i'd be like don't clean the bedroom and that was fine but you know, you know that. Th I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't know that thing. If the cleaning for the cleaner thing. Are you aware of what I'm talking about when I say this? Yeah, yeah. It's like making sure your stuff is going to end up where you end up wanting it to end up, kind of. Totally. Thing. Right. Yeah, and so with yeah. the kids, it's there's just a lot more mess. And this is like I'm. This is like a big topic of thought in my head. Is like how to change this and reduce it and whatever. Yeah. But so what ended up happening was I'd be like, okay, the cleaner's coming. We have to like frantically like pay everything up and like stick it somewhere quickly. Mm -hmm. or sometimes I wouldn't and then the cleaner would like I mean I think it's like not very polite to the cleaner to lose stuff around even though you're sort of paying them by the hour I think they're like whenever I've like looked up like do cleaners like this the answer is no cleaners do not like this <laughs> to think of this is like not what they're there to do and they right. do not prefer stuff around so I would, I would try not to do it but you know I wasn't perfect at it but then they'd always put stuff back not where I would put it mm -hmm. like make decisions that didn't really make sense to me and then I think afterwards I would feel like it doesn't quite feel as much like my house anymore. Mm. 
and and it was stressful because I was cleaning f- with a deadline. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It seems more like I think I would feel less that way if again I lived in a house that was what my favorite thinker on this topic says was below my clutter threshold. I think I'm living above my clutter thresholds with you know three kids that are still fairly young, and that's is that Marie Kondo? So, well, yeah, the Marie Kondo Marie Kondo is. Yes, and uh-huh. Marie Kondo is very clear, very clear in her book that you should not get rid of anybody else's things that they care mm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I see. The, so, the, the plot emerges with the with the kids, right? Yeah, and you know, below a certain age, it's like you know, whatever. If you have a six month old, I think that's really basically like my stuff. <laughs> the less, right, right. I can try to guess about what they care about. And I wouldn't want to get like, but, but I think that's, you know, with a six month old, I think it's up to me, even with my almost two year old, I think Lydia at two, it felt like she understood about her stuff and not her stuff. My current almost two year old Maya, I don't think she really gets it. And so I, I make right. more of this things myself just based on what I think she would want, but. Really quickly, where should we fly? Yeah. You, you had a oh, place. I want to, I want to go to Long Island, Maine. Do you know of an airport name? Uh, I guess there's an airport in Portland. I don't know the three letter. There's an airport in Portland, Maine. Hmm. You're waiting here to know where the where we're going here. Oh, let me look up Portland, Maine airport. Maybe. There's definitely an airport. I mean, it's not that far from Boston. You could fly to Boston, Logan. I think I think PWM. Yeah, there we go. Portland, Maine. In which direction are we fa- flying vaguely? Where are you right now? Still in New York? Uh, no. Let's say from this Portland International. Oh, which one? Do, which way do we fly from that? Uh, a little bit east. Wait, it's called Portland International Jetport, but it's in Maine. Okay. Yeah, because there's a Portland, Maine. That's strange. I mean, Portland, I think, is a very common thing for port cities to be called. Oh, Portland. Ah. Cool. I'm switching us to the jet because it's easy to fly. Cool. Jet. All right. Cool. All right, Um, sweet. Feel free to direct us as we go. Yeah, okay. Back in the air. Yes. I think I'll I'll try to collect my thoughts once once again. I think that it can be super good to outsource things. And in order to outsource things, there's a bunch of pre-work required to make the situation legible for someone else. And Wait, that that- Say that again? Can, yeah, so I think outsourcing is really good. Mm. Something like cleaning my bathroom or sometimes having somebody, sometimes hiring people to watch my kids for a while or like, you know, sometimes like hiring an accountant to do taxes. Like if you can afford it, mm. I think outsourcing tends to be good with what to me is the big caveat is that there's all this pre-work required to make the situation legible to someone else. Right. And that sometimes that can feel really like psychically costly to me to make this situation legible. Right. And with my house, I'm kind of like, there's a large currently, I don't know, I like, and I go back and forth, but currently the coalition in my head that's like, no, like don't make this legible is winning. Um, uh-huh. Which is also currently like the coalition in my head that's like, ah, 
I really like it's super convenient to sometimes pay people to watch the kids, but like then I mean sometimes sometimes you can find someone that's like super aligned. Sometimes yeah. I can find someone who's super aligned. Like, I don't know. Or someone that like has a relationship with my kid anyway. Like if my mom's in town, right. I want her to have a relationship with my kids. Or like you know my some of my close friends if they offer to watch my kids i'm like well that's perfect but in terms of actually paying somebody to do it i've not often not found it straightforward to find someone that's like understands my philosophy right uh -huh. so, <laughs> which is what i really want like some part of me is also like are you sure you shouldn't have like a philosophical discussion about like legibility and corrigibility with your house cleaner and then i'm like right i think i shouldn't mostly do that actually right. You could try. I think I need to, yeah, I can try, but I think I need to basically do a bunch of work on my end to make the thing make pre, like to make the thing legible, make the thing pre-digestible to other people. Right. They can interface with it. And to me, that's like a large part of the cost of outsourcing anything. And sometimes I think it pays dividends because then there's this joy of systematizing the thing and it's better to have it that way. But right. I don't think that's always true. I right, think right, it, right. It, yeah, the um, I've been thinking about this recently for actually doing tasks for this stream, um, uh -huh. because there are tasks that would make my overall project better, and um, it's hard to do because it's it's just like I mean, also if I had just more money just sitting around just to that I was willing, it's more of a willingness at this point to spend on getting this done, but it's like making clips and highlights, for example, highlight videos. Um, mm -hmm. I want to make highlight videos because a lot of people don't want to sit down and listen to like a three hour recording, but it takes time. It actually took, I tried to, I made one of these for the Eigen stream. Granted, that was a five hour thing. I actually paid somebody a little bit to tag um, bits of the, uh, like the most interesting parts of the, what he thought were the most interesting parts of the stream. And then I just chopped it up and put it into like a video. And that cut a five hours down to like an hour and 40 minutes. And it was like a good size thing could have been short or whatever. But even that work took me like four hours. And part of it was that I was like, no, they got to include this part. No, that they didn't get that. This joke is only funny because of this other thing that happened. And, you know, it's just a whole lot of uh, it's a delegation problem. And I had the same thing. It's like, do I sit down and explain the spirit of it? Right. Do I do I have to be like, no, no, no. This is what makes it funny. Like, this is what makes it interesting. Um, and. Recently, I just decided it was too much work, but I might try it again at some yeah, point. Yeah, and I mean, and then I think it has to, like, I think for me, what feels like the right way to evaluate these things is, like, what is, okay, because, sorry, this is going to be, again, overcomplicated. I was going to say, like, well, what's the marginal value of my time? And, like, what could, what would I be using marginal time for? And, like, what's the return on that? And how cool is it? Right. But I, don't, I think it's actually more complicated than just marginal value of time, because I think that a bunch of these sorts of resources, like m mental resources are consumed in doing various types of activities and generated by doing a bunch of activities, right? Mm. If that makes sense. So like for me, I think that cleaning my house, when I think about like what's sort of the balance sheet of me cleaning my house, I'm like, well, I think something that's good about it is it increases my, and this is sort of true if I hire, if I hire a cleaner, but like it, it increases my awareness of what objects we have and like what we should maybe get rid of and like what is where. Uh-huh. 
Well, you need to become an expert on something in order to transfer the the thing to somebody else, I guess. Well, so I think the answer with the house is I, I, is I basically need to like continue getting rid of stuff, which, and I have a way to do it with my kids that feels like aligned with their values. It just takes time. Uh-huh. And which is mostly like, you know, going like picking time that works for them and we have a process and going through it and they will, they will get rid of stuff, but it's right. like not at a very high rate per hour. I think it's probably good. I think it's probably teaching them something and it's teaching us all something together and whatever. And I think it's good. Right. So I think that's, I think that like the way to be like the sort of house that, um, that is easy to hire cleaner for is like, you know, a place for everything. This is as my favorite blogger, Dana K. White says, and everything sometimes in its place. Because uh -huh. like objects get used, they get they get put all over the place. But if we have this sort of house where everybody knows, like, well, that's where that, well, that's where I would look for it if it were away. Uh -huh. And every place has like a designated away place that's different from like out where you'd want to clean the surfaces place. Yeah. Then people can people can put them there. I'm and about let's my room and, right I, now. and this also like ideally this sort of activity should be done in I would say less than five minutes per room. Uh huh. Wait, and what, then, what should happen in less than five minutes per room? putting stuff away. I think okay. people are unrealistic about like, I think, I think cyst, I mean, it's, and it's also like, what sort of person are you like, are you the sort of person where if you have like a Tupperware drawer, right, where like, everything's like st nested inside everything and like the lids or someone else in something where they like fit, but they only fit if you put them in totally correctly. Uh huh. Or if they're like in some big jumble and you've like, too hard. They might all fall out if you open the door. Right. Are right. you the sort of person where if you need a Tupperware, then you'll take one out and like redo the system every time? Right. Or are you the sort of person who should just store your Tupperwares with your lids on and not have as many of them? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of people are like that, honestly. And like kids, in my experience, like the thing I've learned over time is like, it is just unrealistic to expect kids do anything hard in terms of putting things away uh-huh some kids will and i think marie kondo disagrees with me because she's people will say well how do i get my kids to clean and she's like well step one is to teach them folding right have them be japanese is what she wants <laughs> right which is i think it's like better advice than a lot of people's advice i think like it's yeah. definitely better advice than like nag them not that people say that but that's like what people do in I'm, practice right i've had I've, I've dated people before who were shocked that i knew how to fold a shirt <laughs> um <laughs> And I think my mom taught me like three times because <laughs> I would lose the knowledge of it or whatever. But at, at this point, I yeah. can fold a shirt. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, my kids sometimes fold with me. They don't seem to hate folding or anything. Um, right. But when they take clothes out, like right now, actually, this is so I don't I keep my kids clothing drawers. Maybe they, maybe drawers isn't the right like form factor for them. But like mm. we have drawers in our um we have drawers downstairs for the kids' clothes, and <laughs> currently, I think if I go into the room, I when I do, I do the laundry and I put the clothes in the drawer, and then my son, who's five, is looking for the specific thing that he wants, and he takes all the clothes and he puts them on the floor so he can see what's see what he has, uh -huh. and then he picks <laughs> something, and then he does not take the rest of the clothes and put them back in the drawer. Right. <laughs> and Perfect. in that case, it doesn't like I don't care that much about it because he just doesn't have that many clothes. And in I think literally under one minute, I could like go around and put the put the clothes back in the drawer. Right. But I don't always do it. Like I, the, right now, the current state is that he was like looking for some pants he wanted to wear, and I have not put the clothes back in the drawer, and neither is he. And uh -huh. I, yeah, if I asked him to do it, he also might do it because I, again, it, I think it literally would take under a minute to do this. Right. 
Um, but that's where I get, anyway, so this is very long-winded. Um, I, but yes, I think that's how it works for houses. I think if everybody knows where stuff goes and it only takes like under about five minutes per room, yeah, then it is easy to hire a cleaner because the cleaner can come in and merely clean the surfaces. And then I think it doesn't, in my mind at least, maybe other people don't have this at all, but I have this thing where like if the cleaner is moving around my stuff and I look back and I'm like, ah, like all of my stuff has been put somewhere that nobody who lives here would put the stuff. And it like creates this weird residue in my head. Right. Um, that's maybe just me being neurotic, but it wouldn't be there if everything were away before the cleaner came and they just cleaned the surfaces. I think that that... I have just had a moment of realizing that you are several steps beyond me in your understanding of this, of the actual challenge here, because, um, I it's yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with, cause what you said just makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, it's sort of like having the total distance to clean be shorter. Yeah. It's like the total distance at any given moment, even when it's messy is shorter. If there are places for things, for example. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the, the, and the thing that like people with too much stuff sort of naively do is they're like, let me clear, create some complicated system because it has to be complicated because we have too much stuff to easily fit in our containers. Right. I'll but just... that's not, it's no good. It takes too long. I mean, it's, and, which isn't to say it doesn't work for anybody, but it probably won't work for you if you haven't been already doing it is that these are good odds. Right. But it won't work for the people who are trying to solve problems this way. The um, what was I just gonna say? Uh, we, we do we do have another caller in a, in a moment. I, I wanted to make one brief comment, which is that um, the one thing that has caused me to believe in like curses and spirits and like banishment of bad energies and stuff is mm -hmm. trying to clean, like having the thought I should clean my room and attempting to do it, and it is just psychologically exhausting. Um, and I, like, I, I am like a little bit sensitive to like, uh, I, it's amazing that I can say this and sound like a total psycho if I want to, or not like a psycho <laughs> to, to sound like a psycho. I'll say I'm sensitive to psychic energy, um, to not yeah. sound like a psycho. I'll say, uh, I have good introspective access and I know <laughs> what's going on in my experience. Um, but yeah. it's that I, I just have like emotional reactions to it. I, part of it, I, I totally. think is the objects themselves too. It's like these things have this power you know it's all like you know it's not all sentimental some of it's just like oh this book i didn't read that i wanted to read and that means something to me right um okay yeah sorry no no no. i, I don't know that, that that's that was just the comment but if you had a reaction i'm curious yeah okay I, so my reaction i keep talking about this woman dana k white she has this blog a slob comes clean and i just i love it i bounced off it the first couple times i found it and mm -hmm. then i Eventually, I was like, she's the person I need right now. So I think what she would say to that, uh -huh. and I think she's so smart about this, is that she realizes that there's this psychological, like, overwhelmed kind of bottleneck of, like, all this unprocessed. It's like emotional labor to clean your room, right? Uh-huh. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I think what she would say Emotional is, labor, like, interacting with spirits and shit. Like, that's how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, no, and it's also like, it's like, I think the original people that came, it's like with self-esteem, like I think the, the word emotional labor has kind of like become some different political thing. Right. But I think it's what emotional labor original meant was like, if you work at McDonald's, you actually have to smile. That's like part of your job requirement. Right, right. It's sort of exhausting. These like people come totally. in with their various whatever, and it's your job to smile and do your do the thing anyway. Right. 
and like do some sort of emotional self-regulation so that you can like and I think it is similar when you're cleaning your room because you're sort of like hit, like you said, with all these spirits and whatever, and you kind of have to, like, you don't have to smile, but you right. have to keep picking things up and interacting with them and looking at them right? in order to clean your room. So she would say that there, first of all, she would say start with trash, like literal trash. Uh-huh. Like go around your room and see if there are any like wrappers and things and right. just put them in the trash bag. Yeah. And that part of the reason that's important, and, and if you find something hard, it's totally fine to just like to move on to the next thing. Right. right. There's this there's this thing that can like build up in my mind. That's like, Oh, I have to like, like when I think about my email, it's the same way. It's all I'm or like, nothing. Oh, I should, like, look at my email. And then I, my brain sort of intuitively goes to like the one email that I don't most don't want to deal with. Right. And that Ugg feels like propagates to the whole thing. Well, it's the one deep, dark demon that has made, that has taken the others in its service to defend it. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. But what, what she'll say is if you throw away the trash, yeah. then you get a little bit of psychological energy back because you look around and you can a little bit breathe easier. Right. Because you've done that. And then she's like, step two is the easy stuff. And what she means by easy stuff is not physically easy. Right. But there are inevitably some things in a space that you have to clean that you already know where they go and you merely have to take them. I'm out. literally looking around my room right now. It, it looks clean because I shoved all of it out of range of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And so she's like, next, do those things because they're psychologically easier. Like if you have mm -hmm. clothes that are folded, but you didn't put them in the drawer yet, but like you do, like that's, you know, in theory, your clothes go in the drawer. Mm -hmm. You can put them there. And then she's like, because then it's not, because people can be sort of, there can be this nebulous calculus where it's like, oh, if I'm, if you're comparing like the emotional weight of like the book you maybe wish you'd read right. with some sort of abstract value of like, but then my room's cleaner, that maybe is also emotionally. That's kind of like, it's hard for people where she's like, but there's something that happens if you throw away the trash and you put away the easy stuff, then you get like a con more concrete emotional value of like, I like the space like this. It's a little easier. Yeah. And then comparing that more concrete emotional benefit to like, and then I would maybe have to look at this book that I'd have to remember that then I didn't, I wanted to read it, but I didn't, is right. like an easier type of emotional calculus. Right. So this is making me think of defragging again. Um, totally. Yeah. Right. Uh, by the way, we have a, we have a, a caller if you want to. Oh, cool. Yeah, bring, yeah. Let's all right. Uh, let's bring in, think again, or you are on the air. Can't hear you yet. Can't hear you yet. Hey, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, I also heard myself on your side. I don't know if you have headphones yeah. or something to prevent uh, hey, also looping or whatever. Uh oh. Uh oh. You can mute us. Speaking of demons. Um. I think we're good now. I don't. I think my audio settings are working. Um, let me try again, maybe a little later. Give someone else a chance. Oh, I yep. can hear you now. We can hear, can you hear us? Oh, maybe he yeah. couldn't hear us. I guess that it would be the problem with muting it. I did not even occur to me. Well, I think if he has headphones on and mutes this, if he has headphones on, it should work. But anyway. yeah, All right, well, come... Better advice, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come, come back when you, when you figure it out. Um, yeah, oh, sorry. I, can I have one more thing about delegating? Yes, totally. Okay. The one thing is, it's like, 
I think I have to, I think that in some cases, if I delegate something, it will be done better than if I do it. I think that is true for, uh -huh. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Some restaurants certainly cook certain dishes better than I can make them, for example. Right. However, there are other things where if I delegate, like, I kind of like the way I personally clean the bathroom, even though I'm not very, I don't think I'm good at cleaning bathrooms, but I know which things I care about and I make sure to do them. Uh-huh. And I think it's a it's always going to be a little bit not exactly how I want it if I hire someone else to clean my bathroom. Or right. I could invest a lot of money in, like, or a lot of something, probably, sorry, not money, time or whatever, like, in trying to get, like, come up with some, like, checklist. Like, I could try to micromanage how someone else cleans my bathroom. But again, I think if I have a better understanding of what am I gaining right. by having someone else do this, then I will not be as neurotic about, like, but that's not quite how I wanted it done. Uh-huh. And so I think that, I think those are the things that for me matter. It's like, am I willing to put in this work of making the system legible so that other people can interact with it? And do I understand what I get back in terms of my time and my, you know, mental load and whatever, like, cause there's some of it, like, it's not just that I clean the bathroom. I, I think like, is the bathroom clean? Like, is the bathroom clean? Mm. Because if I just had somebody that was coming every two weeks, I would almost never think about it. Right. And so if I know what I can invest that in and it's something I care about more then I think it's pretty easy for me to like, let go of, okay, but that's not exactly really how I wanted the bathroom cleaned. It's having the upside clearly in mind. Yeah. So I can, so I can compare them because otherwise I think right. I'll, I'll get stuck in sort of unproductive loops. And sorry, one more thing. I yeah, read yeah. this book I, and I don't know if it's really true, but the book claimed mm. it makes intuitive sense to me that this would be the case that if you, you know, the, um, there's some results with like, I think college students or whatever that that's usually the people doing these experiments that if you tell somebody like that the people are willing to travel further to save, you know, $10 on a pencil than mm. to save $10 on a laptop. Okay. Right. Right. Because people are like, well, that seems ridiculous to pay $10 for a pencil. Like, of course I would go across town, uh -huh. like, $10 uh -huh. for a laptop, whatever. Right. Right. Um, so with the book claims, and I forget what the book is called. It's a book about scarcity, basically. It's, I found it because Zvi referenced it in his series of posts about Slack, which I recommend. Um, okay. But the book claimed that people who are pretty poor do not give, they act more like the homo economicus and they are willing, they, because they're clear on what their what time is worth. Yeah. And what the marginal value of $10 to them, which is for me, I think it's, I'm not, I think I could put in work and maybe I should to become clear on the marginal value of $10 to me, but I'm currently not super clear on that. And I think the right. way to do it is to think about like, well, what's my burn rate and what's my expected burn rate throughout my life and what's our savings rate. And basically like, I think the real answer is something like, it might change our retirement age or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. If I consistently spend $10 in this way, versus versus if I and I think there's some other like interesting things going on there I don't mean to be like it's ridiculous to think that it's you know I think there's some heuristics about not getting ripped off that come into play with the laptop and the traveling and pencil and the traveling that aren't ridiculous like I think people have heuristics about how to get fair value from interacting with other people and stuff like that that have their place in life and whatever mm. mm -hmm. um, 
but that understanding the marginal value of a dollar is pretty is pretty good and that understanding a marginal value of your time and your attention and your mental energy right is also good and it is hard and like people don't get that by default it takes work yeah both. and in conditions of extreme scarcity it can often become more clear but conditions of extreme scarcity are also costly for their own reasons and i, I think they're not worth it just because you do get that marginal understanding you get your understanding of your marginal value more naturally in those situations i think part of how i manage myself is that at least what i try to do is if it's under a certain amount i try to just like not think about it period um right but yeah it's it's like occasionally i'll i'll have people be like what are you talking like why would you spend that but it, and it's like not because i'm rolling on piles of money it's just the, the 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 fear of wasting precious time you know um and mental totally. energy right um, yeah let's uh we, we have another call let's try it now with beast real quick with a call in okay hey beast oh hey what's up how's it going welcome oh my god okay so the stream is in the future and you uh okay hold on let me mute this excellent hi <laughs> hello welcome i was hearing two different versions of you speak at the same time and it was um by the time we're done with this, everyone in my social circle is going to know how to run a Twitch stream and exactly how to manage the audio shit and everything else. Um, but now you can hear us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at least I can hear you. Has anyone else spoken? Yeah, I'm here. No, okay, hello. This is actually the first human interaction I've had at all today. It's kind of crazy. Um, I, I, <laughs> I appreciated the conversation that you were having earlier about the, um, the organization of one space, though. Right. Cool. It's something everybody has to deal with. Well, it, yeah, it's it's interesting. A long time ago, and I suppose I'll just start auto-populating the thoughts that I had earlier. Um, uh, but but um, a long time ago, I kind of had this idea that um, everyone engages in a conversation with their surroundings, and to the extent that they are able to engage with their surroundings and kind of shape them, um, they, their thoughts are kind of... Um, uh, shaped as well and um i, I don't know that, that that just kind of fired off earlier while you were talking about condo totally right um it's the same thing with one's possessions yeah it's sort of i actually i, I made a youtube video about this where i was talking about visiting um churches in jerusalem oh i've done that too oh yeah um <laughs> and uh i almost got robbed several times not, not at the churches exactly. really it, it's yeah it's stories for another time but the um wait the, in jerusalem yeah 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 <laughs> yes. okay sorry i'm curious though yeah yeah um it's whatever another time it's so weird situations but the the youtube video i made was about how i was it's basically my reflections on like what a church is and that you know they, they all they look very different from each other right like you have churches yeah. that are covered in gold and gems and stuff. And then you have ones where it's just like white walls and like a wood cross and like wooden pews and stuff. And I, I think that, that it's part of the, the psychological loop between the person and the environment and what thoughts and experiences it causes you to have and the phenomenology it produces in you, you know, the, the, the felt experience of like looking at a literal picture of Christ bleeding or whatever versus like not having that at all. Um, but you've got like light coming in through the windows in, in a certain way and like, um, 
I don't know. I guess that's that's kind of like the the Jordan Peterson clean your well, room can be taken various ways. For sure, but I mean, like every single space that you you create, a it 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 creates a different experience. So I mean, like you know, if you want to create a certain form of authority, or if you want to cultivate certain narratives about what religion means. You know, and, and, and then, um, you know, you build different structures. And even insofar as, like, you have monks and abbeys, and then you have individuals who go into, you know, uh, a cathedral. Um, and, and uh, you know, they, they have completely different experiences, but there are also different levels of commitment to what one would consider, you know, uh, their faith. I mean, and, and or, you know, like, you can, you can call it commitment or whatever. That's, that's kind of a weird thing to say you know but um uh, yeah you know faith means different things to different people and if you have a bunch of people there's a shitbox kind of church um about a 10 minute drive for me um and i i pass it all the time <laughs> while i'm on the way to a hike uh-huh it's literally a box um uh, it, it's just cinder blocks put right. on uh uh you know a slab of cement and um it looks like a sweat box in the summer and an ice box in the winter right and um there's nothing it's a shed with a lock on the door and it is so are you sure it's a church yeah it says big old letters on the front you know baptist church right and um it is of course it's baptist right but um you know it it, it you you have such distinct spiritual needs in this form of austerity that you know you have a community that comes together and says the only thing that matters is Christ himself and anything else is a distraction. And um, uh -huh. so we built this box where we can think about God. Hold on. C <laughs> calm down. It. What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just trying to get on your level without getting to your level. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> right. uh, but but then you have absolutely the exact opposite. We're like, you need to aid the individual in their adventure, in their journey to uh, to godliness. And in order to do that, you need sweeping spires, giant windows, multiple colors, and you need a big, fat, you know, like a gob of incense where you, you can get people almost transported into a different state. So, I mean, you know, you have completely different takes on, like, it, it's ceremonial magic in a way versus, you know, like, uh, what what should be transcendental meditation but ends up just being, like, you know, you screaming at people in a box until they start right. a loss of ale. Um, Hold on a second, though. Uh, sure. Divya, do you, do you have a take on all this? Sorry. <laughs> um, like, like churches and how they, and how they work and what yeah, sort of I, things they inspire? I, I guess so, or if anything else that that beast was br bringing up caused a reaction in you, I'm just I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have a a hot take in this moment. I mean, I, th I think it's true that it's you know churches have super different attitudes about right. these things, but I, I don't know that I have an additional take. Right, um, Divya, you should tell that story about NVC on the. Bart sometime. I don't know if, you, if you're down. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell us. Yeah, sure. I would um, be happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Beast, I, I, I know I kind of cut you off. I was wondering, was there a kind of... I guess I'm, I'm happy to have you come on here and kind of ramble about the church, but was there any kind of question that we should try to res respond to since we've got you here? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I didn't call with any kind of objective. Right. Um, 
I don't know. I, I just saw that you were like taking callers, and I, I I wasn't exactly sure what I was getting into. Right. <laughs> cool. Um, I, I was I was listening to the Marie Kondo conversation, and you started talking about spaces, and then that I I I disappeared. Something struck into you. Thoughts. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, well, thank, thanks for coming on. Feel free to call back. I, I think I'm still working on how to actually structure this, but I think you also energized our audience quite a bit, so it was good to have you on here. Feel free to call, right. with, call back okay. in with, with, a, with a question if you've got one. Sure. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Peace, man. Bye. <laughs> the, uh, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why this made me th think of this, but I, if, you, if you want to tell that, that story of you and the Yeah, park, sure. I it yeah so this was this was probably like oh, 10 11 years ago or so this is i was reading the nvc book i was getting super into it not in my only communication i don't know how many of you are re have read the book but he has a lot of marshall rosenberg the author has a lot of these things would be like nvc in action and he'll have these whole long conversations with people where like one person is using the nonviolent communication principles and then you see how the conversation unfolds. And I, this is actually a period in my life where I was super into space repetition software. And so I memorized some of these conversations as an mm. attempt to like understand what was going on with this book. And I, they, they're pretty like, like when I first read this book, I was kind of like, I don't know, do people really like respond to, when you start using these NBC principles, do people really open up in the way he's talking about it and say all these things about their feelings and whatever? Right. And, this is sort of an open question in my mind. And to, as a basic review of nonviolent communication or like an intro for those who haven't heard of it, he basically, his, he talks about, he, he thinks that insofar as you can break speech down into four components, um, observations, feelings, needs, and requests, and all of those things, he means them in a pretty jargony way. Like observations, meaning not your interpretation, not your story, mm -hmm. feelings, and this is the one that is he's probably the most jargony about. Feelings are things like anger and not like insulted. Because insulted is sort of like, people get defensive when you're like, I feel insulted because there's a strong implication that, that you insulted you, them. Yeah, that, that, that you feel this, you have a feeling because you the other person insulted you. Right. Whereas something like angry has is less story in it. So what he means by when he says feelings is like the, the thing with the less story. Uh huh. And part of the reason he justifies this, which it's like a little sort of haha, -ha, like ah, this is my trick with words, but I I like it. Is when he's like, an insulted is not a feeling because you might feel five different ways if somebody insulted you. Um, you might feel angry, you might feel sad, you might feel amused, you might feel bored. Like, right. Whereas I don't think it's fair to say like, well, you might feel five different ways if you're bored. Right. I don't know. Feel... The board is more like a bit anyway. So th that's what he means by feeling. Okay. Need, I think again, it's jargony because, but he means like pretty fundamental things like respect or like fun or integrity that absolutely cannot imply that anybody else has to do some specific thing to get your need met. Okay. So means to explicitly rule out things like if you say I need respect and that cannot be interpreted as like I need you to respect me uh -huh. it's like supposed to be like I just need it in general and maybe like I could get it from somebody else or from like myself right and right. so like, I need you to is is no is ruled out by his system it's these like sort of fundamental human whatever's that you're supposed to get by like okay but why do you need that and why do you need that um, until you get to something and this is also like he has his own philosophy that I think raises a lot of pretty fair questions about like 
but what about scarcity that needs are the things that are not fundamentally in conflict with anybody else's needs right which eh, i don't know but anyway so <laughs> we can decide that question it's, it's, um, it seems like what, what it, it's trying to do is like isolate not just what's objective but like what can be easily agreed on from what can't and then like demands and stuff as part of that well right the last one is requests and so okay. requests his specific meaning there is the stuff that you is like really clear that you want from people that's like specific and actionable and like you know like for example like would you be willing to i don't know open the door for me is a request would you right. be willing to share the emotional impact of what i just said is a request mm. um, would you be willing to be honest with me is not as clear it's not really a request because it's not specific enough and the additional part of request is that I, the one who's requesting it, it only counts as a request if I would only want you to do it if you felt good about doing it. Okay. If I want you to do it, even if you don't want to do it, then that's more like a demand and people understandably tend to be more reactive. When... Right. Are you allowed to have demands? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's funny. If you look at the way he scores his quizzes, right. <laughs> if you ask these questions like, is this a request or is this demand? And, you know, the one that's a demand, he won't be like, eh, like, you got that wrong, whatever. Like, his answer will be like, that interpretation does not align with, you know, principles that I find to be the most promoting of peaceful and nonviolent communication. You know, <laughs> In right? other like, words, fuck you. Is what he's <laughs> so he's, he's pretty like, you know, yes. it would not be, he would be violating his own principles if he said something like, you're not allowed to have demands. Oh, right, I right. think he would correctly point out that, um, that does not tend to achieve his goal of this thing where people tend to be emotionally present and resolve their conflicts right. in a way that, you know, leads to whatever, making the world a better place in a way he thinks it should be a better place if right. you do that. He's right. not trying to say that they're evil, just that they, so it's funny, a friend of mine who read this book was like, you know, it's kind of intense, actually, what he says about the alternative to nonviolent communication. He calls that life alienating communication. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah consider a demand to be a life a form of life alienating communication yeah and, and so i, I think the my, my own perspective on, on this so far by the way is there's a couple I, i'm trying to be the right level of metas about it it's like there are a couple of things that sound annoying about this but you're all it sounds like you're also saying that there's a lot in the book that the strongest form of it is interesting Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, so anyway, that, that's a, maybe too much preamble, but I've been yeah. reading the book, I've been memorizing these conversations, I've been trying to understand these principles, and I was taking Caltrain, actually. Uh-huh. And there were these people fighting. There was sort of, and I, I, I wrote a blog post about this, so I could reference it. I It's been many years, and I don't know that I've looked at details right, but there were sort of two groups of people. I think it might have been kind of a racial thing, too, I, uh. but I don't remember. Like, one of the groups, I think, was Hispanic, and the other one wasn't. And there had also just been some sports game. And one of the groups was like, really wanted the San Francisco team to have won. And I think the other one was like, happy about the other team having won or something like that. Right. I don't remember, but they were, um, they were, they were fighting with each other. And there were two sort of main guys, but there, there were also two groups of people. And I was there and I had, I had sort of like a funny, like, huh, I, there's like, my normal reaction in the situation would be that it's like safer to just like avoid these people. But I had a different thing that was like, no, no, like you could create safety in the situation by like empathizing with these people. So I was sort of like, whatever, like, why not? Yeah. Why not try? So, yeah. so I remember, and I, 
I like position, and also like, I don't know, I think, you know, many, many layers and many complications to the subject, but I think, I think in that sort of situation, somebody like me, where like I'm female, I was like, pretty young, I'm short, I'm like five feet tall. There's like a sense in which I'm physically vulnerable, of course, but there's also a sense in which like, you know, I think it would have been probably harder for me if I was like a big guy, because then I uh -huh. would have been like potentially involved in some like aggressive thing. So like me going up to these people trying to talk to them, I think they could tell like I wasn't threatening. And so in some ways that made me safer. Yes, right. Um, but, but anyway, so I, I think I positioned myself like near the sort of two most like upset people and started trying to like empathize with them and basically repeat back what they were saying and like break it down into their feelings and needs and stuff. And I think there was one, of, if I'm remembering correctly, there was one of them that I was sort of talking to at first and he did, he totally started to open up like textbook, like this sort of thing from this nonviolent communication book where he, once I started repeating back what he was saying, he was like bringing up additional concerns. Like I remember he had two main issues. Uh huh that he came and one of them like the first one that sort of came out was that he was upset about people that were not from san francisco moving to san francisco and changing the character of san francisco right totally and that was that was something that that he was bothered by and when i tried to like ask him and it's i, I assume also that both of these pe groups had been drinking i don't remember or at least some of the people had i'm pretty sure this guy was and this is also fun. like i've noticed this a lot that like drunk people who are pretty like repetitive and incoherent, if they get the sense that somebody's heard what they said, will like move on to making like more complex and abstract statements. Uh-huh. As was the case with this guy, where after he sort of got through this point about the character of San Francisco, he had a lot of, turns out, opinions about um, water and land use. So he was like really resentful that the people in Southern California were like net using more water than the people in Northern California. Oh, I, I haven't actually heard the details of this version of it. Yeah, this is... That, okay. Yeah, I remember he came up with that. Or, like, I could be confusing the two guys. There were two guys. But, yeah, yeah. he sort of, like, unloaded all that stuff on me and then sort of calmed down. And it's funny because I think once I'd, like, presented myself as, like, some potential listener, I believe then the main guy from the other group sort of also came to talk to me and, like, tell me right. his side of the story, basically. Right. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. Like, I think I think there are, you know, as with any story, there are, like, a bunch of a bunch of sort of contingent factors of the situation i think that made it work in this particular case like i don't think i don't think you know i have the ability to like diffuse any gr like angry group of groups of two people by just listening to them i just sort of had an instinct that it would work in this case and it right. did basically did. right um but yeah it was cool i i definitely got more of a sense of like all right like i think these conversations are real it doesn't necessarily mean the book contains like a full set of instructions for how to do it. But in this case, I followed the instructions like according, you know, very like textbook NBC type stuff. And I mm -hmm. got the sort of results that he described in the book. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So I love this story because, and you know, you're, you're, you're downplaying a little bit, but I just love this because there's just, I have this image in my mind of the like wandering Divya and then, like, you know, the sort of conflict arises in the polis, and then the sort of inspiration strikes, and then she, like, intervenes and, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. creates peace. I, I definitely was very proud of myself when I did this. No, it's super awesome. Um, it, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, not that we should, like, get into political stuff, but it, it's interesting when you hear the, the whole, like, defund the police stuff, and there's this focus on we should get community support of various types, and it's like, a little bit hilarious because it's like okay what is this person going to get someone to like 
put their gun and, or knife away. That, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. But like at the same time, maybe sometimes you could imagine. And I don't know how well trained anyone you know from from a go- government um, program in like conflict management uh, of a certain type is going to end up being if, if it's all. Anyway, I don't know enough about it, but I, think so. I will say I think the very high end of the government trained people are are really good. Um, I read a book a couple of years ago about um, hostage negotiation, and uh-huh. I think I think that like the FBI hostage negotiators like are top like world class at this stuff is my impression. At least some of them. I believe that. I believe that. Of course, you know they're not usually available to be like your local beat cop. Well, is it like are there like a hundred of those people or like a thousand or like? total yeah it's a good question um i I don't know the answer to that and it wouldn't like this i mean there's also the thesis that like cops used to be more actually like well sorry i guess i've heard more than one version of this story one version of the story is more like cops used to be more actually invested in their communities right a different friend of mine this i think this is a michael vassar talking point that i i think is probably right but i haven't looked into myself is that the history of like police departments versus like sheriff's department versus like the exact exactly which type of cop we're talking about here actually they have pretty different histories and i should um i should not generalize across those groups that's interesting I, i'd buy it but yeah I, i'm not i'm really not up on the the history of these institutions as much as maybe i should be right right Side note: How is chat doing? We got a lot of people in in the channel, but I feel like everybody's been listening pretty intently. Um, if anybody, somebody has... says beyond the moral implications, the good thing about NVC is that it actually just works way better than the alternative. So yeah, right. This is, but again, I come back to yes, if you do what it says in the book. But I think the number of people who are willing to follow the instructions as closely as is necessary for it to work is fairly small. Like, I don't think this is a very human shaped tool. I think it, and neither is clicker training. It's like, you know, mm. um, people say like a hammer, like that, like the handle is the human shaped half of the tool. And then like the head of the hammer, like that's for accomplishing your task. Uh-huh. I a little bit feel like there's not like a hand, like a human shaped handle on the end NBC. There's like a abstract. Right. There's this abstraction that, yeah, if you're the sort of person that's going to, like, internalize 16 different abstractions and keep them all in your mind, right. then you have a very cool tool. Right, right. But I don't know. That's kind of a tall order. Uh-huh. Whereas something like attachment theory, mm. I'm like, I don't know. That's kind of, like, attuned emotionally to the people you care about and good things will happen. That, to me, is more like a human-shaped tool. I think the secret is a human shaped tool. Oh, I love talking about the secret. Let's talk about the secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, Karma Custodian asked, do you use an SRS? I don't know what that is. You mean spaced repetition system. I used oh, to. Right. I got a ton of value out of it. And then, I don't know. I think I hit diminishing returns. I still think it's a very cool technology. But in practice, I stopped using it after a while. And yeah, I think it made my life way better. But I don't still use one currently. Right. Um. W, um, we've been talking about, what have we been talking about, Divya? We've been talking about clicker training. I was just talking about nonviolent communication. Um, I talked a lot about cleaning one's room. The kind of process um, around delegation and, and like reading. Yeah, around. hiring people. I do have a mental note that there were a couple Twitter questions I eventually want to get to. But yeah, yeah. To- um, yeah, yeah, wait. So, you know, we can go into the secret or you can grab grab one of those. Oh, no, let's let's talk about the secret first. I love yeah. this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you should talk about it first. All right. Um, the secret is true. Uh, it doesn't work like anybody thinks it works. But also when it comes to human human psychological stuff, nothing works the way that people think that it works. In part because, and I don't even know how to say this, the thinking that it works is the object that is the subject of the of the process. So it's the... Um, th that, was, that was a pretty useless sentence. Um, also, you should... T I know what you mean when you say the secret. I don't... Yes. I think you should say what it is in case people don't know. Okay, yeah. The secret is like a, a bunch of, I don't know, CDs or videos or something like that. It's like... There were originally videos. Yeah. There might, there's probably also a book. There's a book. Somebody must have... It's like, that mark. it's something like a like attracts like, so it's the power of positive thinking. Yeah, it, it relates in some ways to the placebo effect. Um, yeah, how it relates. And they basically tell you to visualize what you want, and then you'll get it. Basically, yeah. I, I haven't read, okay, so I haven't read it. I'm, I'm working with an impression of what it is. I'm sure there's some kind of secret master who, uh, like Oprah. Yeah, manifesting. Somebody said that in the chat. Yes, the person was on Oprah. I'm like, you know, 90% yeah. that that person was on Oprah. Right. Um it's it, there's a lot of like what you put out into the world is what you get back so like think positive things and good things happen um i just believe that it's something like this it's like okay if i were to get myself angry about it <laughs> the thing i would get angry about is that whatever anybody hears some something that doesn't sound right to them about how the world works they're like that's witchcraft okay and so they think that you mean something really dumb and then they talk about how that super dumb thing is wrong right so you know it's like they think that the secret would involve like i don't know some kind of like magical heavenly god that is just like directly there's an actual being that is like glowing pink and like pays attention to everybody and like how many good thoughts they have and then like just gives them nice things like that would be how they would construe the secret the the hater the secret hater and then they'll say, that's not scientific. That doesn't make sense. That's impossible. There is no glowing pink person. <laughs> right. And the the level... Oh, yeah, the law of attraction. The secret is also called the law of attraction. That's true so from the chat. Right, right. And, you you know, another one of these is with religion. So I, people who follow my, my uh, Twitter, um, if they follow it just a little bit, they'll sometimes see me sounding saying things that sound all like, atheistic and sometimes they'll see me saying stuff and they'll be like oh this guy's probably like trad cath or whatever um if they follow me a lot then they will have he heard me try talk about my effort to like synthesize an actual perspective here that i think it's the best of both worlds um but but religion's another one where it's like big man in the sky is like a uh anyway it's it, it's straw manning so when it comes to the secret i think that um, it's something to do with how pattern matching works, that there is some way in which, uh, what you look for is what you find in the world, but it would take me some time to like expound on how that's a totally naturalistic idea, but I think it can be done. Okay, can I do it? Yeah, go, go. I so I, I also, one of my, one of my influences in life was this guy, Bill Harris. I think, I think he's underrated. Um, he produced this potentially kind of scammy product called Holosync, which was a, it's an early version of binaural beats. Um, right. So that's one thing he did. He was also like, I think just sort of like an early kind of internet marketing guy, but he also had three courses that he sold. There were these audio courses. Mm. 
And I think they were super actually good courses. And he talked a lot about his models of basically the secret, which is, and, and he was, he's also trained hypnotist. So I think, I think cool. that was very much play as part of his audio courses. Yeah. Okay. Like, anyway, but so he would talk about focus on what you want instead of on what you don't want. And I do think there's something very fundamental about this idea that if you like, and it's, it's, I think it's more obvious with kids if, mm. Because I would say like a fairly decent number of kids, if you tell them not to do something, will just do it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not necessarily even about oppositional. It's like, they're just like suggestible, basically. Mm -hmm. like, I remember one or two moments like this as a kid where my brother was like, there was some like sticky thing that he was going to like use it to like, you know, some like adhesive that he was going to put something in the wall and he got it out and he was like, all right, don't touch this. And I just touched it immediately. And like, I wasn't, I don't think I was trying to be difficult. I just think like, he said don't but then he said touch it and i sort of pictured touching it and then right. i kind of just touched it right right <laughs> and like, um yeah yeah if somebody says a leaf b leaf distinction probably useful for thinking about this area i don't i, I don't I, I i find that language has never felt super natural to me but fine okay a leafs meaning like sort of detailed models that you act upon like people who are like i don't believe in ghosts like i would bet a lot of money that there's no such thing but they're like nervous when they walk into the haunted house right that's like a really feely thing but i don't know i don't love i don't love that framing of it hmm. but i do, I do think that this also brings to mind perceptual control theory yeah yep so because i think the way this works and it's it's i think it's more complicated than like i think that like there was a sort of a particular line I remember from what I think is the secret where they were like, if you're, if you're getting a lot of bills, just start visualizing getting checks in the mail instead of bills. Mm -hmm. Then you'll get checks in the mail instead of bills. <laughs> I'm like, well, sure. I think you can do a lot better than that. I think it's fine to try that. Uh huh. And somebody also um, up there in the chat said, Pet theory about the secret is that we have models of the world which causes us to actively block crazy outcomes. So if you open your models to them a little bit more, they're more than you would think is available. I think that's totally true. And I think, or well, I mean, I think that's often true. And there are some interesting examples, especially with social stuff, that I think manic people mm. can provide some interesting evidence on. Because, you know, manic people tend to run into a lot of problems. Um, if it's, you know, a really mild hypomania, then I think that can not always but i've had a lot of friends who you know had psychotic episodes and stuff like that but but i think along the way many of them achieved totally outside their model good outcomes in a few areas often like made like a really intense connection or like a much more honest connection with someone mm -hmm. that like you know they hadn't had in years and it just sort of came or like processed something emotionally and it sort of came out of nowhere and i think i think that that's really pretty similar to the thing about that we have models of the world which cause us to actively block crazy outcomes so if you remove those blocks it can be like you're operating without guardrails and that right that's dangerous but but you can get some some outcomes that were outside your model right um but yeah so i think i think with all this stuff there's when i think about perceptual control theory like i think if my plan is to and it's it's not just about how we describe it verbally but i think for example some people have a plan that's more like to get a bunch of money. And some people have a plan that's more like to not be poor. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. what they have is a detailed representation, mental representation in their mind of poverty and then like a not attached to it. Yeah. It right. doesn't work. Like I think, I think by default, our cognitive architecture conflates is and ought. Mm. And it doesn't process knots, which is, this is the thing hypnotists say that your brain doesn't process knots. And I think, like I said, I think the words people use can be suggestive, but they're not. Ultimately what matters is the mental representation in their head and you can't always totally tell um, what it is unless you like, you know, unless they can, they have some introspection skill and they're being honest with you. And then, then you can often tell. And so I think it's rewarding on a fundamental neural level to like, you know, in the sort of operant conditioning sense, like I think it's, it's reinforcing when your model in your head matches what you see. Say that sentence again. Yeah. I think it's reinforcing on a fundamental neural level when the mental model in your head matches what you see. Uh Uh-huh. Right. And so unfortunately, I think if people have a don't be poor plan, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm-hmm. or a don't fight with my kids plan right. where they have this detailed mental representation of fighting with my kids and then some like you know not attached to it right then it is at least partly reinforcing whenever the thing that you're trying to avoid happens right right and then you'll do more of it and it sucks because right. there's some other I mean, people you know people are conflicted this could be also a time to get into some internal family systems i think they have some other parts of themselves that are like no we don't want that. I like register some objection to that plan, but like registering an objection is not the same as creating a detailed mental model of what you do want that you will use to steer your perceptual control theory model of the world to actually get things. Right. Um, sorry, my, the plane started falling out of the air. So I'm trying to figure out how to add, add gas in real time. There is a, I know there's a setting for adding gas back in here. Okay. I can, to... can I tell one brief story while you're doing it? Yes, you please. Yeah, now go. Okay. Yeah, so this is one of those, this is, it's, I don't know if it's internal family systems or not. It's, it's one of those moments where like a thing clicked with me in a way that really stuck. I was, um, I would say I've always sort of professed to care about being on time to things. And I've never been that bad at it. But I used to have a pattern where I would leave just a little too late, spend the whole time from when I sort of knew I was going to be late to when I arrived at the thing I was late for, kind of like just beating myself up for being late and like feeling bad about it. Because I don't know, like I didn't have a better way to reconcile these things. Like I knew that I cared about being on time. And so maybe that was helpful. But then there was some moment where I kind of just like, I've been thinking a lot about all these, like, you know, the stuff about the, you know, the secret and whatever and reinforcement learning and like what actually works and how my brain actually works. And I believe that I was on the subway going to meet a friend of mine and I sort of like zoomed out and I was like okay every thought that I'm having about how bad I feel and my plan to not be late (laughs) yeah he's like absolutely reinforcing this me being late behavior like functionally like yes I have some like not attached I have some like idea that I don't want this attached to it but if I actually look like moment to moment at these mental motions I'm doing in my head right they're making me more into the sort of person that's late to things right so I was kind of like okay no more cold turkey like I do actually care about not being late so I need a new plan right now uh-huh. and I just I created some like shitty visualization of like I can still kind of picture it I, I don't I don't think it's great but it was like of a calendar and of like leaving it was like 
sort of stretching out before an event was like a sort of bar that's like green if it's long enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it gets shorter, it's like red, it means I'm gonna be late to the thing. Right. And I imagine these bars like stretching out from beforehand and the things being in my calendar and the bars all being green. Uh-huh. And it was counterintuitive because it felt pleasant. I was like, I like this image. This is good. Right. Right, Which right, right. I thought like I had to feel bad in order to improve the situation, but like it wasn't working. Right. And so then I, I had a new plan. I was like, whenever I'm late, I'm gonna like stop. Like yes, I'll apologize. Like I want to be a good person. Whatever. Uh -huh. I will apologize to the person when I arrive, especially if they seem upset about it or like thank them. You know, some people are like you should thank them for waiting or whatever seems socially appropriate. I'll do that. But instead of rehearsing, I'm gonna not be late next time. Right. New plan. I'm gonna visualize me being on time to things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's better. It's, you know, it's not perfect, like, but it's definitely better. I like this distinction a lot. That's very useful. I think I could stand to apply that more. Um, the, uh, you know, Wandre says, also the people have that have strong not plans, I think frequently have developed that in response to believing that the thing will always occur. Yes. And so that is always, you know, that portion of their models and plans is firing maybe more than the not is. Um, I think that's that's very true. Right. Yeah. The other the other time I noticed a very similar thing happening was it was funny. Like there was something I'd been meaning to do. Like I forget what it was. Let's say it's write a blog post. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I had this thought like, oh shit! Like I summoned in that blog post. And then I was like, no, no, let me break this down. I think what actually happened was I had a thought like, oh, I should maybe write the blog post. And then immediately after that thought, my plan was mm -hmm. like, okay, feel shitty about not having done it. And then I was like, wait a minute. Right. That, mm, okay, again, if we like drill down to some my understanding of like reinforcement learning, right? I, that is not a good plan. I need to reward myself for having thoughts about doing the thing. Yeah. Because maybe I was just about to do it before I then decided that like the next step in the plan was to feel bad. You know, I think I don't usually think about um, my own stuff by the way people are asking about the free energy principle in the chat i don't know if you know what that is i keep hearing this phrase i, I um, can google it i don't know what it is i don't know if someone in chat wants to give us an explanation of what that is i've heard this and it sounded like i'm i'm, I'm sorry it just sounded like woo bullshit to me it sounded like a consciousness like i don't i don't know but i could not have called that right in oh i see okay huh i sort of understand it i think Seems mathematically arcane. Yeah, I... A lot of times when people want to launder something into a legitimate form, they go for math immediately, so... Wikipedia also says it cannot be falsified. So this seems like a potential criticism. It's a principle. It cannot be falsified. It cannot be disproven. In fact, there's not much you can do with it unless you want to ask whether measurable systems conform to it. It also says the free energy principle has been criticized for being very difficult to understand. <laughs> I think I understand it a little, but not totally. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I do have objections to falsification as the criterion of. of that seems fair too. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's like you know math is all sort of unfalsifiable, right? It's like if you assume these right. things, then you get both things, and it's very rich and cool. The, I mean, the the one I I also think of is like 
there's like naive falsificationism doesn't work because um, if you imagine dropping a, a feather from a building, it appears to violate Newton's law of motion because it doesn't fall as fast as a, as a bowling ball. <laughs> but then if you actually explain what actually happened in a detailed, complex way, you get how it does conform to Newton's laws. And then people are like, well, no, you're making, you're making epicycles. And the truth is you are making epicycles and air resistance is kind of an epicycle compared to like the most, most, most naive form of Newton's laws. But also that is like good science to, to right. make the explanation, you know, in the way that it's meant to. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It is pretty cool though. To I do think that my science teacher put the feather in a vacuum tube. Oh, cool. cool. That is cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, What was I going to, I was going to ask you something. Epicycles are real. Just look up. So if somebody wants to explain to me what this free energy thing is, I'm, I'm open to it, by the way. Um, at some point, I don't know, Twitter, or some call in, I don't know. Um, I guess, Divya, you said there were questions you wanted to get to. Yeah, I can, I can just say them. I, I want to give at least brief answers to them. So the sure. ones that are outstanding, one of them is... For those who are trapped, could you suggest ways that the best bits of unschooling might be applied within the constraints of an ordinary public school classroom? So for those who don't know what unschooling is, it's the idea that you don't make your kids go to school. They could still go if they want. And at home, you don't make them follow a curriculum. Though, of course, you know, the only structure you have basically is the structure they choose. You assume that learning happens naturally. There's kind of a lot to it, but the, that's the basic idea. It's homeschooling without a curriculum, though. It does also include kids who choose to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, so I think unschooling is mostly about, is mostly the idea that trying to just aim for good relationships with your kids is a good optimization target. And a lot of the rest of the stuff is not a good optimization target. Hmm. And so I think that if, if people have some constraints where they need to be in school, for whatever logistical reason or, you know, legal, you know, maybe they live in a country where it's illegal to do something else or whatever else, then I would think that it's still good to focus on trying to have the best possible relationship with your kids, which is like, is maybe sort of such an obvious thing to say as to be relatively content free, but, but I don't think it is content free. I think people have also, I mean, this is actually, this sort of harkens back to Brian Kaplan Though he, he justifies this by saying that he thinks that parents can't affect long-term outcomes anyway. Therefore, mm. it's good to focus on stuff that makes people happy short-term. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit of an oversimplification of his position, but I think it's it's not a, a total straw man. He, he's like, you know, if, you're, if your kids start by cutting out the activities that neither you nor your kid enjoys, but you're doing them because you think it's going to make them better people in 20 years. I see. Get, yeah. I also think he overstates the research. I think he's being intellectually honest. Like, I think he's accurately representing his beliefs about the world. But I think that the twin studies and adoption studies are not quite as strong as he makes them out to be. But uh -huh. that's a different question. Um, yeah, I think if your kids have to be in school, it's fun. I, you know, I think that a lot of the times parental pressure for academic achievement... Welcome. Is very costly yeah and so i think it is i don't know like you know every family's different everybody's values are different but just to realize that it's an option to send your kids to school and you know try to comply with laws 
and not impose any of your own pressure to do well in school. That's an option. Right. I know people do it. And they're not like mad at like, like certainly the way I, I grew up, I think the expectation from my parents was that I was supposed to like, you know, do the homework my teacher assigned. And, and then mm -hmm. I think that felt really natural to them. And they thought that that was what was good. And, you know, I like, I'm not trying to, that's what I thought was normal. Right. And I didn't occur to me that it could ever be different, but I think there is a possibility where you're sort of like, yeah, I mean, you know, okay, that's your assigned homework. Do you want to do it? What's going to happen if you don't do it? What's going to happen if you do do it? That's interesting. I think that's an option. Yeah. Um, you know, it could get you in trouble with the school, but again, like all of these things, like, I think it's good to drill down to like, actually goal factor the things like what do you care about and why do you care about it and to what extent can you be honest with your kids about why you care about it i think people in any situation can do that even if they're in school and if your real thing is like look i don't want to be hassled in the parent teacher conference like i don't know i mean maybe <laughs> like why does that really matter that's another thing you could continue to question but let's say you've like done some questioning and that's that's where you're at with it. I think it's probably better to be honest with your kid about it insofar as that's your real reason. If your real reason is, I think you're going to get a higher paying job in life. I don't know. Do some, like, do some Googling with your kid about jobs and like whether that seems true. I, I did want to ask you that. Like, do you, and this is going to depend on their age, I imagine, but do you find that your kids are, ba I mean, basically able to understand some of the longer term things? I think the usual perspective as I, I intuit it would be that like, well, you have to force your kids to like do their homework or whatever because they can't or won't understand that their career works a certain way. Like, but does the career their career work that way? Like, like I'm not convinced. Well, I I guess I'm just assuming there are going to be some some things like that. So here's one. Um, I think teeth really do that work. Do work that way. Like yeah, you teeth. You really only get one set of teeth, right? Right, right, right. Especially, you know, like they're baby teeth, but when they fall out, then you get your adult teeth. And right. like, I do tell my kids this. I'm like, you realize that like your teeth, you ju that's like all you get in terms of teeth. Like Those are your teeth. Yeah. The dentist could try to give you like fake teeth or like whatever, like fill cavities, but like that's kind of all you have. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that, I think that there are some, I'm skeptical that school <laughs> often like meets my standard of being one of those things. I do think there are things that are structurally like that. I think teeth is a pretty decent example. Mm. I think that what tends to be better for the role, I think, you know, and I'm also, I, I think there are circumstances where, of course, you would want to force your kids to do certain things. Like, I think a perfect example would be, like, if they needed a life-saving surgery and they were a toddler, right. Right. then I think you just give them the anesthesia and then you do the surgery, even if you can't get their consent. I think it seems obvious to me. Right. Um, this is, like, not a corner case. But, um, but, yeah, I think that it tends to be better. I think people really often by my values underestimate the value of like doing a bunch of work of like i think there are often ways to get kids to do these things that are just a lot more work mm. in the short term than forcing them but that help a lot right like i don't know i mean i'm not like i'm, I'm no role model in terms of that like my kids take perfect care of their teeth i'm really not but Right. I have at least done things like buy them 10 different toothpastes and see which one that they like the most. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm willing to remind them. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, like, it's annoying. Like, I kind of wish that they would do it without me reminding them. And sometimes they do, especially the one who's eight. Uh-huh. But I try to, like, I'm, I guess I, I see the thing where I force them as very costly to my relationship with them. Right. And so I try to 
find if there's something where I'm kind of like, yeah, it's I think it's super important, but like I don't know how to communicate. Mm. This is like something I value, but they at their current age maybe don't value it, but like I really do. Right. I think often I should sort of like like there's a term unfunded mandate, right? Like I think I should be very sparing with the unfunded mandates. Hmm. What is the unfunded what is that phrase? So I think it's it's something people say from government where somebody will pass a law that's like, okay, all schools must be performing at like X level or else, but they don't provide any resources uh-huh. to make this happen. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I assume that there's a place for things like that, but I tend to think in parenting, it's costly. The, what what was that? You, you retweeted, um, what the hell is his name? saying the best parenting book I ever read was Seeing Like a State. Oh, yeah, I did retweet that. Yeah, Simon, that Simon Harris. Harris, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought, I thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah, totally. And, uh, insightful. Um, well, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, right, yeah. The, anyway, many tangents. Um, so, right, so I, I think for the most part, I should try to make it easy for them and be willing to right. do more of myself. It's when it's one of the things in those categories. Right. I, 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 yeah. It's interesting because a straw man of what you're talking about would be like only treating your kid like a peer. But the stronger version is making the relationship good, even in, even if in some ways it's still a hierarchical relationship. Yeah. And I think kids are, are like 0% confused about that ever, right? Like, uh-huh. I think... Uh-huh. The idea that, like, I could be my kid's friend in a way that they don't realize that I'm also their parent, to uh-huh. me, seems like a straw man. Like, they're very clear when, like, you know, shit goes down. Like, okay, like, you're the parent. Like, you're the one who's supposed to know what you're doing here, right? Like, uh-huh. um, right. They, I, I think the the way that, like, I think I have, I have, maybe there's some people that are different, but I have yet to meet kids that don't seem pretty clear on that part of it. Right. And I think, and I wouldn't do that for a peer, like, I mean, I might, I guess, but like for the most part, if a roommate of mine was taking bad care of their teeth, I'd sort of be like, eh, not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> Your parents <laughs> should have handled it. <laughs> Who raised you? That's <laughs> what you think. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I would personally think that, I but I think I would be like, whatever, like maybe this person is, it seems hard and sort of like right. it would be really intimate for me to involve myself in this and right. like, right. who knows um, what's going on with you, but it's not my problem. And I, I you know, there are not as many things where that would be the line I would take with my kids. You know where this is some stuff like that has actually come up in my life most often is, I don't know about most often, but where it's surprised me that it came up is, this is more like years ago, but like when yeah. someone in the peer group was having trouble getting girls, like a guy in the peer group was having oh, trouble yeah. getting girls. And it's like, all right, well, throw away the shoes, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you, like, you got to not have acne as much, just like wash your face, like, like so it kind of goes into that yeah. territory. Um, yeah. You know, mostly healthy way. I don't know. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think people are different about it. And there's sort of like a question of like, is the person asking you have a close enough relationship that it's kind of like, like one way I think about responsibility is like, okay, well, what's the problem? And like, look around, like, who are the people that could plausibly be responsible for that? And like, what percentage of those people am I? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I think there's some things like that where, like, you know, if I, if it's my own child, I'm like, okay, what's the problem? Look around. Okay, good. I'm the parent. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, like, Will's also the parent. 
who does society and like our legal system and everybody think is responsible for and like our culture think is responsible for this us basically right right and like a little bit maybe their grandparents like a little bit there's some like you know mandated reporters they interact with like the dentist and the doctor and like mm. whatever but i'm like i feel like i'm a very large chunk of who's supposed to be responsible for a lot of these things whereas it's, it's not the answer i get with that many other people and no, it, it's right. also it's funny you know like with something like you know with adults in our lives that were very or i mean this is also i think about this with extras this was somebody asked me once like you know how responsible do you feel for something like you know working on aix risk or like i thought about this with COVID. i'm like well this is weird like on the one hand i'm like well there are billions of people this is affecting mm -hmm. the entire world mm -hmm. i feel like i sort of ought to and i'm not like i've i'm just like some person right in some sense i feel like i have almost zero responsibility in this situation mm -hmm. but then I'm like, well i don't know it seems like tweets are a little bit influential right because sometimes they trickle to the policy area i don't have a super good model of when that works and how and if i look at like what percentage of covid twitter am i it's like not zero right and it's not like tiny enough that i think you know it has like zero impact so i'm like this is that's what a bizarre situation. If, if I recall, I, I didn't Will get like a shitload of followers when COVID was picking up and he was tweeting about some of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you have a little bit of responsibility. Me too. Right. That, <laughs> that, that was my conclusion. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I, th I think you do too. Right, right. Well, I'll try to retweet you. <laughs> Sorry, I just bobbled the responsibility for, <laughs> for a second. Yeah. Yeah, damn, dude. Just, the, anyway, there's a whole other kind Not to change the topic too much. I, I think I want to get to what, just, I, it'll, I think I'll be more, I'll be more fun if I just feel like I got through these. Right, yeah, get get through those. And there's okay. also a question in the chat about, um, I guess people are curious for a bit more elaboration on space repetition. On the space repetition, yeah, okay, I'll get to that too. Great. So somebody else says, as a mother and homeschool teacher, I think she means me, but it's possible that this person means herself. Um, what aspects of unschooling were the most grinding against the grain of relationship and what aspects did you find success in? Do you ever see patterns of your parenthood occurring, naturally occurring in your parenting? So I think I'm, I don't fully understand this question. Mm. I would say to a first approximation, nothing about unschooling is grinding against the grain of the relationship. The entire idea of unschooling is not to do that. Mm. so it's almost like you know i have it in my head that it's like a red flag if i'm like by definition none of it because i defined it to be not that however in this place this is fairly close to the definition um yeah i think i think it's a little hard I, and then I'll, I'll try to give a more fair answer which is that i do think it's good for my kids if i can invest a lot in them if we can have a high trust relationship where i invest a lot in them but of course it's hard right because it, i think one of the things that i've really um so i have a friend who is currently expecting her 10th kid wow i was i was on a, a forum online it was a baby wearing forum and there was a discussion about large families and how people do it and how people make it work and i was i think i only had two kids at the time and i was like i need to know what they know and one of the things she said that I was like, okay, that is very important. And she didn't say it exactly. I'm going to, you know, paraphrase her, you know, my, yeah. all my words are my fault, not her, or not hers, but she was basically like, I, that there are a lot of things that people are used to sort of 
like people have a bunch of needs that get met or not over the course of their everyday life. Mm. And then when you add in kids, especially young kids, a lot of the things that I was just sort of getting by doing whatever I was doing, I'm, I didn't even know what they were, so I didn't have to track them. And uh-huh. now I'm not getting them anymore. Wait, sorry, so as example, a as a as a parent. Yeah, totally. So right, things like right. a thing that I didn't realize, and you know, maybe my brain, I could refactor my brain or whatever. Sometimes I think I, I sort of fundamentally re-architecture my whole like re-architect my whole thinking style and stuff. But but I think in order for that to happen, I have to understand what the constraints are. Like I didn't realize that it was important to me to sort of like at some points in a day, be able to do a bunch of things in a row that mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to do these five things and then go do five things mm-hmm. until I had two kids. And it just wasn't happening. I was oh, never like doing literal, five things in a row. The little se- the literal sequence or like how, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And it was like, I think I noticed it cause I was talking to um, a friend and I was, I was pl- like, when I had time where Will was taking the kids, I was playing the Sims and like taking care of my Sims family in the Sims. Right. Why am I doing this? Like why? I have like a real family. Why am I then playing like the Sims family? Right, right. And I think it was because you could queue up these actions and I could be like, okay, Sim, do this, 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 and this. And then the Sim would just do it. Uh-huh. And I was like, That's what I want to do, but it doesn't work for me. That's interesting. Or like, you know, or like my friend who said this, she was like, sometimes I'll stay up an extra two or three hours to like do a creative project even though I know I'm going to be tired and grumpy the next day and the kids are going to be like, it's like, it's all going to be worse. But I know that actually, if I don't do the creative project, things will go even more off the rails. So like, yeah. I don't have a better option than that. Right. So I think, I think that is where, that was like a, where I got some like grinding against the grain kind of stuff where I was like, I've identified these things as mattering. Now I'm going to try to do them oh no, there were these other things that mattered, but now I have to go identify them so I can like optimize for them too. Okay, so it's basically... Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, it's basically like... This is useful side note because it's one of those things where people say all kinds of crazy shit about parenting. And I know enough at this point to know that I will not be able to simulate it until it happens, basically. Like, that's some of those things, right? There's these circumstances where go like... You're not going to believe me, but it's going to be crazy. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to account for that. And then you don't. And then it's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I'm hearing is something like a... It's like I, I have an image in my head of like a, a simple pattern. And then like a crack appears in it in a, in a totally unexpected way. And you're like, oh, wait, this is like an- another several dimensions of a puzzle that I didn't right. think it was. And, yeah. And I think like, I think, I think these days it's maybe it tends to be like a sharper transition because I think my impression at least is that a lot of people not living in modern day America, living in either other times or other places had more exposure to like live to having young kids around when they, right. even when they didn't have their own young kids around. Whereas for me, like I spent almost no time hanging out with toddlers until I had toddlers. Right. Right. So it was like, I mean, it's fine, but it was definitely like, okay, now I need to like, learn a bunch of new skills and like under because the other thing is like i think and i think a lot of the things that were sort of kind of like i had to really learn to know myself better and i think honestly like i don't want to, want to make it sound like parenting is the only thing like this i think doing anything hard or anything that matters to you then it kind of fails unless you learn to know yourself better so mm. it's sort of like doing anything else but mm. 
in particular, I think I tended to mm. live in a world of people who, for the most part, would kind of like go along, would sort of like respect a bunch of culturally normal boundaries I had. Yeah. And not like really push them too much. And then like some people that I was close to that maybe like it's more sort of, okay, I've opted into this relationship and like we don't, we have something like more intimate than that. Uh, but then, with, but then with the, like babies and toddlers, it's like they they don't right right um, below a certain age right and right they won't really or like you know they were they might but like I can't rely on it so I need to and I think in in order to like make a whole set of contingency plans for like but what if somebody's doing something that like is really stressing me out and then I'm like hey can you stop and then they don't and I can't just like leave and not see them this week right no totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And then uh, patterns, the other question was, do I ever see patterns of my parenthood occurring in my parenting? I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, all over the place I see patterns, but I'm not quite sure what the spirit of that question was. I think that there, one pattern maybe is there's sort of an ebb and flow of like, okay, things are like kind of like steady, more like steady state, more like handled. Mm -hmm. And then something changes. Right. And then it's like a sort of pattern of more equilibrium, dis disequilibrium. Right. Because the kids get older or maybe because like somebody senses it that if things are like pretty cool and like maybe it's time for like somebody, there's like more slack to like for somebody to go do something different. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Whether it's me or somebody else. Right. Right. Um, and the last question is more a request for more about my experiences with internal family systems. Right. Cool. Yeah. The, I think I might've heard about that in the first place from you, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say where I heard about it from. Do you know Steve Omohundro? Uh, yeah. I, I, I like not super duper well, but I've met him a number of times and seen him at events and stuff. I think he's the one that seeded the IFS meme in the community. Really? Yep. Because I, I asked him, or actually guy I was dating at the time, asked him for his sort of top. He'd done a ton of like different self-development type stuff. And right. it was like, what's your kind of current best one? And he was like that. That's and then I think, I think from there, a lot of it in the rationalist spheres anyway came from me. But it was the, through Steve Mahandra, who was who was already around and at the time, I believe, was advising what was probably then the Singularity Institute. That's very interesting. What what did he He wrote some AI thing that was very, um, I probably wrote a bunch. Um, I feel like there's like one or two short pieces that used to be like recommended um, yes. as kind of primer sort of right. reading. I, I don't remember which. Oh, somebody said, I wonder if it's a question about what patterns for my own parents do you see? Oh, it could be that. Hmm. Yeah, I think I definitely see. I mean, some of them are just funny little things. Like, I used to not understand why my mother was always putting people's water glasses away before they were done using them. And, like, now I do that, and I understand it. Uh-huh. Why, uh, why, why do moms... Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do moms do this? Yes. Well, because I don't... Because I don't trust that people are ever going to clean them up. Right. And I have like cycles throughout the day where I'm going to go load the dishwasher and then I go look around and I'm like, all right, what are the things? And I collect them. And it's not really, yeah, it's not super sensitive to whether people might yeah. use them again. Sorry, my mom did that too and I hated it. Yeah, I, I get that it's annoying. I remember being annoyed by it. I right. would say I get it more now that like, 
there's something nice about something sometimes loading the dishwasher. Right. And if I really trusted that people would eventually do it, as, as a, eventually as a kid, part of my thing was like, but I know that I'm going to eventually deal with that. I truly believe that my kids will not eventually deal with it. Uh-huh. I mean, sorry, I guess I shouldn't say that. One day, you know. <laughs> One day. <laughs> if I really didn't do anything, they would. But I think that would not work super well. I have, as I said, an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. And yeah. one of the things that the almost two-year-old will eventually try to get into this. Anyway, whatever. It's not that interesting. Um, I'm sorry that that was frustrating for you, Blunderbuss. <laughs> did. It was frustrating for me, too. <laughs> you end up the cup tyrant. Yeah, totally. I, that was me. I ended up the <laughs> cup tyrant. Um, uh, yeah, my dad also, it's, it's funny. He, I used to, well, I don't know. I think it would be fairly natural to describe him as like not a super involved parent, um, which I think is, yeah, I think that's like in terms of number of hours he spent with me, I think that's true. But it's funny, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, but he gave me a lot of stuff that I think influenced me quite a bit. Mm. Like he was the one who always had computers in the house and he gave me a lot of books. And I read a lot of those books and I used a lot of those computers. And I think I'm pretty different from if he hadn't given me the books and had the computers around the house. Right. And, you know, and also we would talk and hang out and sometimes, but so I think I think about that with my kids too, that like, that's something that I associate more with him. Not that my mom didn't also have things around the house. She wasn't the one buying the computers, but you know, I don't know she bought us a dog and some stuff like that. Right. But she, she was the one I spent many more hours, like, interacting closely with, and she was the one I'd go to with stuff. But that's something I think about, of, like, what are what are the ways that I'm, that are, my kids are going to be who they are because of, like, what computers we had and what appliances we had and, like, did we have a VR headset in the house and, like, what books were available on the shelf and what, like, presents did I give them that, like, maybe that seemed like they were never using, but it was on their shelf for years and then one day they opened it. Uh-huh. You know, want to know something interesting? Um, yeah. I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, so my mom will give me articles and now and then, right? And mm -hmm. she'll be like, read this. And it's usually something in the newspaper or something from a magazine. And I think 99% of the time I'm like, I don't want to read this. I'm like, I don't care about this at all. Um, however, uh, years before we met years before I was interested in any of the AI stuff, the rationality stuff, the singularity and anything. She gave me an article on Ray Kurzweil and oh, interesting. I read it and I was like, I remember thinking this is pretty cool. I don't know what to do with this, but I'll think about it later. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And three years later or something, I, I ended up seeing a, an ad or whatever for a humanity plus conference. Um, and then that's when I went and I met a whole bunch of the rationalist people and later got a, a startup job in the Bay Area and got wrapped up and, you know, and ended up meeting you. That's like when I uh, went oh, out there. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So yeah. My, basically my mom gets gets some credit there. And, you know, it's one of these, like, what I found it anyway. I don't know, but I do have this distinctive memory of, like, reading the article and being like, this is cool. I'm not sure what to think yet. Um, yeah. And maybe you would have done it anyway, but maybe it, like, happened a year earlier or something. Right. Right. That was in your head. Yeah. So in on the like parents actually do yeah, have no, it. This is yeah, this is interesting. Um, how do you handle teaching kids things you know you have to experience to understand, like important things you learned growing up and asking why didn't anybody tell me? Realizing no one could have told you. 
Yeah, it seems very tempting to want to bombard your kids with all the counterintuitive life lessons you've amassed, but also seems clear cut that it wouldn't work. Yeah, I think mostly it doesn't work. I do try to, I mean, I do try to tell them about like this, this but it's, which of course aren't the right things. I do try to tell them about some of the like ways that I was like really confused and wrong and like nobody told me. As sort of a way to be like, there are things like this. Here's mm. some of mine, but yeah, I don't, I, th I think it's hard. I mean, I wonder if, if you are able, if it's possible to plug the holes that you can see, but then you, everybody misses something or like, there's always right. going to be this like the unknown unknowns, right? And there's also these things where, the, uh, again, I'm thinking about times I've dated somebody in the past where, where I, oh, good night, Lithros. Thanks for coming by, dude. Good to fly with you. Um, where I would come up with some insight. I'd be like, oh my God, this is how something works. And then my girlfriend would be like, I've told you that like a hundred times, you know? Like, <laughs> right. um, yeah. Yeah. Why didn't it? Oh, you know, here's something funny. So a different, um, a different roommate of mine, he messaged me last year. Something that I say to my kids a lot, and I think they don't care that much that I say it, but um, if they're like, I can't find my ex and I'm trying to help them. And so this is, I've come to believe over the years. I did not believe this was in my, my mom told me this when I was a kid, I didn't believe her. And now mm -hmm. I believe it, which is that the best way to find something is to clean up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I'll say that. Right. And they don't necessarily do it. But if I'm looking for something, I will say, I'll be like, guys, the best way to find something is to clean up. And then I'll start cleaning up and then I'll find the thing. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, I think. Somebody challenged me on this and he was like, do you really think that's the best way to find something? And I was like, okay, fine. There's the first step, which is just like, go to where you lost it and like, look around. Right. That does come close. I do think that's true. Right. I believe somebody claimed in a book that something like 90% of objects that are lost are like right in the area that you think they're in. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, um, an old roommate of mine messaged me, I think last year. And he was like, you know, I kept hearing you say that, and I updated towards what you said, that that's the best way to find something. Uh -huh. So it makes me wonder if, and again, my mom tried to tell me this, it didn't work, but I eventually, eventually came around to it. Mm. I used to lose my glasses. I used to glasses lose my face. glasses on my face a lot. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like I, I, I have very strong intuitions that if I had kids, I'd want them to read certain stories. That's a big one for me, and I, I wonder how much wisdom is story. Like, what, like what story? Um you know, um I mean it just depends on the age, but like I I feel like I've got a whole list. It's like I'd want them to learn a lot of history. Uh mm -hmm. I'd want them to read Plutarch. Um uh they're like these like biographical accounts of great Greeks and Romans. Um gotta give them Ender's game, gotta give them Dune, you know, gotta give them Name yeah. of the Wind. I think probably, I mean, I would like, you know, give him Harry Potter. I feel like it's pretty good. I, I love that, uh, you know, when I was at, at that age. And so, you know, I, I'm not one of those, like, super, super fan adults. But, like, I do think it's, you know, good. Um, I mean, th those are some of the obvious ones. It's like a lot of the mythology, the ones that I really am, again, I, of all people, maybe idiosyncratically love mythology. But I mm -hmm. think that I... I'm just very grateful that I had these comic book versions of um, the Greek myths, the Knights of the Round Table myths, and Edgar Allan Poe, actually. Yes. I had a lot of children's versions of, like, older, ki older you know, 
of like real yeah. books, right? And and that was awesome because then you kind of know a thing, right? You like know a story. Yeah. Like, so I love those. Yeah. So I have a whole, I, this one of those weird, I had a ton of books as a kid. My mom was just like pretty into buying us books and I was the third kid. So like I sort of got all the books that like everybody else was done with and they were just in my room and I had tons of them. And I would, I read a lot of them over the years, just, and you know, it's different these days. There's like more, there's the internet, right? I did have the internet, but not in the same way that my kids have the internet. Right. Right. And so I think it was more natural for me to go to these bookshelves, but eventually then my dad was storing them for me. And then he was kind of like, I actually need that storage space. I'm sending them to you. And you know, I'm grateful. He like hired some truck and I got like 30 boxes of books delivered (laughs) here, Wow. which is too many. And I basically got rid of, almost all of them. I donated them, but I went through them all and I kept basically everything that like had pictures because I was kind of like, I think it's better to just rebuy all the Kindle books basically because right. I don't have space for those books, but picture, but like, but I think it's different with picture books. I th- I've tried to get those on Kindles. I think they're not as good. And so far I would say, even though Lydia can read, mm. No, no one is interested in like going through this bookshelf of like all childhood books and some of Will's childhood books. Hmm. But I think I'm going to keep it a lot longer because I feel like one day somebody might. I don't know. Right. And sometimes I'll, you know, I'll be like, oh, let me take this one out and like read it to you. And that, they're sometimes into it. But like the thing that happened to me when I was a kid where I would sometimes just like read random stuff around the house has not yet happened, but it wouldn't be. I don't I think I'm, I still hold on to the hope that it might. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. I Man, I remember I got someone got me a copy of Encarta '95, the encyclopedia software program, and I would like print out a hundred of these articles and put them in a binder. Um, yeah. And I would just like cataloging it and like it'd be like sarcophagus, you know, like you know a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, yeah, we also yeah. like we just we had I think maybe three different full encyclopedia sets. Right. And I would mm-hmm. just like read through them sometimes. Right. Do, you, do your kids use the internet? I'm kind of curious to know yeah, about that. Yeah, for sure they use the internet, yeah. And like in what ways? Like what do they do? Yeah, see, somebody says just make sure reading is one of the most interesting things that you can do, yet keep them boardish. The thing is, okay, so I still read a lot of books. I'm on the internet a lot. It, it comes and goes. I read a lot of books on my Kindle. And so those aren't around the house. So the kids, one day, you know, it's funny. One of the things that stresses me out is I'm like, okay, one of these days, I'm probably just going to like put my kids, like sign into their thing. So they have access to all my Kindle books. Cause there's so many, but like some of them, I think I feel, I'm like, can I hide a few books? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think my kids, some of them might end up being super into reading, but I'm okay with the idea that for them, the internet is the most, like, I want them to do anything there is to do. Mm. And I think for me, that was often reading books around the house. And for them, it's going to be more heavily internet weighted because, because mm. they have more internet than I did. And right. I, th- I, to me, the important value is the pursue the things that you find the most interesting, not the reading. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. There's, this is the whole, like, when I was a kid, I used to play stick and rock or whatever. And <laughs> like, um, I mean, kids, my kids definitely still, I think that one is still pretty alive and well. If kids are around outside, then they play with sticks. They play with stuff, right. Um, that's, yeah. Well, th- I was imagining this as the, like, Dad, why can't I have a <laughs> Nintendo 64? And it's like, you know. Right, yeah. When I was a kid, you know, for fun, we would go to the mines or whatever. 
tell your kids what's in some books. Yeah, but again, like, okay, there's sex scenes. You think there aren't sex scenes on the internet? Like, uh-huh. there are also, if they, I mean, my kids are pretty young, so that one. Um, I guess I'm kind of curious about that. Like, how protected can the internet be? Does any of that parental control stuff work? Like, I think when I was... I've like, never really tried using it. I, I, when my kids are really little, I'll put on the, like you know whatever like the kids settings for the search or like the youtube kids app but right but not like that i ex mostly when i think because like mostly if i think they wouldn't be looking for it i personally I, I i'm not i've never used it at an age where i thought that they might want to get around it personally uh -huh. Uh -huh. there have been some like an example of a like ah, let's maybe not watch this was like i remember lydia was like looking for halloween videos when like uh -huh. when she was I mean, she was like four or like three or pretty young and she liked to watch like Halloween makeup tutorials, mm. which is fine. Um, I was making a crass joke. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But people do, people definitely um, have all sorts of ideas. I lie your chin to down to get married off. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she came across this video that was like 10 real life creepy things that happened on Halloween. And they were all things like some person actually died but people didn't realize because they thought it was part of a gross halloween decoration right I'm like, okay i don't think this is what you were looking for i don't really love this video like to me that's the sort of thing that i've been like maybe right. let's is when it seems like they found something kind of like above their maturity level uh, or like uh, not match their interest by accident above their uh, scp containment grade or whatever yeah, I mean, if they want, I guess, I don't know. I guess I trust that if kids are, like, seeking something out, then probably nothing good will come of Just preventing them from having it. In most cases, they're obviously, again, these corner cases, like, no, you're really, really not allowed to drink um, antifreeze, even if it tastes good, of course. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think when I was a kid, I got, I got a couple info hazards or something. Like, I got a couple, like, shit I probably shouldn't have encountered. I, I don't know if yeah. that's... What's that? Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I don't know, like where some of it's like I possibly have taken a lifetime to adapt, like but it, like like very like character defining weird shit a little bit. Um I guess it's kind of like a heavy thing to say, but the uh just cuz I, I think about my my fucking mind all the time, so it's just yeah. available. But um like I I was obsessed with monsters. I I was very fascinated with monsters i had monster toys at godzilla you know all this kind of stuff and then i would get you know in the space of stuff that exists that you can buy that there's toys of that's there's whatever monsters starts edging into like zombies and vampires and skeletons and mummies and stuff and that's all pretty harmless right but then it gets darker and weirder right because there's the actual horror genre you know um totally and yeah. some, some of that stuff, like, stuck in my mind. And I, I would have weird experiences. I would, like, stay up all night. I would, like, you know, just, like... I think I basically would, like, trip trip balls, like, in a bad way. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. This maybe is a little bit part of my perspective where, looking back, I, I think I ended up with a little bit of a, like, an important relationship to fear, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I like Batman. I love Batman. I always like Batman. I think it took me years to realize why I like Batman. I think is that Batman is about this like theme of like fear and making it part of you and like this whole like becoming a badass and like you know um anyway, I, 
it's it's yeah. a it's a weird it's a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's an interesting topic. I like I also sort of think in the ideal, I want to be able to like be there being like just so you know, this thing might be an info hazard and here are some potential risks and then they trust me and like what but like I think that's hard, right? Like I can do some of it. Mm. But I but I think I can really only count on being able to do some of it, partly because some things they're going to come across either because they're sort of like by, I think sometimes people come across things um, without meaning to, for one thing. And so neither yeah. of us knew that that was about to come up. So we couldn't really talk about it beforehand. I, th I think what I'm gathering is that you really truly are willing to not be a helicopter parent. And I've, I'm having trouble like grasping it. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, what is that? What, what do you guess? What do you mean by helicopter parent in this case? Well, it's 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 like, what do I mean? I don't know. I, I think probably a, a lot of people are confused about. Like, protecting... I think I don't think it'll work past a certain age. Well, I mean, but but, but maybe that's the vice. Maybe, I mean, not not that you're having the vice. I think maybe the vice is believing that it will work, uh, like, honestly, out of a sense I, of it. I know. You know, as far as I can tell. The hit rate on people, probably even younger, but like, let's say 10 and older who want to do something on the internet and their parents want to stop them from doing something on the internet and it really solidly working, seems mm. low. It, it could be that the only version of this stuff that works is like actually be Amish or something. Yeah, okay, sorry. So Yes, it's true. So I don't know... I, as far as I can tell, yeah, the, I think the Amish thing, but the Amish are pretty wise about this because they have Rumspringa. Right. So, the, and I don't, for people who are not, you know, sort of occasionally researching the Amish for fun, I believe the way this works is that there are, and, and Amish rules are hyper local. So, like your specific, like, district, mm. they don't call it that, like your specific religious leader that's very local makes the exact rules about which things Amish people are are not allowed to use. And cell phones are an interesting one that are increasingly popular as far as I can tell among the Amish. Mm. That might this might be the thing that sort of like sinks Amishness is the cell phone. Mm. Mm. Because it's like you ah, it's it's a little bit different like I mean they don't have I think their houses don't have electricity. Anyway, but sorry, th that's beside the point. At I believe 16 is Rumspringer. For Amish, and there's a lot of sort of like sensationalization, yeah, etc. Of this that I think is is basically wrong. However, I think parents do try to exert some control over their kids, but there's some there's some sort of built-in thing that like until they they don't officially join the Amish church until they're adults, and so they're not really bound by the Amish church until they officially join as adults. So if you are like a 16 year old Amish person and you sometimes like drive a car and you have a phone and you whatever, your parents might like try sort of normal parent things to get you to stop, but you're not like gonna be shunned for doing those things because it's kind of like, well, you have to figure out who you are and whether you eventually wanna join the Amish church. And right. some of them do and some of them don't. So th that actually seems more realistic to me that right. I think Amish parents do tend to have, I mean, I don't know how much I want to get into the Amish, but like, that seems realistic to me that by the time kids are at least teenagers, I think it's fairly unrealistic 
to try to exert that much control in a lot of cases. Yeah. And I, I might have mentioned this to you, to you before, but it, I, I think the defining character of my adolescence was me, like, resting control over everything I could, like, frenetically um, as, a, as a reaction to feeling, you know, controlled, right? I mean, um, and in some ways, like, it's funny that I say this because I think as a kid, I was fairly down to mostly do what my parents wanted me to do. Right. Um, so I was maybe somebody where, like, it seemed like it would have been working better. But I think it's sort of, I mean, some of the stuff I did anyway, and some of it's sort of temporary. Like, I don't know. I wasn't really supposed to watch TV as a kid, and I mostly didn't. And then I went to college, and then I, like, lived on my own, and then I, like, sort of, like, caught up on all the TV that I missed out on, and then I think it's sort of normalized to, like, whatever amount of TV watching. I don't know. It's hard to know, like, how much... I think I like absorbed my parents' values about what sort of person I should be and then ended up with extreme disagreement about how to do it or like how much I should be allowed to hang out with my friends if I was going to also do that. Somebody said the groups that allow cell phones will die off and the herd will benefit from the sick members dying off. Yeah, I think, it's, I think I read some article about this. It may not have been a good article, but I think the thing was basically that like people are, cell phones are more tempting because they're like small and easy to hide. And so people are more tempted to break the rules to have them. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's it's fair. There's a lot of diversity in the Amish population. I also have, I bet that at this point, actually the genetics of like, that the people who, that the genetics of the people who stay Amish are substantially I think there's probably decent selective pressure because a lot of people mm. don't be, they be big families and then not all the kids stay Amish, but a substantial portion of them do. And I bet it's like the people that are, I bet there's strong selection pressure for the people that are more genetically suited towards Amishness, Amishness, mm. Amishness at this point. Right. I guess it's like a form of truncated selection maybe, which I think can go pretty far. Right. Huh. And uh, now that, I mean, I'm not good at genetics math, but the Amish also have a much higher birth rate than. Right most other groups a, a really quick uh up above um wt mmp mentioned talking checking out books and being like holy crap they actually let us read this um i have a quick story about this where at a certain point i was allowed access to like the fifth grader books or something <laughs> and yeah. um i picked up a book and it was called the alien or something like that and i was like cool it's about aliens and um <laughs> I read it, and it's it's about an autistic child, and I didn't know what that was. I just had no mm -hmm. idea what that was, and I I thought that um, autistic was their like, you know, old timey or like southern or something way of saying artistic. <laughs> so I'm reading yeah. this book about this artistic kid who's just doing all this weird stuff and like yelling and like it's like a, a like a drama, right? And I also re remember that they kept using this phrasing like moreover xyz moreover whatever they kept saying moreover i thought that moreover was a person and i thought there was a character like uncle moreover or whatever and i basically <laughs> just it's just such a weird thing to look back on because it's like i read the whole book because at that time i would just pick up a book and just zip through the whole thing and it's like what did i even gather and i just kept reading this fucking book and by the end i, I think i started figuring out that it was like not what i not what i had yeah, bought, they, bought in for i'm like where are the aliens this is one of those things where it's like those the things that like kids didn't even know they were confused about this is like a perfect example of like how could anyone have like thought to correct these misconceptions yeah even? 
No way. Yeah, no. Yeah. This is like, no, no, no. This is like my parents. I swear to God. Uh, I just remember this is that my parents, I think, explain to me how sex works. Right. And yeah. they said, you know, the man puts the penis in the vagina and then, the, you know, like a thing comes out and like they said the whole thing. And I thought yeah. that this was a medical procedure. I thought you would go to the doctor yeah. and they yeah. would just sit there while you did it and then you'd go home. And like that was like they actually did try their best to be, you know, like sex positive or whatever the fuck, you know, not like hide anything. And I just didn't like, you know. Yeah, no, I definitely have explained. I think at this point, at least one of my children knows what sex is, but it did not take the first number of times that I explained it to her. Right. And I, I definitely remember at one point, I'd probably explained it like five times when she'd asked again, because, you know, I mostly think that the right time to explain these things is when kids ask basically and to try to like answer the question like answer the parts that they are actually trying to anyway whatever I right just, just like one of those funny moments where she asked me again because she there was some question about and she was like but how do people like what is it like how do people have a baby and we we're in an uber and i was kind of like can we just talk about this when we get home and this uber driver was like laughing at me basically right 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 Right. I was like, I've already done this like five times. Do I have to do it now in the Uber also? Right. <laughs> Does it have to be like this? Anyway, I did. It was, you know, whatever. It was fine. Um, I yeah. think we were almost home and then I did tell her at home. And I don't know if it made sense at that time uh-huh. or not. But I think eventually at some point, my guess is yeah. eventually it made sense. Right. <laughs> Still doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. It's, um <laughs> The uh, by the way, Wandre had a call in. If you are down, by the oh, way, yeah, let's, do it. let's do it. All right, let's just do it. Um, Wandre, I'm gonna drag you in. Yo, dog, you're on. Hello, what's up, man? Um, not much. Um, my name, well, I called in earlier, earlier, but I don't think Divya was there for that. Um, my name is Andrew Divya. I think we met. Uh, I have blonde hair. Very blonde hair, <laughs> and uh, worked at Miri and Paradigm. Uh, I've at least oh, been yeah. in your house. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I can't. Okay. It's hard for. I cannot tell who you are from your picture that's showing up. <laughs> <laughs> that is not me. Uh, yeah, I should have thought about that. Uh, yeah. The, anyway, yeah. So. I, yeah. Oh, cool. Um. So I just had like a follow up. So, Kersey was expressing surprise about you, uh, like you know, sort of like not being a helicopter parent. Uh, and then I think I'm I'm having some sort of a similar reaction and then just wanted to like follow up on that because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I think like imagining myself as a parent or just like, you know, looking at my like mother and her current feelings or feelings when I was younger, there seems to be a large amount of fear or worry about, you know, various outcomes on like tons of different things. And that being (laughs) like a pretty intense and um, present thing, like a lot, and then causing, you know, lots of various controlling actions of subtypes, whether or not there is like, uh, you know, good looking at like, well, okay, does that fear or worry cash out in an action that's actually going to change this person's action? It's like, I don't even think that's like necessarily on the table in a bunch of cases, but it Can appears that, um, well, like with the internet thing, it, like you pointed out like, well, you know, it, can I actually keep them away from it or whatever for them running into various things or like, 
how much is me saying no change like will they just do it on their own what like i i don't think that it's like not a crux really say that again um like maybe not a crux for how everybody thinks about these things yeah 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 it's like that that gets bypassed by the fear so so then my, my question would be like yeah it's my my impression is like yeah you just feel you know not as worried or feel very safe or feel like i don't know maybe you can handle the outcomes or something and then in so in so far as you are calm about a lot of the parenting things where like maybe other people are worried i'm curious about what creates that sense of calm or like you know like why it is that you feel less stress or why it is that you feel that the inner need meaning is not necessary but but that could be like a mischaracterization of what's happening but, but yeah, that would be it. yeah i do think it's an interesting i like your question i appreciate it um so let me see if i can if i can it seems like you're saying that you think a lot of parenting decisions are driven by fears that like are sort of maybe pre-conscious enough or like intense enough that people wouldn't be asking questions like okay but would this really even actually address yeah, that exactly yeah um i mean i don't know i think a lot of it might be the rationality stuff <laughs> okay interesting like because th yeah i don't know i mean i think which maybe isn't an answer because it's like well why am i drawn to the rationality stuff like sure, i don't sure. know but i was and i found it and i think i'm pretty different because i found it and and i live also in a social world that reinforces that so i think like it just seems really normal to me and like really sort of drilled in that if I want to avoid something to like goal factor and like think about like what my cruxes are and like whether that would actually address that like that's sort of the world I live in now and I okay. think a lot of it's because of the rationality stuff and like both the actual writings and the community that formed around it that like all thinks it's normal to think that way and sort of expects it of other people in the group yeah it's I I, yeah, I kind of want to like that. Th not to interrupt I, I, I yeah, just I feel like sometimes uh, stereotypes are going to come out of my mouth now. Um, I, I feel like sometimes smart people think that their actions are due to their beliefs and their actions are their rational beliefs and their actions are due to their rational beliefs because of some character trait beyond just liking the idea of their actions actually following their beliefs or like there, there's like a character trait that lets you do that. that that's kind of what I think is often the case. Yeah. And, so. Yeah. No, but but I feel like I'm like I think I, my character traits were similar, but then I found something that spoke to me, and now I have a social group that's like all those people, and I've like read more about it, and like we're all like this is what we do, and so now I'm kind of different. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> I, mean, I also I... think just like genetically, or like oh, I don't know, I, I don't know what's genetic. I think I have a fairly like, uh, like not intentionally did I think I have a lot less anxiety than a lot of people which I don't think is always good right like it's about you know ego structure environment fit like there's some things I think I should sure. probably be a little more worried about than I am um but I think I'm I don't have a lot of anxiety as a person for which I am very grateful because I don't think I really <laughs> did anything to become that way I think I I don't know okay that's yeah that's that feels like it would fit into the thing that's happening. Does it? Does it seem yeah. like it, it kind of answers your question, or? Um, 
sort of. I, I think I, I'd have further questions about, I, 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 I can't form anything. I think that would be a good question at this point. That's sort of answered it. Oh, no, no, no. Um, no. <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have further questions, but not a thing that I can format well that I think would be easy to answer. Um, I, okay, well, I personally would be up for a poorly formatted thing. <laughs> well, if you're I, I mean, yeah, so one way of framing it would be like, if you were talking to a parent that like was more concerned or like just naturally concerned, more naturally like helicopter parenty, et cetera. And then you were trying to explain to them like how to do like something closer to your thing or like why that works or yeah, something in that space. Like, I'm curious how you do that or, or like what things you would say. It, it, but it could be yeah, that so, like the gap is pretty large. I'm not sure. Well, so I, I think one answer is that on Clubhouse, a couple friends of mine and I have been running an unschooling discussion, usually Wednesday and Sunday mornings. And this sort of thing totally does come up. So if you are super interested in knowing what I do, then you could come to those rooms. If you're, if you need a Clubhouse invite, you can hit me up if you, unless you don't have an Apple device, in which case, anyway, whatever. <laughs> in which case you better not hit me up. <laughs> in which case, of course, you still can, but it won't work. Um, I once made the mistake of tweeting on Twitter. I was like, do any of my followers want a clubhouse invite? And of course, naturally, there are just a bunch of people that have like a notification set up that if anyone, like people I have uh, no zero connection to have a notification set up uh -huh. because they're savvy. If anyone is offering clubhouse invites, I got a ton of DMs from people that I do not know. Um, if you actually know me and would like a clubhouse invite, I have one. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I think, I think usually the right, well, sorry. Let's say I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me. Someone's having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me and they're like, I have these concerns about my kids. I think usually the best first thing to do is something like see if I can repeat back to their satisfaction what their concern is. You know, usually that's the first best thing to do. I don't always do it, but yeah. if I were giving generic advice, that would be step one. Yep. And I think that that, and then that like, people find that helps typically like helps and clarifies their thinking a little bit and then i might try to and then like are they asking me like let's i mostly i think if people aren't asking me for this for my thoughts on something then it's usually none of my business but um but it assuming they are i think then it can be helpful to to look at some assumptions and make them more explicit instead of implicit as yeah. an expert. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if this is, is this at all what you were, what you're asking or not really? Sort, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. I, I, okay. Yeah. But what is, how is it not? Um, I'm trying to think about my, my own part of my own motivation for asking. And then like, if that's relevant and if that is here, I think like, well, okay. I'm not sure if it is, but I'll, but I'll say a thing that I felt. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's interesting listening to you because like, well, I'm not like, I, I mean, I guess it would be wrong to say I'm not inside the rationality community, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm very tuned to that content. I, I think that personally, you know, I would parent in a similar style in many ways, 
Um, though, though, like, you know, when the rubber hits the road, like, you know, who, who knows what would happen. Um, but I, I do see that as very conflicting with how my parents raised me and what they would naturally do and what their inclinations are. And so then it's both like relieving to hear about, you know, you and actual mother doing the things and then, you know, seeming to have good experiences with that and things working. Um, and, you know, scary to imagine, I guess, myself actually doing that. And then that coming into conflict with, you know, my perceptions about what my parents would do or, or think that I should do, you know, for their grandkids or something like that. Um, yeah. and, and that so I think probably partially I'm, I'm interested in like how I would navigate <laughs> the, the like potential future conversation where like I'm parenting in that style but then like either just like in my own mind running into my model of my mom and what she would think or literally having interactions with my mother where <laughs> she's like you know disagreeing with the things or whatever yeah that makes a lot of sense to me I, th I think most people have some degree of that that comes up in their life for sure that and I think it, it's often not like super straightforward emotionally yeah we're i mean not to it, you don't have to answer but like yeah how did your parent how have your parents felt in general about like you raising your kids the way that you have been yes i mean i you know the i think there's probably a lot i could say about it i think both of my parents are among other things pretty supportive of the idea that you know they made their decisions with their kids and i'm going to make my decisions with my kids and mm -hmm. they definitely sometimes offer input but i think they're they're pretty consistent about doing it from a frame of like but they're your kids mm -hmm. and i think that makes mm -hmm. it easier to have those conversations i i know like family dynamics are pretty varied um and that's not always part of the picture yeah i feel I like think so, yeah. I was just going to throw it out. I feel like I would want to read a book or like, at least I think I would want to read the book, but I would at least browse the book. Um, that was like, what was that? Faces of New York? Was that book? Humans of New yeah, York? So. Humans of yeah. New York. Humans of New York style, just like descriptions of like what it's like to be in a family or maybe not quite humans of New York, but like a, a couple more pages per description of just like this is the vibe and like this is what the ex expectations were and this is the type of shit the grandparents do and don't do i don't know that's just what's occurring to me like some kind of sociological yeah anthropological they're, they're information totally i would say different things that people have some some people like reading books about things that can be like yeah i think that can be helpful some people there are also um yeah, there's some documentaries that I think people like. I, I haven't, I've not done this, but I've, I know other people that brought like the grandparents to, there's a, like in California, there's a homeschooling conference, HSC conference. It's pretty unschooling, but a lot of unschoolers there, though it's not exclusively an unschooling conference. But like, I do think for a lot of parents, because, um, and also with some of this stuff, I think the reason, I, I guess I left this out of my answer too. I think a lot of, I, like, I have a lot of friends who 
have relation who have really trusting relationships and good relationships with their kids and and you know let them make a lot of choices and sort of trust that the relationship will will be the best will be the the that if they want to have influence over their kids lives then having a strong relationship with them is the best way to do it i have a lot of friends that that are doing that that have and many of them have kids that are older than mine. And so I think it gives me a lot of peace of mm -hmm. mind to look at those families and think mm -hmm. it's indeed working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I've heard of people that, um, that for example, have the grandparents come to homeschooling conferences and just the idea to like see, okay, there are like other people that do this and they have kids of all different ages and like nobody exploded and many of them go to college and. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have, I, I'm, I don't have, I think, evidence coming like that, generally speaking. In, that makes sense, because, yeah. Yeah, most of my friends just that would have kids or have, yeah, they're just like, we're not old enough. <laughs> I need to wait a few more years. And or I think my friend group in general, at least my like close friend group, is generally lacking in children. So that, that's part of it. Yeah, and, and there are places you can, you can, find the, right, the people yeah. that are doing what you're doing but their kids are older they sort of congregate in various facebook groups and things like that and you you also kind of did that did you right you like found you had to find people mm -hmm. yeah totally some of it was almost by accident because i found the san francisco attachment parenting group when i was starting to feel like like i sort of met a bunch of friends through the home birth community and then at a certain point, basically, they all started doing, like, cry it out sleep training. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I was kind of like, okay, fine. Like, people make different choices. But I, let, me, let me, this doesn't really feel, like, these conversations are not feeling super comfortable to me anymore. So let me try to find people that are more similar to me. I seem to want that. So, like, instead right. of wanting these mm -hmm. people to be different, let me go see if I can just find the people that are more like that. And I found the San Francisco Attachment Parenting Group and the, the people that ran it, I'm were unschoolers and they had a park day that was the attachment parenting park day that was basically the same as the homeschooling park day and so i ended up meeting a lot of people back when park days were a thing pre-covid <laughs> park day cool that was really good to hear about thank you <laughs> yeah and in fact one of my friends had given me that advice i was like where should i like i'm my i had like a one-year-old and i was like i guess this and this was sort of like a freebie these were some friends of friends that then became my friends um, who I'd met before I had kids who unschooled. And I was like, where do I find potential friends for my kids? And they were like, even if she's young, you should maybe go to the homeschool park days. So they had already told me to do that. <laughs> mm. right, right. Awesome. Sweet. Well, I don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling in, yeah. man. Good to, yeah. good to hear your voice a second time. <laughs> All over this one. Yeah, man. Well, uh, do you have you? We are running up on four hours, or I guess it's three and a half yeah, for you. Um, That's right. So, uh, I I trust that you've been enjoying it, or maybe I'll ask you again when we're off the air. But if we've uh, <laughs> no, I have been. Hang I, on. I like talking. Sweet, like you said. No, we we no, it, it's great, right? <laughs> talking is fun. I feel like you could run a show or like, I don't, I, I don't know. I want you to like make videos or write a book or I, I guess you do blog about the parenting stuff. Um, I used to now I'm on Twitter, but well, I don't right. I blogged barely at all recently. 
But thank right. you. I, I appreciate it. I, I want to produce more and I don't always know the best way to do it. So on, like this. Yeah. Sorry. You, yeah. Well, honestly, literally my thought process yeah. for that has brought me to where I am with all this was literally I have stuff I want to get out in the world. How do I increase the surface area between me and the world? Um, yeah. And mm -hmm. Twitter, writing, uh, like, even if it's not sharing it on the internet, just talk, talking into recording devices. Like, I followed a whole bunch of steps. And in part of the reason I've ended up on Twitch is because I like the live. It's going to add some energy versus, uh -huh. like, m making videos. It's like, I can do it, and it's okay, but it's a lot of, like, it's like you can't quite get too tired when you're in front of people trying to run something because then it's like boring and it's your fault and like so yeah i mean so i have been running it's funny i spend a few hours a week at least running these unschooling rooms but there's no record of it right uh-huh uh-huh so i guess yeah if i already am doing that and it's not that hard if i did something similar but where there was a record of it well some people i've seen the clubhouse rooms where it says like recorded yeah and then i think I, w I think it wouldn't be appropriate to record those though because i want right. people to feel as comfortable as possible asking questions you could have portions you could have sections or something yeah so it's a good food for thought i think i also heard okay, okay. can i tell a very quick story yes and, oh yeah and i just want to make sure that we get to yeah. uh, at some point we got to get to karmic custodians question about space repetition because i swore oh, yes would. okay yeah yeah but go, yeah go yeah, Mike, I think this will be pretty short. This was a couple of years ago before I, I guess I, my technically my Twitter, Twitter account, I made it many years ago, but I wasn't using it at all. And the, the story of how I got on Twitter, I think it's kind of interesting uh -huh. because it's about me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was in the, it was like, I don't know. I woke up in the middle of the night, I think, or like either that or I've been up and I don't, I normally sleep very well and I'm not up in the middle of the night, but it was like two in the morning or like three in the morning or something. And I was just having like a mini existential crisis of like, I don't want to like die with all my ideas still inside me like this. I can't handle it. Yeah. And I woke up well, which again, I normally, I normally don't do it. I was kind of like, well, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, and I expected him to sort of be like, oh, you know, like whatever, it's okay. Or something. But he was like, I think you need to be on Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, really? Like, and then I don't know, then we like looked at some people and their followers and what they were doing and like, yeah, had this old, and I was like, okay, you convinced me. I think I'm supposed to be on Twitter, and this was before he was on Twitter. And then he was like, okay, I guess I'll get on Twitter too. I, you know, it's the, the, oh, that is interesting that, that he got on second, um, and that he recommended it before getting on. Because um, well, I think he was like, because I'd been I'd written more stuff, not like a ton, but I'd been more active on Facebook. But he was like, no, but right. like the thing about Twitter is it can sort of scale in a way that Facebook doesn't. Totally, I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like sometimes, and and. You know, you, you know, I kind of have a gigantic ego and, and thinking about my role in life or whatever. But but sometimes on a bad day, like when I'm just like, I will never achieve anything. Sometimes I'm, mm -hmm. I, I actually do have the thought, like, at least I've gotten some blog posts out. Or like, at least I've made yeah. something, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I relate to that, too. Yeah. Okay. Space repetition. Um, somebody said, did you use space repetition to learn rationality stuff? Yeah. So there was... I think that I, I did somewhat, but there was a period in my life where I was doing this a ton and it was like scratching some sort of intense mental itch I had. The first thing that I believe if I'm remembering it, I might've like put some vocabulary or something boring in there, 
But the first thing I think I really got into using it for was memorizing my favorite quotations from books. I've also used it for exactly that. And that's one of the tasks I found it most useful for. Yeah, it was super rewarding. I also got a very useful, concrete piece of advice. This is for like me just Googling things that like trying to make my life easier. I think I Googled like how to memorize verbatim text. And somebody gave me the advice. This is like a shaping, like a operant conditioning shaping type of thing. Somebody was basically like, you should have a hint that's the first letter of every word as like an intermediate stage. Okay. That's very useful. But anyway, um, yeah. So at huh. first I started using it for memorizing these quotations, which was very cool. Cause I sort of, I'm like, I get quotations from books kind of like stuck in my head a lot, but right. it's kind of irritating cause I can't usually really remember them unless mm. I've like put in some effort at some point. Um, so that was cool. But then, um, yeah, basically I started noticing that there were, especially in like situations where I was more emotional, I wasn't, I would be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Like, for example, like I'm going to try to state my observations, feelings, needs, and requests. But then I was actually upset and I would do some other thing that didn't work nearly as well, like blaming people or mm -hmm. like making absolute statements, <laughs> like some other thing. And so I was kind of like, all right, well, it seems like what's happening is that I kind of forget my plan. So maybe I should like memorize it. Maybe that will work. And so I ended up making a ton of cards of things like I made a ton from nonviolent communication. I made a ton from crucial conversations, another communication book. I, I made ones out of, I think the first two sequences, which are the, the more memorable one was the um, 37 ways words can be wrong. But I think I did the other one too. Like the one that starts with how to make sure that your beliefs are paying rent in anticipated experience. Mm-hmm forget what that sequence is called, but it was that one. Right. And it was really interesting. I think that there was, I don't know. It felt like it was a little bit like of a roundabout way to solve my problem. But like my problem, I think was more that I was compartmentalized. Uh-huh. And that it was sort of downstream of that was like a memory problem. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do think it sort of helped. And it was one of those times in my life where I was kind of like throwing everything at the wall. So it's hard to know really what had what effect it was like you know terrible science just like try everything at the same time and I, I i was also doing a ton of internal family system stuff as well to try to become more of a coherent person and be less compartmentalized and not have my beliefs kind of just like fluctuating wildly depending on which emotional state or i was in or which person i was talking to because it used to really bother me that that would happen a lot and it doesn't right. i mean I think some of it's inevitable, but it doesn't happen nearly as much to me as it used to. Um, and yeah, and for me, using this spaced repetition was a big part of that. Another thing I did was I would find beliefs that I was, this was, I, I recommend this if people, if it appeals to people. I really only did it at once, but if it's like, I don't know. So it's not like I think it's appropriate for everybody. I don't think it's would be very helpful for me right now, but I think it's, it was very good for me at a particular time in my life that I, sort of cataloged a bunch of beliefs that I was, things that I were true, but I was flinching away from. Right. And I memorized them. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to like memorize them in the form of like they were true, but it would be like on this date, I had this thought and I noticed that I was flinching away from it. And I'd do like some closed deletions, which is um, the spaced repetition sort of card making technique where you remove some of the words and then you have to like fill in what it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, That's a wild idea. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was good. I think it was good for me. And maybe it's a little bit. Uh, yeah, again, like I think my, I my think product brain is ticking. Sorry. My product brain is ticking. I'm like, you could run people through a program where they set that up and created more coherence with, with themselves over time. And yeah. one of the outputs was you'd come up with a deck of where if you memorize the deck, then you're like defragging yourself across, you know, across your existence. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a something compelling in there, like product wise. Yeah, I like I like your thought. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like. I think it was good for me. I think it's, and there's something a little bit like, you know, internally pushy about it for sure. Right. But I was kind of just trying to get more traction. Kind of like, you know, to steal your phrase, like increase the surface area between my sort of different, like, compartments of my mind. Mm. hmm And I think the, the spaced repetition was good for that. Because memory is a funny thing. I really think when people are fully... And you know, whatever, I don't know. Again, people are very different from each other. However, I think when people are fully in agreement with themselves that something is good to remember, then it's possible to do something internally that is fairly like spaced repetition, where you just kind of like think of it every so often. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and they say that they've done research on people who have really good memories and it's like, because they review their stuff a lot. Uh -huh. Like people who have like really good memory of what happened through their life. I, I think the latest I've seen on this is like they revisit them a lot. Right, 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 right. And I remember like I used to care. I, I don't know. Like I, there's there have been times in my life where for certain groups of people, it really mattered to me to know everybody's name. And I would sort of remember like mentally reviewing them. Right. And uh, I think know, space. Sorry. No, I, I was just going to throw in there that I have this weird tick that. um uh, there's a there's this account I follow. It's like Russian memes or something, and it's just memes from Russia. And then there's the translation, and it's like me. the The text is me rereading my tweet when someone else after someone else liked it, and then it's a person uh -huh. laughing. And I have this tick where, especially when I get positive responses from people, I go and reread the the thing I did that caused that response in them. And I think I've mm -hmm. been doing this for like decades. Um, and I haven't quite ever chosen, I guess, to introspect on it, but there's something, I think I'm like cycling through, like what's the move that gets good responses out of people. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, somebody also asked, could I give some examples? Let me consider that for a minute. It's possible. Give some examples. Um, I mean, I definitely can give some examples of the one that were not thoughts I was flinching away from. I don't know. I do have a weird story about negative side effects of GTD, which feels a little bit relevant, but. Oh yeah, that I want to hear it. But, but yeah, we'll, maybe if you give Karma the some examples, if you think of one, but just the quick version is I became obsessed with GTD and the whole write down every thought you had. And I 
had this experience of my mind opening up more and more like and it was amazing i was like offloading all these thoughts all these plans all these like things you know buzzing through my head and i just wrote everything down i was just making these long lists of like things i was gonna do in the future and the the mental chaos just died down a lot just and it kept dying down it kept dying down and then somehow i entered this weird state where my mind was just empty and it was like it was just this very weird thing where my mind was just like empty and i didn't feel like basically i ended up concluding that it was bad for my creativity like that some of the buzzing energy was actually helping me do stuff and make plans and everything but it was like this strange kind of anhedonia however you say that where it it was i think what happened is that i successfully deferred all of my plans till later (laughs) i mean i think that that's sort of like what he describes in the book like the mind like water he was like rags about how he doesn't have as many thoughts so you like really really did that i did it and then i didn't like it yeah interesting and also i've had several experiences i mean like when i was a kid i was on add medication for a bunch of years and then at a certain point just stopped taking it because i mean it was just one of these like i feel like a different person and this was after years of of being on whatever the fuck i was on um but there was something like i preferred to be more forgetful and worse at school and a little bit more like wacky basically to being more sturdy and more irritable actually i think i I was more irritable on the the med so i I just have have an experience of like trying these things and being like okay what did this actually turn me into so personally i don't really love too many external systems because i I went really hard with that stuff for a while and i find that like i try to do a lot of stuff organically but doing it a little bit i'm bringing it into my life more and more like doing it a little bit so the idea of making a deck of specific events that actually happened that i would like to remember happened especially mental events sounds pretty appealing as like a one thing rather than a totalizing like system or something okay i found one that i i feel good about sharing i think this was after the period where i was actually using these decks a lot this was sort of my tail end of i was like maybe i'll still do this this is interesting to me i don't remember you know i stopped using it i don't remember this but I wrote, what did I decide was my biggest bottleneck to being more soulful, July 2013? And I wrote, not expressing what I actually believe. Sounds accurate. Well, hopefully it's different now. Well, no, I, I, no I'm not saying... Hopefully I have a new bottleneck. Right, right, right. I, I just, I'm just, yeah, it sounds like the thing a person would experience is what I've sort of meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I used to notice that I there was a pattern where, like, I would have entire conversations with people about like what I thought about, like, but where I sort of left out the part where I was like, and here's what I personally think instead of just like different things a person might think about, um, about a topic. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I did so many of those weird systems. Um, I really did go, go hard with the GTD for a bunch of years. And I think it was extremely helpful. I think part of what I got was just the lesson of like, you really can take tasks and just break them into bits and then just do the bits like that. That's pretty powerful. Um, yeah. Sort of like clarity as this engine for like, kind of like atomizing a task into like actionable things. Um, I sort of think the danger is like getting yourself to do things that aren't really, that you don't really care about because 
you found a way to be motivated by like just doing little things because they're little and now you got them done and i sort of thought there's like a yeah, I did. thing i did um you know sebastian marshall yeah a bit i used to read his stuff years ago yeah i did one of his it was like a work cycles i think that's one of his things okay he once was like free work cycles event and i was like yeah i'll do it, it was however many hours and I, it's I do like filled out his little spreadsheet and I like set a bunch of timers and like made all these. It's like what you said I broke it down. And I like accomplished all these things. It was actually, you know, it's funny. It's full come full circle. We were talking about my thread of tweets about parenting. Mm. That's where I wrote that. Oh, that's I want. I was like clarify my parenting philosophy. Like this has been on my to do list. Oh, for cool. Is this work cycles event? Like why not? Sure. Let me break right. it down. Right. And I did. And I wrote this list and I like started fleshing it out somewhat more. And ultimately I intended to write more, but I didn't. And then I was eventually like, all right, well, let me tweet this. That seems pretty good. Right. And I remember talking to about it to him afterwards. Cause I was like, you know, it's interesting. It like worked really well and I got a lot done and it wasn't bad. And I'm not really sure I want more of this because yeah. I don't know if like, that's my thing that I need more of is like executing on a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, and maybe it is. I like, I don't know. I felt genuinely ambivalent about it. And he was sort of like, that's interesting. Like normally people who are interested in my stuff are like, sure that they want to execute more. Uh -huh. I mean, he seems somewhat ambivalent about it. I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't think that's exactly what he said, but that was a little bit of how I remember the conversation. Right. I mean, but I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think it's complicated. I think people have different, well, like, what do you mean by that? Of course people are different, but like, the person, I don't know, man, the person, I just am just, I'm just fucking suspicious of self-improvement people. I guess I've just spent so much, too much time yeah. around them and been one in every bad way it's possible to be a self-improvement person. <laughs> I feel like I've been all of them. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I respect the, it. okay, here, okay, let me give you a better response, mm -hmm. which is part of the essence of better correct action is understanding uh, your, the drives that are actually in yourself, is actual self-understanding, I should say, especially right. where they're opposed to each other and especially where they're outside of frame or something you're repressing or whatever, right? Yeah. And so it's just easy to walk in and be like, I want to be more effective, okay? Why do you want to be more effective? Because you're supposed to be more effective. Because capitalism wants you to be more effective. Because your parents want you to be more effective. Because your school... It's like... there. It's it's just a... Of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be more effective. I want to be more effective, right? It's just... It's possible to come at that from, like, such a naive place. And yeah. if someone can say, I'm not really sure I want to be more effective, I'm like... You know, of course, there's bad versions of that of, every, of everything. But it takes a little bit more experience, I think. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of course, they're, they're, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't like it, but I am kind of tickled by and I do kind of respect uh, Venkatesh Rao's, um, his, like, when he talks about how, like, being mediocre is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like I, it, but I, it's, yeah. he's kind of right for a lot of people that it's just better to be more, like, like re I don't know how you would put it, but I don't know, realistic and, like, just doing fine at work. <laughs> you know, I think... I've, I mean, I like Venkatesh Rao. I've, you know, I've read his blog for years. I've like encountered him in like Facebook groups and stuff. And I think Twitter is my favorite version of, of Venkatesh Rao. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
I, I don't know, which is neither here nor there. I, I like him in general. I've also read his book, I guess, about The Office, which I liked, but right. I like him on Twitter a lot. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like struggling to understand his stuff. And then I remember that he explicitly is like, yeah, I put up a barrier to understanding me. And I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. But, you know, I'll, I'll crawl through it when it's worth it to me, I suppose. Um, I have, I have, I, I, his stuff in the office is, is definitely very funny and awesome. I also, I should probably, this is very fun for me, but I think I want to go before too long. Yeah. Are we, did, did you ever go to Casco Bay? Is that where you are now? You know, I, um, just flew east. I don't know whether I, I just flew east. From the Portland airport? Yeah. Okay, can we maybe go to Casco Bay, uh -huh. and then that can be like an ending sort of destination? Cool. Yeah, we can. Um, if you can find me a latitude, longitude, I can teleport yeah, there directly. Absolutely. Yes, let's do that. I assume Google Maps just tells me these things. Yeah. That's... Okay, so... How do I find so many things? Map satellite, maybe? No, that is not it. Terrain, globe, transit. Okay, can does somebody in the chat just already know how to find latitude and longitude of a place? Maybe I'll just Google the location. Sometimes it's on Wikipedia. That makes sense. Okay. Okay, here we go. 43.6842 degrees north. Wait, wait, 43 point what? Here, I'll just put it in the chat. How about that? Cool. Okay. I immediately had a flashback to when you said it's worth it to learn how to touch type numbers, and I'm like, shit, I didn't learn how to touch type numbers. I'm sure I did say that. It was a long time ago. Yeah. This is like back when I was reading. Oh my god, what is going on? Oh, sorry. I that's This is like... About five times in a row, I was like, what is this dumb pop-up? No, it says I have to agree to the rules. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I agree to the rules. Yeah, agree to the rules. <laughs> okay. All right. 43.6842. Yeah, I think it's fine if people don't learn to touch type numbers. At the time, I was typing a lot. I was doing programming, and I thought it was, it like didn't take me that long to learn it, and I think it was nice. I, I don't know that it matters that much in general. So give it a second to load we've got some i think this is wait are you sure you gave me the right number well well, no, well you said but... north and west um I mean, i'm not sure but is north and west what latitude and longitude are oh perhaps not i don't know no latitude hmm I'm not positive that that's what coordinates. What? Okay. Sorry. You said to look on Wikipedia. Yeah. Can do that. There's also, what's an ICAO? ICAO. Can you put in a, you probably can't put in the zip code. That's probably yeah. no good. Yeah. Wikipedia also shares the coordinates. They give me. Try swapping the numbers. I could. That's what Wikipedia says. 
which is a slightly different format, but again, it has it under coordinates. Hell, man. Got to get there. 43.4134 by 70.916. Also, I will say, the one question I didn't... I didn't end up talking about internal family systems therapy that much. I have an unrealized plan. I had a conversation with liminal warmth about maybe going on her podcast and talking about that. So I think I'm going to maybe say that that is my new plan for how to talk about internal family systems more is to try to go on liminal warmth's podcast, which she expressed interest in. And then I was like, Oh, but I can't do it now. And so now, right. Anyway. Cool. Maybe we can check it out. So I don't know. I put it in, I I've ended up in this strange deserty place. Yeah, that seems very wrong. And I'm not sure. <laughs> What to say about that? Can you just go back to Portland Airport? It's really very close to it. Yeah, hold on. I got this. Um, what was the Portland Airport again? Portland Airport. It's like M P M W or something. I don't know. That's probably wrong. Oh yeah, Portland Airport, Maine. P. PWM. Okay, okay, I can do this. Teleport window. Done. Go. Not valid. I don't know how any of this works. Okay, I... <laughs> I don't know how this works. Karma Custodian says, it's been fun hearing from you, Divya. Excited to hear future podcasts. Thank you. Uh, you guys are closer in the social network than you than you know. I, I can you know some oh, okay. similar people. Good to know. I'm not from the Pacific Northwest. PW. Wait, can you... Do you... Can I know where you are now? Yeah, well, I'm in the Chicago suburbs. Okay. I did not know this. How, are, how is that? Cold. Mm. It's real fucking cold. Um, it's uh, so goddamn cold. It's been like 16 degrees. Like, the other day it was just like zero degrees. Um, Do you have, like, warm enough clothes? Or not really? I've accumulated enough stuff. I just wear a lot of layers. I don't have a true winter jacket, but and in yeah. fact, yesterday I was, I drove to like a icy, frozen field just to like get some thinking done in a new location, and mm -hmm. I suddenly had the instinct that I should go run in the snow, and I did, and I like sprinted, and I just like got nauseous because like when you sprint, and you haven't sprinted in a while, you like yeah. get the adrenaline sickness or whatever, and I was like pretty intense, but. Um, invigorating. It was what I needed. Nice. Right. Here we go. I I oh, I am back at that Portland International Jetport. Cool. Yeah. So it's really very close. 
you know but off direction. like where the water is like if you go to the atlantic ocean from here okay yeah if you drag that map around or something i'm happy to show you i don't know if that's helpful let's get us there Here, I'll make this map bigger. Okay. And uh, you tell me. Basically, what I did before is I went east and I followed these weird lumpy islands. Yeah, yeah, but it's close. It's like of the. It's maybe. Can I like put a picture in the in the Discord, perhaps? Yeah, perhaps. Um. Okay, so let me just see. So that, wait, can you, you're, the problem, a problem I have is that that map, your face is over part of that map. I just saw that, yeah. Is it possible to put the map on the other side of the screen or? Yeah. Yes, okay, cool. All right. So you see those like islands close to it? It's the long one. Okay. Um, I'm, I'll fly I don't know if that's island. helpful. There are like three sort of on top of each other, north, south, that are, are like, yeah. And then there's a long one. Uh, you see what I mean? A long one that's attached to the coast or it's an island? No, no, it's an island. So I see three islands. I mean, they're two tiny ones, but three sort of substantial ones. Yeah. Um, kind of stacked north and south. There's yeah. one and then East Island and then Cushing Island. And then a long one kind of like north east of that. It's the long one. Yeah, let's zoom in a little. Yeah, you're headed right for it. It's that long one right coming up. The middle of the three or the top of the three? I think we were talking about a different three. It's the one directly in front of you. Like, you're not... in With the seven-second delay, you're probably over it right now. Oh, okay. I can yeah, that... Okay, you're over... You're already over it yeah. in my seven-second delay version. So this, this is Long Island, Maine. Oh, cool. This huh? is like... I have an ancestor called Ezekiel Cushing who used to own this island. Um, we have our family reunions there every summer except last summer because of COVID. Yeah. Um, Here, tell and me. It's, I mean, it's a small place. I like it. It's very pretty. Yeah. It has beaches. Um, Let me know if you see anything you recognize. I do. I mean, I recognize everything. It's like a tiny oh, wow. place. I mean, yeah, whatever. Like, I've walked around, like, I've walked, you know, and biked around the whole island. Yeah. And like driven around it on a golf cart and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, if you go down somewhere, I, some of it is like if I say something with a delay, like you have to stay in one place for people, I think, to have any idea what's going on. Yes. No, I, I know it's frustrating. I'm just trying to move in a. No, it's okay. But yeah, the, I definitely <laughs> see things I recognize. Yeah. Here, I'll pause above this uh, and rotate a little bit above this beach. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm also do can you put your map thing back or no? Yeah. Just so I can see. I can zoom. Oh, but can you yeah, right. If you blow it up much more. Does that look right? Yes. So I'm a little, I've, I will admit that I, in addition to knowing this place fairly well, also have what I would describe as a very bad sense of direction. <laughs> um, but there are two, oh wait, see, right, because there, 
there are two main beaches on this island. There's South Beach and there's Fowler's Beach. And I think that, but now I'm second guessing myself because I'm a little confused. I think this is South Beach. And then if you go around the corner, that's, um, that's also, that's like, it's, this is one of those like little things that comes up with a property like this. Like some guy lives on that part that sort of juts out mm-hmm. and then in order to get, get around the corner to that other bit of beach, it's like. A pain. Well, no, it's like you can just do it, but you're walking across his property technically. Right. Which like sometimes people are super touchy about, but it's like if you were to walk around and like get, go in the water, it's like perfectly legal to do that because I think everyone has an automatic easement. This is just like the lawyers in my family, like my brother and like <laughs> my, my mom's cousin's wife, like my, they, they're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. The rule is in Maine, any like up to the high tide line, you automatically have an easement so you can like walk around there and there is free access. But right. That's kind of boring. So everyone just walks across this guy's property and, um, <laughs> That guy on the right. On the right. Okay, wait. Now I'm... So we're we're at the very... Bu- Here, look. I'm going to make it so that the island looks like the one on the map. Perfect. Okay. And then there's no... Looks more or less like the one on the map. Except for scale. Yes. And here, I will also... I can put this thing in the chat, too. think that that's how this works one second if anyone wants to look you just got to follow the chat rules yeah to follow the chat rules you can see where um where some things marked on there are oh yeah yeah well according to this well yeah there, there will be a delay but yeah jerry point is where yeah, I am. and then there's that little that little island off the side of it is called Overset Island. There's a tiny island um, off of Fowler's Beach, which is called College Island, or evidently the old timers used to just call it the College. I have gone over to that island. This little thing. Yeah, that tiny little thing. How do you get there. over to the island? You take a boat. No, it's um, it's no, no, no. You wait till it's low tide and you just walk there. Oh, you walk. Um, or if you want to do it at high tide, you could swim there. It's not actually very far at all. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. This is just nothing is really that far. So that's from Fowler's Beach. Right. Um, the other one was South Beach. Anyway, I don't know. That's that's my other location. Yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like going places that i've lived and stuff because you can just get yeah, in. okay and then can you can you keep going down the road on the left the like on the left side road yeah follow this road yeah which i believe is called island avenue according to my memory and then yeah there was the old wharf and then this is like the new wharf where the um, past this part, that long dock there, that's where the um, the ferry is. Uh-huh. Or, sorry, not the, well, not, you know, when the ferry comes, it goes to that dock. Right. And then if you keep going a little, I can show you where my, where we used to go. This is like was my grandparents used to be. Um, now someone else owns that house, but. 
It is funny that they simulate some of the stuff and the rest of it is just like a mushy blob. Yeah. Okay, wait. Now I'm... Wait, wait. Sorry. Go back. Now I'm confused because we're not exactly on the road anymore. Well... Oh, yeah. Sorry. We jiggle. We are still following that road north. Okay, but you were in that other thing down there. Well, here, here's your the ferry, I believe. I'd have to, again, I think I have a bit of a delay. Yes, I believe that is the ferry. Right. And then... Is it possible to get even further down or no? Oh, uh, yeah, I can go all the way down. Okay. Should I follow the road? Yeah. Okay, I can go I, as though we're yeah, driving. Yeah. You can pretend like you're a golf cart yeah. and go on this road. Except for I'm a fighter jet, but that's... Except for you're a fighter jet, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like some old houses and whatever. Yeah. Um... It's weird. On this map, it almost looks like that road is like a river, but... Yeah. It's Fair enough. It's, you know... Simulation distance. Some people have modded this to use Google Maps instead of Bing Maps because Google Maps is better. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And it's speculated that Microsoft might crack down on that or something because the whole point. <laughs> well, is I hope being... Microsoft finds something else to do than that. Right. <laughs> Different plan for their life. Okay, go slowly, because okay. seven seconds ahead, you may already be like pretty close to where. I guess now you're going extremely slowly. Oh, I don't, there slow. might be practical. It's, I mean, it's fine. I don't have a good solution. But somewhere around here is yeah. where we go in the summer. It was on the right side of the road, the non-water side of the Oh, there, I think I might have just, I don't know. I can't tell. Anyway. I can keep scooting. <laughs> No, it's cool. Anyway, it was somewhere around here. I used to go there in the summer. It was fun. We had like bikes and golf carts and whatever. And I, I still try yeah. to go from the family reunion. And I'm, you know, actually my uh, my mom, and my stepfather will be there this year. And they, because they got their vaccines or they got like the first shot and they're about to get their second one soon. Nice. Nice. And so they're going on vacation, which good for them. But I don't, we're, it seems un. it seems unlikely that I personally, you know, I found actually some link on Twitter that was like, it was retweeted by some doctors that have had pretty good COVID takes. So I was like, it was, it said it was some like national waiting list to be told mm. if there were like any extra COVID vaccines. So I put my name on, I right. figured why not? Like nobody, I don't remember anyone who, I didn't think I was, my personal information is not hard to find on the internet. So if, if somebody now has it additionally in this database, it seemed, I didn't like vet it or anything, but I, right. I liked this idea that anyway, I want a COVID vaccine. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get one. But How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I know. At this point, I'm just like, fuck, dude, it'll happen when it happens. Just, like, put me in line somewhere. Yeah, so I filled it out. And, of course, I'm, like, you know, I'm putting my age and I'm putting that I have, like, zero reason that I ever need to leave the house. They're like, are you a frontline worker or this or that? And I'm like, right. no. <laughs> None of right. those things. Right. Then they asked about, like, all sorts of health conditions that I, I mostly don't have for which I am thankful. And then they said, are you pregnant or breastfeeding? And I was like, wait a minute. I mean, like, anyway, I had heard that some pregnant people 
had access to the vaccine and that they actually weren't sure if they should take it because it, there's hasn't been a yeah. ton of testing. I think some people in the reason that they they offered access was that some people in the vaccine groups got pregnant and they seemed fine and they seemed protected. But uh-huh. you know, there was, it hasn't been as extensive with them. And I was like, it's like nursing a toddler. Like that feels like not really a reason that anyone should be prioritized in having a COVID vaccine. But they put it on their list. So yeah, okay, so you check it off. Yeah. Can't hurt, probably. All right then. Well, why don't we why don't we call it? Oh, you're on the beach. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I stopped on the beach, and I was trying to stop us on the beach, and the plane went flying. But it will rocket anyway, us on to new adventures. Place. You what? Thank you to um, thank you to everyone who participated in the chat. I do agree; it's more fun with people. Totally. No. I I have a, I have a I'm pretty damn happy with my chat. I feel like I got a, a good crew remarkably consistent which adds something i feel like we kind of develop a little bit of shared consciousness you know totally yeah dude uh, and i i'm also pretty excited about this uh this collins thing and it's it's always a wild ride so um i definitely enjoyed it um cool i will end this and then everybody have a good night and uh we'll be back very likely next week there's some chance i'll take a week off but <clears throat> I probably won't. Um, and uh, we'll be back with more Pop Fist. Good to see everybody. Wandre, W, Soren. Wandre. Yeah, Wait, I said Wandre. All right. Good night, everybody. Karma Custodian. Good.